live again in front of the quarantine cast. This is episode 197 of Fickner Podcast. I'm Brandon T. McClure. With me, as always, in this journey through this whole COVID horrible nightmare uh, is Ben Magnet, who's still going to work and got a stupid pin. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Sparks yeah, Woody. I don't know. I've introduced Sparks now. Sparks Woody. Uh, yeah, I think Corona Saga is longer than any Dragon Ball Z saga. Corona Saga. Boo so Saga is, right now, Boo Saga is giving it a run for its money. I don't think so. Uh, it's been months. It's been a lot of months of the coronavirus. I think right. we're in the longest saga. And Ryan Eliopoulos. It's me. I'm um, going to work. Show, yep, trying to stay positive. Not positive for COVID, though, because that would suck. Got a fancy haircut? Sure. What did you go to the to get your haircut? Where'd you go? To a place by my work. Oh, okay. Because this place isn't open. Right. Yeah. I just went to a barber shop because it cost me uh, more money than I than I wanted to spend, but I, but it looks good. So. Oh, is that the is that the one that's right by the Barnes Noble on the other side of the? Yeah. Okay. And oh, I, okay. I I might have spent twice as much as I normally do, but I got a massage and I got a oh. wet towel and I got a neck shave and I had a great conversation, so it was worth it. And did you feel safe? And I felt super safe. They were so clean, way cleaner than maybe the place you went to, buddy. That's probably <laughs> true. But at least I hey, I know I know cuz I got tested after yeah. that. I'm good. Yeah. And uh there was only one person there, so I'll take good. the I'll take the win. Yeah. Yeah. For you audio listeners, I'm looking fly. That's all you got to know. He does. He, he is looking fly. Look, he's always looking fly. Always loving it. Not positive for COVID. <laughs> you, hear, you heard it here first. I love how you're able to change the ticker like that, Brandon. Isn't that great? <laughs> it's just so, like, there's so many things we can do with this. We can include videos. We can include uh, uh, so many things. We can, the future is bright with StreamYard if we're stuck in this uh, wonderland that we're in. Yeah. Hellhole. Uh, Hellhole. Okay, well, you know, it's Hello, another week. Darkness. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah, it's another it's another week. Uh, so, uh, who wants to go first with their? I'm gonna go first. We're recording this one day early, and I've worked most of this week, so I've literally done nothing. I watched some TV shows with him, and he'll talk about them. I've literally done nothing. So, Sparks, if you want to go, Sparks. Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead. Uh, we are recording one day early, and I want to say a quick like. Uh, I think this week you guys have made three accommodations on my part, and I appreciate it because you accommodated me being gone in Monterey. You accommodated the internet going out there so we could do the book club on Thursday when I got back. And you're accommodating this so that I can be at uh, some very dear friends getting married tomorrow uh, in a very small, intimate thing in a park where we will be very far apart from each other. But that's so cute. Uh, yeah, uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate all of you being accommodating this week. It meant a lot. Um, most of my time was spent being back in Monterey this week with my parents uh, Megan was with me. We were uh, there, There's also a, a friend of mine who lives there with them now, Lauren. And that's all the people I got to see. I didn't tell most people who are back there that I was there. So I'm like, I don't want to do the whole like, oh, it'd be great to see you. And I was like, no, but I'm isolating entirely just to see my parents and protect them. Um, <clears throat> so that was really nice. Uh, I had not, this is the, this was the longest period of time I've gone without seeing them in my life. Uh, so that was that really hit me when I did actually physically get there and see them. I was like, Oh, this has been a long time. Um, they were very, very kind. Uh, something that I did, uh, cause Megan still had to work at home. And so we spent a lot of time with like her working and then my mom was hanging out with me. But what I was doing while I was hanging out with her is I was pulling out all the single issue comics I still have there and cataloging them into my phone. 
it was a lot. Um, but I found some really nice gems. Uh, so I'll probably be like posting about them or something somewhere. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I didn't get to do a ton there uh, because the internet went out for the second half of our time. And so I was cut off from you guys. I was cut off from uh, learning about what was going on this week. From Hello, Mag. Hello, Mag. Hey, buddy. Hey. Um, so I just, uh, I did my catching up when I got back. And what it was is Ryan and I watched Harley Quinn, but we still haven't watched Friday's Friday's episode, mm-hmm. yesterday's episode. So we're, no, we're I'm, oh. I, I, I finished, I finished last week. Yeah, last yeah, week. yeah, 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 yeah. We're still, well, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. No, it's great. I, I'm glad that you got caught up and you're stoked about it. Uh, I definitely am pumped to watch that last episode, probably right. tomorrow at some point. Um, I've done, I played various video games. I took uh, my Switch and I played it while we were at my parents. I, I played Overcooked with my mom. I'll keep singing praises. I think that's a great game for like family gatherings like that and stuff. Um, so Mario Party as well. Uh, um, our friend of the podcast, Travis, has had uh, extra time away from work because of reasons. And so we've been doing a little bit more gaming there. Um, nothing super special to note. I, uh, I have kept myself from playing Last of Us Part Two, though I own it. Because Same. I understand that when I start, I will not stop. Um, and I need to prepare myself a section of time to be like, it's okay if you just invest your whole day into this. Uh, and I'm not quite there yet. It is a emotional investment. If you played the first one, uh, this one apparently is like, it doubles down on the sadness. So like, you have to be ready. It's, not, it's like watching like a, like a really sad movie for two hours, except this is a 20 to 30 hour um, horror, <laughs> horror fest. And I'm just like... Yeah, we just I, I'm I'm excited for us to eventually play it. Yeah, whenever we're I definitely ready. want to have a conversation. I'm gonna want to. I feel like it's something I'm definitely gonna want to talk about when I'm over it in some capacity. There are so many because... spoiler casts online with like the voice actors of it and like the creators and like the uh, journalists. I'm like, oh god, I just I, I love listening to spoiler casts. Oh, uh, friend friend of the podcast Pie is is currently doing what I know I'll be doing, which is giving almost all his time to that game mm-hmm. and playing through it. And uh, we've talked a bit about without him spoiling anything. Just uh, things that I'm already aware of that are going to make that game a sl- uh, emotionally hard. Um, so I'm prepared for that. Ryan and Megan and I did watch the first episode of the new season of Doom Patrol. And that show's fantastic. Uh, uh, that show wasn't a small budgeted show or anything, but I definitely think the second season, like, they got more money. Oh, for like, sure. Man, like, this show looks so good. Yeah. Uh, and it, it retains that tone and it introduces a new character that is just unbelievably sweet and adorable. Um, it adds this this friction to the team that was not there because of just who the character is, um, and the ramifications of the season finale and what happens with with the main character, the chief, and everyone dealing with their own traumas. And I'm like, God, this this show is just so. How is this show so good? Yeah. Well, being about a robot man and a little cave a cave lady, like a little cave woman, it's like, it's it's really impressive. Like, good good job to those guys. Yeah, I can't I cannot stop. My phone accidentally started recording your voice and typing it out Hell yeah. um, while you said that. I cannot uh, I cannot sing the praises of Doom Patrol enough. I'm very excited to continue watching that season. Uh, and the last thing I'll bring up is that um, Megan and I earlier today just uh, kind of needed to fill some time. So we just watched the first two episodes of The Floor is Lava mm. on Netflix, which is really entertaining. Um, but the narrator needs to shut the hell up. Yeah, and let the game just happen. Sometimes I lied. I did watch something, and it reminds me of the floor is lava. I watched uh, two episodes of that uh, Jedi cha- Temple Challenge thing. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, um, I think God, it's, I forgot that it's, even came it's out. It's really good. I think the first five minutes 
um, they leave a bad impression because it starts very generic, like a very generic, like, hi, I'm Tommy, I'm 12, and I'm going to kick butt. Like that that stuff, but when you get to the actual game, all the kids are really charismatic, and and um, the the challenges are actually really fun, and, and the dark side stuff is really interesting, not in the way that you think it is. It's not about betrayal. It's about cheating and getting getting um getting caught for it and what happens when you try to cheat system um it's really fun and like they and they get really fun kids um who are just kind of like half of them are there to really win and the others like i don't give a shit i'm just having a really good time i don't care if i lose so um definitely worth watching because it's free on youtube um very very fun that's uh that's definitely something uh you and Megan and I need to just have a game day and we'll do the floor is lava and and the jedi challenge and see how we feel and floor Um, lava is good Floor's Lava, the, 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 the game is really uh, creative. It's very fun to watch. Um, it, it, it's, uh, I mean, like contestants are, you know, like some of them you like, some of them you don't, that's whatever. Yeah. But the, the game itself is very creative. It's the kind of thing where I'm like, I would love to like pay money to go like do two hours of trying to do these obstacle courses yeah. that are essentially there. Um, it's very engaging in that way. The only thing I have against it, and I mean, this can be said for many game shows, but this one feels particularly obnoxious about it. It's just a, a constant recapping of things that are happened in the same episode. And you're like, I know we, we just, it just happened. Oh, like it just happened like, like five minutes ago. There's a commercial break that's, that was cut out. No, no, something. no, not even not like that. Uh, when you were watching the next team go through the same course, they'll constantly remind you how the other team handled the oh, same okay. obstacle. And you're like, this is the same episode. We watched it. I like know. your attention span If it were like, the next episode, I'd be like, sure, exactly. And the narrator just needs to shut up every once in a while. Um, but beyond well, you, that... You know, you can kind of you can kind of assume that that would be something that uh, cable television, uh, one of these shows would do. But this is a streaming show. This was made that's, for Netflix. Why would it keep recapping? That's exactly why I feel that way, where I'm like, this is this is dumb. Anyway, uh, but it's, it's fun to watch. Uh, and the last thing that I can bring up is we, uh, the anime group, we watched two more episodes of Tower of God. Um, and the, they're like, uh, the, the new challenge that they're dealing with to get to ascend the tower is very interesting. Um, I really like the way that it's laid out. Um, you know how like anime loves to do a lot of them shonen specifically love to do like trial things and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you have to overcome obstacle a, and you have to be intelligent, but you also have to use abilities and this kind of thing. And this is just a really good creative one of those um, mm-hmm. that I'm enjoying watching. And it, it peppered in a little bit more lore of the world in a way where I'm like, Ooh, spicy. But uh, also the last episode had this, uh, they introduced a character who was covered in a hood that the whole time you know exactly who's behind that hood because of the way they lay it out. And even one of the main characters pretty much says he knows that it's that person under the hood. But at the end of the episode, they make it a big deal of knowing who that character is. And I'm like, you really told us. You told us many times. Anyway, good anime so far still. I'll keep you updated on if it gets uh, trash. Oh, But we'll see. Uh, I'll go next. Um, I, uh, I'll start here. I finished Love, Victor. Uh, oh, nice. last, last week I was about halfway through it. This week I finished it. Actually, uh, I finished it after we got off the episode. I, we, I just went and watched it for the rest of the night. Oh my god, we got off. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Nice core. Um, Thanks. I, I really like that show. I think that show is awesome. Um, many times it just kind of, it was kind of sitting there, I was like, I really want to watch Love Simon again. Uh, yeah, that movie is also excellent. Um, the actor who plays Simon in the movie Love Simon, 
does return, but as a vocal cameo. Okay. So Victor is constantly Instagramming with Simon, who's long off in New York and no longer going to going to school. And so Victor, Victor and Simon Instagram back and forth. And so the actor does come back to read what Victor is telling Victor. Um, what, what, what Simon, Simon is telling Victor? Yeah. Yeah. What Simon is telling Victor. And uh, so that's, that's really most of the time he's, he's in the, he's in every episode doing those vocal cameos. He does appear once for a couple minutes. I won't say where or how or whatever, because it, it is kind of cool. Um, yeah. I, I just think that the show is, just as good as Love Simon, it does tackle the other things that we saw in the trailer about how uh, his family was not as supporting of the idea that he could be gay or, um, or or things like that. And there is a lot of that in there, and I just found it to be really great. His sister character, however, is the most self righteous, horrible character I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Every chance she gets, she's just like. I'm going to do it. I was just like, just shut up, read the room, do something, be a smart person. And I think it's, I think she's written deliberately to be that way. And the actress is very good, but uh, man, I, there were many times where I just wanted to reach into that screen and slap her. Well, that shows a good antagonist when they, when they actually make you mad. No, she's not an antagonist though. The, uh, the antagonistic force is kind of the, the idea that he could be gay. I do wish that there was more of him discovering himself. Um, the first episode basically just says, "Yes, he's confused, but we, the audience, you, the audience, will definitely know which way he sides." Uh, and that was kind of frustrating. And I would like more of the kind of like he's discovering himself, what that could mean, and what he could be. But great show, and hopefully Disney allows it to be renewed because you never know because they shuffle it off to Hulu. Yeah, I mean, if it's it's doing what well, like they still get stuff from Hulu. So if it's doing well enough, then I'm sure yeah, they will. I hope so. I hope so. I think it's really good. I feel like, um, I feel like if, show, if it's got the response, like if shows like Motherland and everything's going to be okay or getting renewed, then... Yeah, if Motherland can get renewed, Love, Love Victor, Victor can, can definitely get renewed. Get renewed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People watch um, that. The only thing that makes me concerned is that D- Disney was so hesitant to have it anymore after the, sh- after the show was filmed and it is 20th Century Fox shuffled into Hulu. So I'm just kind of like, I can see where not necessarily Disney wouldn't want to renew it, but where it just, it just kind of blows under the radar and Disney doesn't even think about it. Sure. Um, but I liked it a whole lot and I recommend it. It's only, it's really short. It's just 10, 20 minute episodes. So um, I also finished the purge season two. It did release on DVD months ago and I didn't know that we found it. We bought it. Um, season two we talked a bit about the purge and I really like, I really like the franchise of the purge. I know sparks, Ryan, You're the same. Um, I wasn't what? Well, I, I can't really say that. I've only seen the original purge film and that one season of the show. So I can't, Oh, I see. I, I like the concept a lot, but I can't say like, I'm sure I would be, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not there. I can't wait for you to watch the rest of them. I think you'd like the, the next two. Oh, Halloween. Yeah. You're following. Um, maybe cool. Uh, Purge season two, you guys have not seen it, right, Ryan? You haven't seen it either. That's correct. Right. Um, it's probably my favorite thing to come out of the franchise. That's impressive. Good. I really liked Election Year, for example, which is my favorite. It's my favorite movie in the franchise. Uh, I wasn't crazy about season one of The Purge. It was all right. The actors are good, but the characters are unbelievably stupid. Um, but this episode, this season, was such a huge massive improvement even if you like the first season i think you'll like this one more 
because of just the the, stat, the next quality. And I think it has a lot to do with they're they're doing. We all know it. Season two takes place after the purge, mm-hmm. and the stuff they're able to do by building out the world, building out what the life is like off purge, uh, discovering what the purge like, looking in real time what the purge does to people. Um, it it's truly delightful to see that whole new world open up to this franchise something we've never seen before um the characters are great the guy who plays gabe jones from captain america one you guys remember him uh he's the howling command the black howling commando yes oh okay. okay that guy yeah he's in it he's one of the main characters uh the the drama is great uh the guy who plays uh hercules hansen herc hansen from pacific rim one is in it oh you all oh, remember that character. Australian guy? Yeah, the Australian guy. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. Um, he's in it. He's really good in it. And yeah, I just think the story is great. The the themes it explores is great. There's a reference to the movie The First Purge where they're just like, yeah, this doctor died purging. If you've seen The First Purge, you know that's not true. Um, in the in the beginning of every episode... I'll tell they, you too much if we're going to watch it. I'm not. Well, my last thing I wanted to say is the beginning of every episode has a tag. It's a different tag every episode, different characters, different places in the world. And it's just quick little snippets of what the rest of the world is away from these characters and kind of, you know, it shows back in time, just for whatever. But I just thought it was really great to just find a, a different way to build out that world. And again, it's an uncharted territory for the purge. So I appreciated, I felt like I got, a sense of what the entire world was going through, thanks to the Purge season two. Excellent, gotcha. Uh, do you? Wh- I I guess I'll know when I watch the movies or or the show. But when you say the world, do you mean like the world building? The, the well, well, what I mean is like uh, it's still just in our in the U.S. Right? Yeah. So the Purge is in is just in the U.S. Um, but I mean, like in season one, there's people who don't know what's going around going on around the world. And France in season season one was mentioned to. Uh, to be thinking about instigating a purge. Right, right. And that's more what I'm just asking is, because I don't mind that kind of spoiler, is is do they show more of other people in other parts of the world reacting to the purge and its existence? Not in, not so much in season one. Those tags are mostly just, it's just America. Oh, I know, I love season one, but in, uh, in season no, two. No, no, I mean, it's, in season two, exactly. the, 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 it's just... It's more of just what's going on in America, like the world building. Like gotcha, gotcha. Because I feel like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in season one there was like a character who like they came to America to partake in the purge. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that whole concept is something I, I, I almost wish there was like a, a reverse Euro trip movie yeah. going to America to do the purge uh, and how that went wrong mm. as its own film. That 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 truly fascinates me. Like thinking. Uh, Oh, I can't. It's, it's, like, it's like crazy Europeans come to, here for vacation on Purge Day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I, I really liked it. I really liked it. Awesome. It's it's so good. Um, that's awesome to hear. I truly wish that show had been made on FX instead of USA. Awesome. Because it's I canceled, think, right? Yes. Uh, because USA has given up on scripted television. Um, yeah. I truly wish it had been made on FX. I think FX would have promoted it better. I mm-hmm. think FX would have given it uh, more oomph to its budget and at Marketing, this point would yeah. allow it to exist on hulu yeah uh even if it wasn't running on the fx because the show anymore. is not that high budget where it can't appear on a streaming service no god no yeah uh i i wish that show could continue because i think uh I, I would i'm always for exploring that the concept of the purge i think the concept is 
utterly fascinating and, and only gets more timely as the years go by. Yeah. There were so many moments when I'm watching this, this season specifically, and I'm just like, you know, when did we get to the point where the first movie were like, that could never happen to, I can see that happening. Well, the, the thing about, again, that first movie is, it's weird to think because that first movie isn't really a purge movie. It's a home invasion movie using the purge, right? but yeah. it doesn't use the purge in, in a huge way. Like the sequels in the show do. It's just the set dressing where it's a night where murder happens. So that first movie, I, it's even hard to call it a purge movie because it's just a home invasion. Movie. I, I agree. I, that's why uh, I don't I, think it's I, that good. I think it's I fine. was just, I was just unimpressed with the franchise, which is why I initially didn't and that's pick what it back up. And out. then I heard, no, they're doing the thing you wanted. They're yeah. actually exploring the concept. And I'm like, Oh cool. Cause the concept is, that's why is I, so I like that. Good. That second one's my favorite. Uh, is that, I think it's called anarchy. Yeah. That's yeah. one where it's like the first time where it is in a city and it's like, you see every type of person. In right. It. Yeah, like, yeah. Shit, man. Yeah, that Purge is, is, again, like that first movie is whatever. So a lot of the people have just given up on that franchise. But it, it's turned into something really, really good, it's, I think. It's, on a, it's one of Universal's most profitable franchises. Because they're so cheap to make. I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. Uh, and every every Purge movie, uh, I was looking at the trivia for the Purge franchise. Like every Purge movie has made more money than the last. So that, that's, a, that's a good trajectory for any horror franchise. Like if people keep going to see your movies, then like don't stop making them until they're bad. Yeah. And honestly, like I think, I think as they get further into just exploring the concept of the purge, more th- more so about the themes of what it possibly means, I think it gets even more interesting. Um, election year sets up something that first that first purge, the prequel, just completely destroys, and mm-hmm. you're like, this just keeps evolving in such fascinating ways, and and like I keep wanting to eat it up. I uh, again, this is like if they did they ever announce they were doing a comic? Was that ever a thing, or am I just thinking that? I'll look it up. Maybe not, but I'm just thinking of like. What does the purge look like in 2099? Like, I'm just thinking of like, you could really, this could be like a ground floor thing to make a whole different like media universe. Not like huge, like, you know, like a Marvel thing, but like. I would love to see this franchise keep going, even if it gets dropped for a while and then gets picked back up. Like they do a movie where they actually end the purge. And then they do a movie that takes place like a decade later where they're like, you know what? Why don't we bring the purge back? And I'm like, there's so many avenues you can go with that concept. It's so good. Then. It's interesting watching the timeline of the purge having having evolved. And by the time they get to the first purge, the movie, the first purge, um, which takes place in which was released in 2018 and takes place in 2017, yeah. because by the time we got to this franchise so far away, the new founding fathers of America, the the new founding fathers of America, the political party that controls America at the time, was elected in 2014. Yeah. It's so like, like yeah. And the election year takes place in 2040. So, I mean, it does span a lot of time, but it's right. still fascinating. It's just kind of be like, well, now it's just ultimate history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or at least an alternate future. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We hope. Hey, if, if a new if a new party comes, cl- comes across calling themselves the new founding fathers of America, I think we right. know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> they might not call themselves that, but I mean, come on, we're almost there. <laughs> if they call themselves that, um, we're rude. Let's see. So, yeah, so I, I watched those two shows. I watched The Silence of the Lambs, which I'm not going to say much about. It's an incredible movie. I've seen it many times. It's a low um, Yeah, I, I love that movie. Um, Anthony Hopkins is so incredibly amazing in that movie. He's, he's just incredible. Um, and so my girlfriend wanted to see The Silence of the Lambs movies for a long time. So we finally watched them. And so she wanted to watch them in the order they released. And unfortunately, that means we have to watch the movie Hannibal. And Ridley Scott joint. 
Yeah, that movie is awful, especially when you watch them two back to back. It doesn't it does not help to watch them back to back. But Hannibal is was filmed 10 years later. Uh, Anthony Hopkins clearly doesn't give a shit. He's still good in it. And, you know, Anthony Hopkins is good in most things. But there's a couple of character things that, that he did in the first film that he just doesn't care to do in the next one. And if they're supposed to be the same character. It, it, it comes a little disjointed because of that. When did Red um, Dragon come out? Red Dragon actually came out the year after Hannibal. And you know what's crazy? If, if you would have told me this uh, before both these movies came out, I would have laughed. But Red Dragon is directed by Brett Ratner, who's famously not a good director. Red Dragon's a good movie. Yes, I, and Ridley Scott, one of the greatest directors, directed a really bad Hannibal movie. And, it, and putting those next to each other, you're like, are you telling me Brett Ratner is the best filmmaker right now? Like, out of these two? <laughs> like, that's, give me a break. I can't believe that happened back to back. I know, oh. seriously. I thought Red Dragon came out before Hannibal did. And that's no, why... so the franchise, so Sands of the Lambs came out in 1991. Uh-huh. Hannibal was, Hannibal as a book had already been released. So okay. they were trying to adapt it from that moment onwards. And it was in development hell for 10 Man years. Which, why, which is why, well, Manhunter came out like six years before Sands of the Lambs. So I'm, I'm saying this isn't the first Hannibal thing. Manhunter was a movie in the 80s where Brian Cox played Hannibal in, yeah. in the 80s. So it's like, actually, it's an adaptation of Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so when Silence of the Lambs came out, big hit. So they just wanted to make a sequel. They lost the director and they lost Judy Foster through development hell of 10 years. 2001, Hannibal comes out. 2002, Red Dragon comes out. Six years later, Hannibal Rising. I saw that. I did too. I don't remember hating it, but I haven't seen I, it since. I, was the I don't remember one. hating it either, but that's not, I don't think that's great praise. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like I still like Silence of the Lambs. I don't think I've ever seen Hannibal. I haven't seen Red Dragon in a long time, and I never saw Hannibal Rising. But to me, like outside of Silence of the Lambs, top and honestly, like just top Hannibal thing remains Hannibal. now the TV show. Yeah, that is. Yeah, the, I, I Silence of the Lambs is a great movie, but that Hannibal show is one of the most unique things ever made. Yeah, how that how that was on NBC and managed to be like a rated R gore fest, super sexual, super violent, super like heady, emotional stuff. And then like NCIS was playing next. I'm like, what? How? There's, it's the, it's nothing that has ever happened like it before. It was a, it was yeah. a fluke. And now Netflix might, might be bringing it back. Maybe don't even joke. God, I hope so. Don't even joke. Netflix. I mean, not even funny. Ryan Fuller and the cast have not given up on coming back. They just did a reunion know, on, on yeah, zoom. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that show will forever remain with me, like making me mildly uncomfortable for the fact that I watched him cut up people to prep them for meals. And I was like, damn, that looks good. Because <laughs> yeah, you watch it, you, you know, you're watching it go from like yeah. a prop person meat and then it goes to some other kind of meat that looks close enough. But that the transitional moment isn't something you see. So it's just yeah. like, oh, dang, human looks pretty good when he does it. When you said that, it reminded me of a line from uh, Team Four Stars Final Fantasy VII Mission Bridge when Vincent Valentine comes on the scene. And he's just like making small talk. And he goes, do you ever wonder what a human tastes like? It's chewy. Ew. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that film is very boring. Also, it's two hours and 11 minutes, and it's slow as shit. Um, Hannibal, right? Yeah, Hannibal. Um, So the last thing I want to say about it is apparently Ridley Scott wanted, apparently Ridley Scott didn't like the ending of the book. So he asked uh, Thomas Harris if he could change it, and he did. Um, Apparently the book ends very differently. I didn't know that. I don't know if that would have made a better movie, but kind of wish they had done it. Isn't it Ray Liotta in that movie? Yes, he is. Yeah, so he's the guy strapped to the chair with his brain cut open, and he's mm-hmm. just like, 
Man, that could have been so scary, and it wasn't. It oh, was and Gary Oldman is in it. Oh, he is hell. Yeah. 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 Gary Oldman is in it. He's like super mangled in the There's he's one. In the there is one scene that sticks with me, and it's the flaming wheelchair scene. That's, I think that's, is that in that movie or is that in Red Dragon? That's flaming wheelchair, Red, Red Dragon, probably. Oh, damn. I was about to give Hannibal some props. Sorry. <laughs> Never mind. That movie sucks. <laughs> Screw you, Hannibal. You get no props. Yeah, dude. In Red Dragon, there's a crazy ass scene where like a dude gets lit on fire in a wheelchair and just, he's just falling down a hill on fire. I'm just like, wow, that's Brett Ratner. Are you, are you good at your job, maybe? <laughs> How'd this happen? Um, you made yeah, so, everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, happy mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Science of the Lambs, good movie, recommend. Hannibal, no. Um, and I played the entirety of Ratchet and Clank, the PlayStation 4 reboot. 2016? Uh, 2016, yeah. It came out in conjunction with the film that nobody oh, remembers anymore. Well, video hold on, hold on. Hold on. Real quick, Brandon got back into video games hard. Have you noticed? He's played through like four games. It and just then, took and a then worldwide quarantine. I'm so proud of him. Hell yeah. So proud I mean, of him. Don't be that proud. My next game is Lego Star little, Wars. Little, little golf claps for. What's wrong with Lego? What's wrong with Lego Star Wars? Is Lego Star Wars a video game? Yes. You're playing video games. That's Pretty all that sure. matters. That doesn't. That uh, what type of game doesn't matter. If as long as you're playing games, you're having fun. That's all that matters. Are you sure you don't just want to wait like a couple months for the Skywalker saga? So it's just every single Star Wars movie. I already pre-ordered that. There you go. Okay. Right. We'll play it again. It's cool. Nice. And um, Destroy All Humans got a release date of August. Yeah. Okay. Which has and been pre-ordered. And it's only 40 bucks, which is nice. Oh, it's only 40 Yeah, Star Wars Squadron is also 40 bucks. I was surprised yeah. about What? Yeah, because it better be, because I can't imagine that game having that much content. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so Ratchet and Clank. Yes, I played the Ratchet and Clank game, which came out in conjunction with the with the film that Sony really wants you de to desperately forget. Um, I won't, because you and I saw it together. Yeah. Um <laughs> Wilhelm! The, the thing about that game is that it's a good Ratchet and Clank game. It plays really fun. The Ratchet and Clank games are always fun, but it's very, very thin on character because they cut up the movie and built the game around it. So things just kind of jump around and characters, you don't get to know the other characters in the game. Not like you did in the first three or the next three after that. Or in the um, movie. Or even in the movie, honestly. Like, you get character development in the movies. Um, the relationship between Ratchet and Clank is not there in the movie. It's not there in the game either. I, I keep I keep even forgetting that that movie happened because I don't even hear it come up anymore in video game adaptation discourse. No, it doesn't. Like, nobody cares. See, that again, that, a, a mediocre movie is always going to be worse than a bad or a great movie because you just forget about it. You remember really bad movies. You remember really great movies. A movies that like that's like a five, you just don't you just forget about. You're right. I don't hear anyone ever talking about that movie. I for, I also forget it comes out because I've never heard anything great about it or bad. I just hear it's like it's fine. Well, Ryan, I got the surprise for you. No, I'm kidding. You can't find it on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> what you can't? It didn't come out. On no, DVD? it did come out on DVD. It's no longer being distributed on DVD. The just, yeah, just for, yeah, forget about it. Um, yeah, so it, it does have that. It does have that issue. It does something in the beginning that the movie doesn't do, which I thought was going to go in a really interesting way, where uh, it's so Captain Quark is in prison for some reason, and I thought what they were going to do was have Captain Quark tell the story as he knows it of the first Ratchet and Clank game, and that's why the game is different. But it, no, it's just the movie. Mm. 
Um, so I was a little surprised by that, but I'm excited for the sequel. It felt like their heart wasn't in this one. Like they felt like they had to make it, but it doesn't look that way for the sequel. So I'm stoked for the sequel. Yeah. Ripped Apart looks like, Ooh, it's so funny because Ratchet and Clank is, is obviously a video game franchise first and foremost. And then they made a movie. Then they made a bad video game adaptation of the movie. That's based off the video game. I mean, it's better than the movie. How does, how does that circle work? It's like they made a street fighter, the movie, the game. I was just about Uh, to tell you about that. Yeah, and uh, they did the same thing with the Dragon Ball uh, Evolution, where it looks like like uh, Justin Chatwin, oh yeah, Justin Chatwin so fighting. Bad. Oh my god, I've seen that. Yeah, that was a bad. That thing's terrible. That's a shame because like I've played almost every Ratchet game I see, except for I think that one. Um, and I like again, if it's fine, I I don't need to play a fine Ratchet game when there's like it's, ten like, ones. It's still a fun game as yeah. a game, but as a story, it's lacking. Yeah. Um, I I. You know, honestly, the Ratchet and Clank games have I find I found it to be a really compelling story. Uh, the first three, then I forgot completely what happened in the first three and played the future trilogy. That was a mistake. Um, but I mean, I played them all except for Nexus, which was the one that came up before this. I played mm-hmm. Deadlocked. I played the PSP games. Uh, I, I didn't know that Nexus even came out, and then this game came out. So yeah, I played them all too. So to kind of not get the story that I'm accustomed to especially with the future trilogy uh i was i was just a little disappointed in that it's still a fun yeah. game though the sheep and is always fun Meh. um and then i read green lantern 80th anniversary special right yeah 80th anniversary 100 page special um i wanted to bring this up because i'm a huge fan of green lantern as you all know my favorite superhero um, and this issue has 10 stories of Alan Scott, of Jessica Cruz, of Simon Baz. Real quickly, they finally figured out what to do with, with Simon Baz, which What's I that? was interesting things. I forget, I don't want to spoil it for you. I'm not gonna um, read it. Okay, so anyway, um, Simon comes from a <laughs> like, space. are you not gonna read it? I don't want you to spoil it. I mean, it yeah, me. I have it. I'm gonna read it. Okay, then I, don't I spoil it this week. No, so. they don't spoil it. Sorry, okay, okay. okay. Answer me this is it worth picking up? I mean, yeah, for me. Oh, okay. I mean, do you care? Lantern, of course. Ben, you are you going to buy the Green Lantern comic book? What? Are you going to buy a Sonic comic book? I'm just saying, it's, of course he's going to say yes to a Green Lantern. Or someone who isn't as big of a Green Lantern fan as you is this worth picking up? That's pretty Green Lantern heavy. I would say you should be a fan. Okay. Um, there's, uh, But there is, as I mentioned before, a Green Lantern, Green Arrow tale written by Denny O'Neill. Um, and it definitely it's his last story uh, I think it's his last published work um, but it is definitely his last Green Lantern story and it's a it's kind of a a testimony on the book that we re- that we already read Hal comes to GA and says you know we've seen so much I've noticed that our punches are getting harder we've seen so much evil I've noticed our punches are getting harder so I needed some time and it's kind of about them taking a break and collecting themselves so that they don't accidentally kill someone but it's good I really enjoyed it. Brutality? It's about brutality. I'll leave it to the audience to say police. I'm not Uh, saying Hal Jordan's a space cop, but that mother effer's a cop. I'm not saying Hal Jordan's a space cop, but he's definitely said it. (laughs) Uh, There's a pinup by Bruce Tim. That's awesome. Which I really like. Um, They appear to be keeping the fact that Alan Scott is gay, which is strange to me because Earth 2 Alan Scott was gay and not this one. Yeah, I am also interested in the story I've heard about uh, kind of being like an epilogue to Doomsday Clock. Which one is that? that is that true? Uh, that's Wonder Woman, I think. 
Mm, I didn't get any Doomsday Clock. I saw like some people talking about there's a story related to like the Green Lantern stuff that was in Doomsday Clock. Hmm. Well, possibly. No? Okay. I don't know. I didn't read. I didn't. I didn't read I any story. That when I read it. Yeah. Um. There's a story by Jeff Johns. Um. And Ivan Reese. Uh. So that was great because you know that's the that's, those are my guys. Um. But yeah, the Alan Scott thing keeping him gay is interesting considering this version of of Alan Scott would still be married to Harlequin with children of Sidian and Jade. So hey, it's man, a strange thing. Nick black in both universes now. So you know things happen. Yeah, I know. But I mean, it, it's still the same. Like like Mary to Harlequin things like that so it was just it was just interesting to read and I'd be curious to know if they ever do anything with it because Alan Scott is no longer in a book so but yeah I liked it a whole lot and I just wanted to shout out mainly because of the Denny O'Neill stuff but I had other thoughts so there uh, just touching on the Denny O'Neill Neil Adams stuff uh, kind of bridging off that real fast when I was cataloging comics in Monterey I found that I have a whole bunch of Green Arrow from when Rebirth started and oh, yeah. a and a large chunk of them that I have are Neil Adams variants with him still doing like the green arrow from what we were just seeing. Just like, it looks a little, you better. mean the most perfect yeah, green yeah, arrow the most ever perfect made. Green arrow. I, I, brought, I brought one or two back with me, uh, but I've got like six of them. Um, they did this really fun run where uh, it, it was promoting I, some, something, I guess, because every single individual main justice league member appeared on a variant cover with Oliver so it would be like Oliver and the Flash, and the next one would be Oliver and Batman, and then Oliver and... And so um, a good chunk of those are Neil Adams, and it's pretty cool. That's cool. Um, I got both of the variants, and it reminded me of... I got three variants, actually. I got the Nicola Scott variant, and I got the Ivan Reese variant. The um, the Nicola Scott variant, I just had to get. But the Ivan Reese variant, because it was the 2000s variant, that's the Jeff John stuff that I remember, I saw on that book, Black Hand. And I remember that we just recently read Black Hand and Green Lantern, Green Arrow. And I'm like, man, the change that John's made to that guy, making him a zombie. I didn't even know it was the same character. Right. The, the one because he was the villain trying to sink the sink the city under the sea level. So you're just yeah, like, yeah. that's the same dude who summoned Necron. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Wild. Wild. For sure. Comic anyway. history is crazy, man. I know. Uh, OK, I'm done. Ben? I'm probably the shortest because all the media I consumed this week was all the stuff that we had to do for the book club and for today's topic. You're like, already longer than Ryan. Yeah, like we're we we worked, you know. Like we, the we only the only thing I can think of, I've like played like maybe 30 minutes of Golden Sun, if that. And uh, when I was done watching Death of Superman and Rain of the Superman, I watched like three or four episodes of Harley Quinn straight. Yeah, good. That show is freaking amazing and i'm trying to just blast through it so i can get to season two and almost i freaking love bane so much in that oh, show yes. that's the just, best bane. the way he talks it's like there's I'm an so- episode with bane in the next season i'm so excited for you to see i know just like i even when i was i because today i went to go visit um today was my buddy micah's birthday and we went we met at a park we had a, um we, I, we were social distancing and all that stuff but we met at a park and we had uh, some barbecue and I gave and I bought him Batman Long Halloween. But on the way back home, I was just thinking of uh, the many times Bane showed up in the last few episodes of Harley Quinn I saw. And I'm just like, just for some reason, I'm alone in my car talking like Bane the whole time. It's like, it's like, it's oh, funny. yes, this. And then it's like, well, I'm going to blow that up. Screw you. Yeah. Like one of my favorite, I, I had to be very careful 
Um, How come that, I don't get a swivel chair? <laughs> I have to be very careful because one of my favorite jokes is when Harley's at the Legion of Doom and Bane is trying to be a magician, is trying to do his card. He's like, oh, it's practical. He goes to Harley Quinn. He's like, hey, pick a card. She picks a card. She's ranting the Poison Ivy. By the way, I love Poison Ivy in this. I love her so damn much in the show. Lake Bell. Lake Bell is oh. so perfect as the voice of Poison Ivy. I actually mm-hmm. think she could play live action Poison Ivy and it'd be awesome. Yeah. And also Juan Carlo Esposito as Lex Luthor. Glorious. Yeah, man. Glorious. The, the voice cast is phenomenal. Every single yeah. character is yeah. dope. Yeah, Everyone. but getting to, to give them my, I was almost dying because because Bane's like, oh, God, is your card the three of hearts? No? Fuck! Penguin is Wayne Knight, right? Yep. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you're far enough yet, Ben, um, but one of my favorite things, I don't know that he's done it yet, but when Bane juices up, uh, it would be so easy to have his voice shift into like a deeper, uh, tre- like more yeah. aggressive sound. So it's like, like oh, like he's you're hearing uh, Young Justice or something yes. like that. Yeah, like when he's small, it's more reserved. And uh-huh. then when he gets big, it gets serious. But no, when he gets big, I applaud the show for still giving him, I will break you, voice. Yeah. And like uh, making last- everything more serious. He still yeah. sounds goofy as hell. Also, I love King Shark. Uh, the last episode I re- I watched the last night. Was... I love Gordon. Yeah. Oh god, I got to the episode with the hand. There you go. Now the last episode I got was when Harley is officially inducted into the Legion of Doom. She's off doing a thing with Joker. Poison Ivy's like texting her like, "Hey, we gotta go blow up this plant that's this place is destroying the environment." And uh, Bane comes in and takes uh, Dr. Psycho, King Shark, and Clayface as goons to go blow up Todd at the uh, restaurant. And then uh, Joe- Batman shows up, Joker takes Harley away, and then pushes her out the helicopter into all of just the flashback sequence of right. Harley got duped again. And she shows oh, up, yeah. Ho- yeah, she shows up at the hospital, and everyone's just like, screw you, Harley. I think I have like three or four episodes left of season one. Yeah, uh, I have reached the point where I genuinely want the characterization of King Shark to be canon King Shark. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, just just reinvent that character. This is much better. What they did with King Shark is so good. Like, especially when he shows up, he's a tech guy. And then when he tells him, he's like, hey, make sure we don't have blood because I forgot about blood. And then like Robin gets the nosebleed and he smells it. He goes all like, like I'm going to eat you. And then like Dr. Psycho Clayface are like, oh, that's what he meant, but he doesn't like blood. I thought he doesn't he gets queasy. He's like, oh, yes, that's... that's v-. Alan Tudyk's Clayface is just phenomenal. Alan Tudyk's Joker is great. The, the cast is amazing. I can't speak enough of how great th- this show is. I, I'm, I'm totally fine with rewatching the first season so I can get Fanny on it. And I don't care if I can only watch it on the laptop. It's the only way we have access to the DC Universe. But that show is so good. Mm-hmm. It's just so funny. Yeah, I'm glad yeah, everyone's yeah, on it. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Right. Speak, <laughs> speaking of on it, uh, should we go into our episode? Sounds good. Sounds good. And here's your bread and your butter. Here's your bread and butter. Okay, okay, not in my ear, thank you. All right, guys, here's the bread and butter of it all. Uh, we got some sad news. Actually, uh, this is going to be a dark episode for a bit, so strap in. Oh, yeah, um, well, a content warning. We're going to be talking about um, 
we're obviously we talk about deaths that happen every every week unfortunately we're gonna be talking about some sexual harassment in the comic book and video game industry so once we start talking about that if you want to dip out just skip ahead um you know you don't have to listen to it but much like uh the social injustice happening in our country the there's things happening in our fields of entertainment that need to be addressed so uh feel free to stick around feel free not to stick around uh but we are going to talk about it soon just so you know thank you um so before the before all that we want to get to um so as ryan said there were a couple of deaths this weekend uh joe sinot or sino I, I don't know what the two t's mean sinot um who was a marvel comics inker primarily worked with jack kirby you know um john Romita senior not junior um stan lee worked for marvel comics for a long time uh he passed away at the age of 93 he actually only recently retired last year uh so he passed away at the age of 93 um long good life yeah yeah long long good life um kelly asbury solid career too yeah i'm just i'm just looking at his at his career right now yeah he worked for literally decades and decades and decades like yeah yeah um apparently a super nice guy like everyone everyone praised him um kelly asbury who was an animator on uh, tons of disney films uh, such as toy story the little mermaid and frozen even up to frozen he passed away after a battle with cancer this week at the age of 60 yeah oh, that sucks yes. um one of the one of the biggest deaths of the week uh, was in fact joel schumacher the prominent director of obviously the batman films but you know lost boys fan of the opera um tons falling of movies down. Falling, falling down, down. I love. I personally really like *Fan of the Opera*, even though I watched Lindsay Ellis' video on it. Gerard, Gerard Butler is not a great singer, but that's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he I had been. It. Sorry, go ahead. No, uh, he had been fighting fighting cancer for about a year now, and he and he lost that battle uh, this week at the age of eighty. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. He's been working for decades. Um. I actually, uh, there wasn't enough time, but there's a Nazi zombie movie he directed that stars Michael Fassbender and Henry Cavill. Um. That I think is really fun where Michael Fassbender plays a Nazi zombie resurrected who and Henry Cavill's a farmer has to fight him. Um, I think I've seen this. It, it's, it's, it's a decently fun movie, but I just really want to watch it. Cause uh, that dude had a lot of, a lot of range and it, it, it made me mad this week because a lot of headlines were like the man who gave you bat nibbles di- dies at 80. And I'm like, that's so disrespectful to a dude who yeah. made so many great movies. And you know what? He, Batman and Robin is a bad movie, whatever. He made the movie that he was asked to make. He made a, he made one of the biggest, um, um, uh, toy industry movies of all time. The marketing on Batman and Robin was insane. Uh, it's not his fault that he was asked to make a movie like that. And uh, I'll also always stand that uh, I think he made the most visually bold live action interpretation of Gotham. Yeah, the most cartoony, like the most comic booky, if you want. To I think it it's that. I think it's very very bold and and risk taking. And I think for the uh, for the Adam West style Batman fans, for when you're in that more Batman Brave and the Bold, you're in the more comical side of batman mm-hmm. uh i think his films really preach that audience well yes yeah, especially, uh, especially being an adult if you rewatched uh batman forever is a little less but if you rewatch batman and robin with the adam west 60s in mind then that's a hilarious fun movie right mag, that, mag points out uh, phone booth and eight millimeter yeah his films um i you know he i just want to bring up he was a prominent gay filmmaker had yep. been had been out for decades mm-hmm like that's incredible, and he had an yep. incredible year, incredible career, lots of great movies. Um, um, 
I have a personal anecdote I kind of want to throw in because a uh, long, long time ago, I was given a really nice opportunity to be part of an independent film. Uh, thanks to Kayla Cromer, who's a star on everything's going to be okay on Freeform. Go watch her show. She's wonderful. Um, and my scene, the scene I did with her ultimately got cut, but I, that director is a really cool person. Um, still connected with him on social media. He was originally up to play Robin. Uh, and he didn't get the part, but he was posting about Joel uh, a while back because the Patrick Willems video came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, good. Then, good video. Then, he passed, then he passed this week. And uh, what he wrote, I thought was really good. And I just want to share it. Um, I'm just gutted to hear about the loss of Joel. One of the nicer, uh, by the way, this director's name is Michael Worth. He does a lot of independent film work. Um, just got to hear about the loss of Joel. One of the nicer and more down to earth successes I've ever met in the business. He brought me in to talk with him in his office after going through a few casting calls with Mally Finn for Robin and Batman forever. At the time they had just lost Leonardo DiCaprio and were looking to get an unknown. So we talked movies for a good 30 minutes. I sat with him at his Warner brothers office and discussed making low budget films. And basically my attitude was, you won't know much that I've done. And he walked over to me and put his hand on my shoulder and said, anything you do is good and and it's work and be proud of it. I've done my fair share of low budget movies too. And I went back and screen tested on the lot of all the executives and Joel and was a very intense nerve wracking moment. And after a week of waiting, found out I didn't get the part. Then while I was shooting a TV show in Hawaii, they called and asked me to play Robin's brother, but was on the Island during the dates strike two. Then finally during production, Joel asked for me to come in and work uh, a week with my friend, Don Wilson, and at least get my feet on the set. And just true to his word, he treated me no differently playing that part than if I had been Robin. He was a great guy. And I hope we continue to produce more like him. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. That's great. Um, That's great. That as much as I say how much, uh, I'm as, much uh, as much as I talk about loving Batman Returns, loving Batman 1989, I think when it first came out, Batman Forever was the Batman film I gravitate towards the most, especially as a young child. I mean, I mean that was the one that had the Batwing. That was the one that had Robin. Um, there was Batman Forever stuff all over my house, and. I know I've said some horrible things about Batman, about the film Batman Rob, but the fact that Batman Forever is just so part of my early childhood loving comic book films in general, I will never get over that. And Joel Schumacher gave me Batman Forever. He gave me one of my favorite Batman films as a kid. And even today, when I, when I see like the, the pop final of Val Kilmer holding the Riddler thing, I really want to get it. I have uh, Michael Keaton, of course. He's up there. But Val Kilmer, as much as I love Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer was the one where I first knew who Batman was. Yeah. Bat nipples aside, that was a really cool bat suit with the one that Val Kilmer wore. It was. Uh, he wrote the Wiz. I didn't know that. Oh, well, I did not know that either. Damn. Um. Yeah. I. Yeah. Those Batman, those last two Batman films, they get a lot of hate. But you know what? More than anything, Ryan, uh, you said he made the movies he was asked to do. He also made the movies he wanted to make. By the time he got to Batman and Robin, he knew the type of movie he wanted to make. Yeah. He he knew how to display a vision, even if the vision would get muddied by. And I'm I'm not just speaking about the Batman films, but like Falling Down suffers from this a little bit. Uh, like even working around what the studio wanted, he was able to convey a vision that he wanted as well. Mm-hmm. Um, even if those messages got mixed in the middle sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, the man had a vision and I'm, I'm actually sad that he's gone. I, I haven't seen Pen on the Opera the whole way through, but I, I would love to just, I'm one of these. Spoiler alert, yeah. the Phantom wins. So I've been told. Oh, yeah. But I would love to watch some more of his stuff. I think I've seen Phone Booth. That's the one with Colin Farrell and stuck in a phone booth with a sniper mm-hmm. on him, right? Isn't yeah. that the one with Chris Evans and you know he hangs up really Evans. hard? That's cellular. 
It's a Scott Pilgrim joke. Because Chris Evans is also in a movie where he has to be stuck on a cell phone or else somebody dies. There was a lot of movies around the same time doing that. Okay, okay. But I, either or, I am sad that Joel Schumacher dies. And also, I'm, I'm with you, Ryan. I'm actually really mad that headliners are, are people who are writing clickbait articles like, the man who gave you bat nibbles is like, he was so show, much more show than some, Show some respect. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm very grateful that uh, Patrick Willems had his video appreciating him mm-hmm. come out before Joel passed away because I, I highly suspect he at least was aware of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's awesome because I don't think he got the appreciation he deserved in his time. Also, he apologized for making that movie. He's like, to all the fans who, who were disappointed, like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, you didn't have to do that. But like, good on you for, for feeling like you, you owe the fans something. Like, good guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. As Ryan mentioned up top, content warning for anyone. Uh, sensitive to this topic. Uh, oh, baby. No, Here we go. No, uh, All our heroes are evil. And, and I think even before we go through it, let's be clear, we cannot possibly go into the detail of all of these no. to, the, to the extent that they are individually deserved. Um, I myself struggled to keep up with everything that was happening this week. Uh, you do, do not feel like we are giving a well-rounded observation of it. We are just trying to get through like the core pieces of what we need to discuss. There's a lot of information to sift through out there. There are literally hours and hours and hours of podcasts and articles and people to listen to who are way smarter than us and who actually, who are in the industry. Um, so if you are interested after we talk about this, please feel free to, to just go to Twitter. Twitter is a, is a reservoir of, of people coming together. Um, I was, I, I was going to say that uh, I also struggled to keep up with a lot of this. It is a lot. Um, and I hope to be called out if I miss anyone. Um, but I think the hell of a week to get off Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Also, oh boy. Um, I don't, I, I we're going to name a lot of names. I don't want this to, I don't want this to seem like a witch hunt. Cause like you said, like I didn't get, you didn't get every name. We're never going to get all the names cause there's too many predators in our industry. Um, but we are going to point out the ones who are, uh, uh, the most, maybe the most disappointing and the ones that we know the most about, but like, these are things that are continuing to happen now that, now that this is open the floodgates of people being safe enough to feel they can come forward. It's only going to keep happening and happening. So uh, we're going to talk about these names now. It can happen again next week. But, yeah. So so up top, and this might have happened last week, but Ansel Elgort, mm-hmm. the actor, baby driver, uh, going to be in this year's West Side Story. Well, maybe this year's. Who knows? Um, but he was accused of uh, a non-consensual relationship with an underage woman. Mm-hmm. Um, that sucks. Warren Ellis was uh, accused by what was it? Sparks. Forty, said... pl- 40 plus. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, the term, Warren Ellis is at forty plus. The, the term uh, uh, is it's grooming. It is it is um, it is taking advantage of underage girls. Blue bearding. Blue bearding. Promising them um, roles in in the industry. Promising them comic book work. Promising them a- anything. Taking advantage of people because you're famous. Or because uh, they like you for your comic book work. That's what's happening to pretty much everyone we're about to talk about. Cameron Stewart also accused of grooming. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez, the uh, the co-creators of Spider Gwen. Yes, they, uh, they that hurt. They um, and again, like no, so, some crimes are worse than others. This is not me. Uh, um, uh, Se- sexual harassment and sexual abuse is a spectrum. Yes. Yes. And uh, and I think far too easily, sometimes we, we want to jump to like any amount of it is bad and, and doing that 
hurts the progression of the movement because people get to say not all men, all that kind yeah. of stuff. There is a spectrum of severity. I'm glad you're here because you make you eloquently say things that we can't. Um, on the Jason Latour, Robbie Rodriguez thing, um, from what I understand from them, it, it's not a massive, this has happened lots of times. It was a kind of like one time really bad experience thing um, that does not excuse it. But um, I heard that I heard that of Robbie Rodriguez. Jason Latour, I hear, has a history of doing this. Okay, I haven't I haven't looked in since my initial research earlier in the week, so oh. it could be worse. I did see Robbie's was was like a one shitty situation. We're like, hey man, yeah. you gotta learn from your mistakes. But a lot of these guys are they've been doing this for like a decade. Yeah, uh, Charles Brownstein, who is actually the executive director of CBLDF, the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. Ooh, man, that's oh man, Ooh. that's a whole mess. That whole oh, thing. I see those guys every time at WonderCon. That's that's been a uh, that's been a harsh one because uh, a lot of comic creators have come out and said that they either are no longer or have not been for a long time supporting it because of him. Up to six years. Like the the first allegation was in 2014, and they oh, kept wow. this Charles guy on the entire time until until it bubbled up again. Um, and again, um, there's a lot of people that we're not going to mention who specifically themselves haven't been sexual abusers, but they have allowed it to happen. So we'll get through some of these names, and I want to specifically name some people that I'm really disappointed in who allow these things to happen, which is just as bad. Um, Brendan Wright and Scott Alley, both Dark Horse editors, the former being a former Dark Horse editor, were accused of lo a long history of this sort of thing. Scott Alley is a, is a bad man. Yeah. Um, and in the video game community, um, I definitely don't have all of these names. So um, No, again, that's okay. We're not we're not trying to get, get everybody. We're just trying to make a statement yeah chris avalon the writer of fallout new vegas uh ashraf ismail creative director of assassin's creed valhalla yep. uh and apparently a lot of ubisoft's team was accused um and max temkin who is the co-creator of cards against humanity oh yeah oh um yeah and that's all the names i have and, and, like, different different ones have responded to these things differently some have admitted to it some have apologized some have denied it outright uh, you know, we're not going to do a breakdown here, but yeah, like there's, yeah. there, there's all these different, uh, cases and things. Uh, it, we're going to try and cover this in broad strokes. Um, I just want to mention, um, one guy from IGN came forward and said, uh, that multiple of the, uh, previous editors in chief and like senior editors, um, uh, stopped women from being on camera, told them to wear bras and wear makeup. Uh, stop people from writing because they didn't think they were smart enough or because they were people of color. Um, one of the guys, Casey Lynch, who run IGN, he was the voice of the Avengers War Table, that 30-minute presentation. That was his voice over that entire press conference, and Square, um, Square, uh, uh, Crystal Dynamics didn't take, his, take him off of that. And that's very disappointing because that came out with plenty of time for them to do something about it. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing of it is, at the end of the day, it's people taking power. It's, it's abusing their power. For people who who want to get into the to to do the things that they love, we all love comic books. We all love video games. And we would love to write. Ben, you'd love to write for an IGN or something like that, right? Like, oh yeah. Imagine you, it's your first day, and they're like, "Hey, Ben, you know, if you wore a little more makeup and like push your tips up, you'd probably get on camera better." How'd that make you feel on your first day? I'd be pissed. Yeah, and guess what? We don't deal with that because we're not women, no. and it's it's it sucks because it's it's. It takes multiple, multiple, multiple accounts for it, for people to come forward because that's the only time they feel safe. It is you are not allowed to be a woman in any industry and claim abuse against a person because one voice is not enough credibility because nobody believes them. It takes forty women to say Warren Ellis is a bad guy before we start believing it, and that's just 
it, it's, um, it's, I want to it, bring up, I want to bring up along the lines of what you're talking about, you know, Mike, Mike, Mike Mignola, sorry, yes. Mike, yeah, uh, Mike Mignola and uh, Dark Horse came under fire for just this very thing. Like they were, they knew about Scott Alley. Mike Mignola released a press statement in 2017 saying how bad of a guy Scott Alley is and like blah, blah, blah. Continued to work with him for three years straight. Yeah. Um, we talked about it. Uh, I don't know if it was last week or 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 it was off air, but a lot of the um, quote unquote good guys of the comic industry signed this pledge saying, you know what? We're the good guys. We're not going to rape women and we're not going to take advantage of women because we're the good guys. And I'm like, that's the message you're trying to send right now that you're a good guy. Cool. Are you even listening? Um, because yeah. a lot of the times they're not. And when people are directly messaging them saying like, hey, the artist on your book is a rapist, they ignore them, but they sign a pledge. And that's I great. I, I will say uh, it, it, the Mike Mignola one, because um, he's got a lot of, of flack going his way. And there's a lot of, you know, like uh, uh, you you standing by the sides and letting this happen um, is not okay. And I read his entire, uh, what he said about mm -hmm. uh, his response to this and everything. And as much as I'm disappointed in him, um, I don't want too much... Uh, brought down upon him for this, mostly because um, it's it's important to acknowledge when you know I want to I want to take Mike at his word that you know he acknowledges that it's it's toxic toxic masculinity and the the whole uh, system would not still be as oppressive to women if we had not been raised to buy into it. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it if it weren't like that people have to be educated and actually listen to the people who are trying to say this is wrong. That's why it's gone on as long as it has. That's why it's so bad is because there are plenty of guys I'm sure who are still involved in things. This is me saying like, it's not all guys. That's not my point. My point is that there's plenty of guys who will want to uh, break free of this or can acknowledge just like what we've been going through with the black lives matter movement, where people are saying, I didn't listen before. Now I'm listening. Now I'm learning. Yeah. It's the same situation where we need to accept an amount of like, I'm paying attention now and I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there before I can pay attention. Now I can be better. And if they're not the person who was doing these things, I don't want them to be held the same amount accountable. Yes. I don't want it to fall on them to be like, you know, we have to throw them to the wayside entirely. It's very important that his message is saying, I realize I didn't want to see it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was wrong. And I, I can't get over it. And how he talks about, uh, uh, I believe her name is Shauna. Um, Shauna her, or, yeah, her whole post, because I read her post. Yeah. And it's, it's horrifying mm -hmm. the way she describes this guy sitting in a car with other colleagues with his hand down her pants. Uh, it is truly just chilling. And um, I believe that for Mike, that broke his heart. And sure. I believe that it's very hard uh, just speaking. I don't want to get deep into it, but speaking from personal experiences of knowing people who have been assaulted, knowing people, how those situations and how, how easy it is for someone to pass that behavior under the radar. People who used to be friends of mine, people who could pretend like that wasn't really a big deal. And like they, they hide the most sinister behavior and you think the worst of it is the stuff you're seeing, but you're not thinking about the stuff behind closed doors because you're young or because uh, that's how we've been raised to just accept those things. Um, and it's great that we're calling attention to it. It's great that it's actually getting some traction and that we can say like, hey, video games and comics, but really specifically the video game community has been such a boys club for so long. Yeah, There needs to be 
more oversight, more acknowledgement of you can't just roll over these things and say it's not that bad anymore. And I just hope that we don't come down too hard on the people who are saying, you're right, I didn't see it, or you're right, I was wrong, I was ignoring, I wasn't doing enough. Let them do their part now, because that's the same thing that we're having to do with people who are acknowledging racism. No, it's true. You're right. Um, I do want. I want to bring up uh, Kate Leth has gotten some some stuff lobbied against her the past couple of days. Uh, I I think completely justified. Um, she I, had. Control- I followed her for years, so uh, this is yeah. She had fall. She had created a a community called the Valkyries, which was a safe space essentially for female comic book retailers, and it eventually got a hell of a lot bigger than that. Um, I, my coworkers were in that group. One day the group disappeared from my eyes. Apparently she basically tanked the group. She purposefully got rid of this safe space that women can come to, uh, and in the comic book community, because it is such a predatory industry for women. It sucks, but it is to not be able to have that space. Like that was a complete failing on Kate Les part. Uh, it's just one of the many things that she's been she also uh, she puts out a lot of like uh like one day web comics um and, and they're mm-hmm. they're they're really cute so it's like it's called like um like like the valley ghoul like she's like a, a south uh, californian valley ghoul um and it's and it's they're generally cute um but a lot of them have been posted recently of the ones in the past that have had some uh racist uh, uh verbiage or some like really mean things that like someone who's supposed to be part of the community shouldn't be saying um yeah. and it's just like she's been been uh she's been accused of being like oh you person of color you can't be you can't sit with me or you can't be part of this group or things yeah, like that uh, yeah um and again it's like it's these microaggressions and it's like after reading our book club um and experience like realizing what a microaggression like looks like like when you read it like oh man i used to do that because i'm because i was young and stupid um seeing how that can just easily happen over and over and over again. And the person not realizing that they might be a bad person. It takes, it takes years of collecting all the things you've ever done to show you, Hey, it's a trend of you being a bad person. Especially because a lot of the things that come with those microaggressions are the environment you grow up in Mm -hmm. and the environment you surround yourself. in. it takes a long time to actually separate yourself from that mold. Um, You know, I, I count myself very fortunate that from a very young age, my parents raised me to believe certain values that I still hold today about, people of color, about uh, women, about uh, people of different sexual orientation from myself. It was it was always pretty much just be good to people. Um, mm. I, I wasn't given prejudices when I was growing up, um, but that doesn't mean that I haven't carried some amount of like microaggression nonetheless, because it just seeps into our environment and takes a while to really realize it. Yeah. You know, I can personally acknowledge how I have a, not like what, what Warren Ellis is accused of, but like how you, how easy it is to abuse the power of trust or a friendship to get something you want, mm-hmm. especially from, uh, you know, people who could be attracted to you. Um, it's very simple and it's very hard, uh, to, uh, own up to that, but it's, it's what needs to be done. And like, as an industry now, that's what they're facing is that they need to own up to, um, they have allowed behavior to continue. That is not acceptable yeah. um for far too long and uh even in its smallest degrees it needs to be acknowledged that like no even the smallest transgressions are bad um and letting it slide just lets it build up over time yeah um i our, will say our cats are going crazy if you hear stuff sorry yeah i will say specifically uh with the warren ellis one um boy did i i wish that that his apology had gone better than it did 
um, because he hits this level. And I just like, I, I was like, you lost the whole credibility of this argument right there when he says, uh, uh, I'm sorry, but I also never thought I was an influencer or famous or anything like that. And I'm like, you can't say that. He's word. Literally, your, name, your name is a showrunner name on a television show. You can't say that. He he did the extremist armor for Iron Man. Uh, he helped realize the the style of what the Marvel Universe is, like with that Iron Man book. Like that that dude had wrote Transmetropolitan, one of the most influential indie comics of all time. This, Iron this Man whole, 1 and 3 are based on that one comic he wrote. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the fact that that dude... And he's been like this his entire career. Like I even, before this came out months ago or, or weeks ago, I was like, how does Warren Ellis not think he's popular? Like I, his, he's written so many great comics. And it's it's just this awful mentality of like, oh, I didn't realize I could influence people. Oh, shucks. I'm like, you can't be doing that for 30 years and, and not realize And that he's it. trying to use that as the shield of yes. like, the behavior was acceptable because I didn't realize what I was offering. And yeah, not, not, not okay. And again, uh, like things like like Cameron Stewart, like all these people who are like who work in an industry, especially Cameron Stewart, who worked on the the Batgirl Burnside thing, which is very influential to young women. Like that's just disgusting to think that he's he's using his power. Like, hey man, I'm writing Batgirl. You never know, I can get you on there or something. Like that's the that's the most awful thing to give someone hope that they could write Batgirl or be on Batgirl and then just sexually abuse I, them. I apologize because I should have made a note of it. Um, but one of the most like just shook me. Uh, like everything was bad. I shook me isn't the right the right term, but like really made me uh, painted the picture of it. Uh, was uh, a female comic writer. I wish I could remember. I should have saved the picture. There was a lot that I went through <laughs> looking at this week, but she she specifically cited how uh, you you she was referring to like a lot of her friends who she knows has gone through this. She wasn't bringing up her stories personally, but she was saying, look, I know this is happening. I'm not in a place where I can talk about my problems, but I 100% support the women who are saying this because it is crap when you work so hard to get somewhere in the industry and then you keep getting promised things and then ultimately told you'll never write Superman because you're a woman. Yeah, we, we talked about it off, off air, uh, but how many women have written Superman? How many women have written Batman? I, I, I don't like, I could think of one and that's because she wrote like an annual or drew an annual. Like it's, it's, it's really, it's really a bummer when you just look at the industry and how it, I, last thing, hold on. Um, I posted on Twitter, like, oh man, all my heroes are evil, blah, blah, blah. And somebody uh, uh, responded to me. How do you think it felt to be in the eighties finding out Frank Miller was a bad guy? And I'm like, oh wow. So the industry has not been good for literally decades. That's great yeah. to know. Um, it, it's never going to change until something like, like this has to happen where big reform change has to happen. Right. I wanted to bring up one more name. I uh, completely forgot about but Victor Bogdanovic. Bogdanovic. Yes. Uh, did something real bad. So he didn't, he didn't abuse anyone. He just made a huge ass of himself. He um, made, he's made the artist art. on Wolverine. Yes. He's one of the two artists. Cause it's, it's like a, it's like a two book. Um, yeah. He's, a, he's the Greg Capullo looking guy. Um, he made a post saying back in 1998, a woman slapped my ass and I've never been the same. And like, I, I like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, I, I, I never talked about it. And like all these women are talking about it. Do I have a right to talk about my ass slap? And it's just the most foot and foot and mouth thing anyone's ever written. And he doubled down on it and doubled down on it. And I, and I tweeted him and so many people tweeted him. He just kept doubling down. And I'm like, you're just an asshole. You're just an mm -hmm. asshole. So now I'm not going to read that Wolverine book until they take him off because I'm not going to support that asshole. That's right. no, that sucks. How do you, dude? The comic book creators are talking to this guy and he's just doubling down. It's like, how do you, how do you be on the internet and see all this happen and just not read the room? Like yeah. I, it, 
it's really disappointing. Like it really, when things like this happen, like with Black Lives Matter or with this sexual abuse coming up, it really shows you who people really are underneath and what they think about what happens to people, like when this happens to them and they don't care. And it's, uh, we have to have these discussions and it's really disappointing. And uh, uh, I'd love a woman to write Batman. How cool would that be? Oh my gosh. That's all. Um, Before we move off of this, I do want to say before I left Twitter, um, I thought this was relevant, but Megan Fox is making a comeback and I'm very happy to see it. Yeah, uh, he mentioned kinda, that last week. Kind of, yeah. kind of in an unrelated way, but it's it's nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. We, we, I've always felt ashamed of what happened to her because she did come out against Michael Bay. Yeah, you yeah. Know. So I it's know, just I, nice to see that. Yeah, we all um, like. I know you you've mentioned it, Brandon. I know I have. I don't know about you, Ben. But like, I was like a twelve or whatever, and I thought Megan Fox was hot. And like, oh, she's just a hot actress. That's all she's. Ever, that's all she is. She's just a hot lady for me to look at. And I was a piece of shit twelve year old. Of course, yeah. like yeah. that's what that's what but the media the problem told. the the problem isn't that we were a piece of shit twelve year old the problem was with the piece of shit forty year old Michael Bay yes and in the media telling us and like oh man that Jimmy Kimmel interview that's making fun of her abuse like man no. um yeah. yeah I I recall very specifically when we were uh, fourteen younger when we were younger and uh, and the stuff about her leaving Transformers two came out uh, because of Michael Bay and all that. And it always, it bothered me so much that that's the thing she said about him. I'm like, this is really crap. And I believe it. I believe that she's the mystery of this way. But the thing that broke my heart was that she ended up going back and working with him again on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I'm like, I know in my heart, she's doing this because nobody else is hiring her. Yeah. yeah. And I hate it. It's disgusting. I hate this. Um, I don't care for Michael Bay at all. Yeah. <laughs> As a person, I hate him. Yeah. Um, okay. I will say, uh, just so we end on a slightly upper note about that, I really, really sincerely hope that um, the mass amount of like what has worked so well for the Black Lives Matter movement, which I think was put really eloquently um, by a few athletes, is that it's so wonderful that sports isn't happening right now because of the coronavirus, because it made the protests work. It made those things really become the movement that they needed to be to actually shake some things loose and hopefully lead to real change. I hope the same thing can happen here in the comic industry and in the gaming industry, that this really actually makes people because they have the opportunity to say a lot of things and people to really take it in and look at it. This leads to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was an article today on CBR. It's already a great way to start a sentence, but there was an article on CBR about does Will uh, will will Steven Spielberg recast and reshoot West Side Story without him, with and replace Ansel Elgort? And it's it's four hundred words of him justifying why it's impossible to happen. <laughs> and I'm like, why would you do this? What are you doing? They need an article. Sc- uh, let's see. Let's look over at Ridley Scott and no, Kevin Spacey. The and problem. Kirk- oh, two weeks. He got all that shit done. He's mm-hmm. not the main character of a musical, though. Uh, yeah. And the he, problem he, is, is is that, but he can't shoot it. Yeah, he can't shoot it. He can't shoot it. Any CBR article that opens its headline as a question is usually not worth reading. Um, you just scroll to the bottom and find the yes or no. Yeah. Uh, or you go to Film Clickbait. Film Clickbait, yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Oh, um, I should still follow those guys. I love those guys. I, I, it sucks about Ansel Elgort. I didn't, I didn't look into that one as much as I looked at a lot of the comic and gaming stuff, but uh, that's, that's. That one's definitely true crappy. because pictures were released of them together. No, for sure. Yeah. Like that's, that's crappy. Yeah. That's crappy. It is crappy, yeah. Um, okay, so a couple of things are happening in the in in, in the world. Um, one of the big things is yes, okay, yes. Um, Splash Mountain. 
Yes. The large, the long staple of uh, Disneyland will be rebranded as a Princess and the Frog ride. Which yes. I think is a great idea. Yeah. Do you guys know who is leading that? No. I'm gonna tell you. I don't remember her name, but I did see it. It is a black woman Imagineer named Charita Carter. Yes. And she is a senior creative producer at Walt Disney Imagineering. She was once quoted saying, like Princess Tiana, I believe that courage and love are the key ingredients for wonderful adventures. I am delighted to be part of bringing this fun-filled experience to our guests. Um, She is incredible. Uh, I have seen a whole lot of people talking a lot of great stuff about her. Um, And also uh, Tony Wallace, I believe is his name, Um, the original designer for Splash Mountain is coming out of retirement to help oversee this change. Wow. Uh, I am very much in favor of this. Cool. Splash right. Mountain, as as most people uh, probably know at this point because of the internet, but if you don't know, Splash Mountain is based off a movie that Disney will, won't acknowledge or release. Mm-hmm. So, I had no idea it was based off Song of the Snow. So there you it, go. It was one of those, it, I think I finally found out. It makes out, sense to be Princess and the Frog. It just does. It does. It does. I found um, out about Splash Mountain and its ties to Song of the South and how racist it technically is when I was in high school. For years, for years. Like when I was a little kid, I would be going on Splash Mountain and I'm like, it's just, it's Splash Mountain. You go up the hill, you go down, you get wet, whatever. And then my history teacher. Sounds like my ex-girlfriend. <sighs> oh, we just had a talk about this. Yeah. Yeah, we did, right? <laughs> Did but we then just my history... did we? I don't know. <laughs> but then my history teacher told us like the, the story, the actual fable, and what the um, part where Br'er Rabbit gets stuck in the hoodie is technically supposed to be, or what it really was. And every since then, I would go on Splash Mountain and go, "Yikes!" I've never seen the movie. I have no idea what you just said. Well, so so here's the thing: um, Song of the South got back into kind of a circulation of conversation because of this, uh, and. I have to agree with a lot of posts I've seen where you know what the next Disney remake should be? Song of the South. But actually give the care and thought to it because everything about it is based off of folk tales and stories that Black Americans would tell themselves uh, to tell their kids. They were meant to educate about racism. That's what those stories were meant for. Uh, The Br'er Rabbit and all that is based off of that. Um, So... Max has longer needed to update. So I agree. I think that would be wonderful if not only that they owned that they made that movie, but they went back and they remade it now in a more thoughtful and educational way. That would be genius. Genius. I would love it. But will they? No, probably not. No. I mean, it's nice to, it's nice, you know, because Tiana really only has a face character. That whole New Orleans section should be Tiana's anyway. It should. I mean, I, I have seen Dr. Tassidier walk around uh, New Orleans Square, though. I have seen him. To be fair, in the most recent years, um, Tiana was added to the Mickey and the Magical Map show, and she has her uh, parade float most of the time in most mm-hmm. of the parades. And I'm pretty sure right now, in the most recent one they did, Magic Happens, she was in that, too. Yeah. Um, but you're correct. Like, she deserves this in the park. I'm really glad this is happening at Disneyland, not Disney World. I think it sends a stronger message. Disney World will still have regular Splash Mountain for now, anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, that Florida one park's open. No, I could have swore I could have swore it was going to be both Disneyland and Magic Kingdom. It's just I, I, Disneyland. It's oh, just, just Disneyland? Disneyland? Okay, okay. But um, I, 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 I highly suspect the Disney World one will be changed to a Frozen ride. I can see that. Okay, I'm fine with that. But how cool would it be 
I know I told you guys earlier, but I want to say it. Are again you going to podcast. explain the whole thing? Because we could move on. Fine. They can go to our book club episode. It's a good way to plug our book club episode. He says the same thing in his book club episode. In our book club episode, actually, you did. You said it at the end yeah. of our book club episode. But we didn't record it though. That was recorded. No, it wasn't. We ended the conversation and we talked about it. Oh my God, Ben, just sing the song then. <laughs> no, it was like when you're going up the, on the floor of the last incline, it's like you hear friends from the other side. It's like the very end where you go, oh, are you ready? And then Dr. Facilier like finishes the song and then you drop down and as you drop it down, you hear all the ghosts. It's like, you got what you wanted, but you lost what you had. And then you splash. I think that would be so freaking rad. It would That'd be cool. Because that's um, you, you're getting pumped up and you're like, oh shit. Um, okay, so a couple of shows, long, well, actually, not long running, but a- prominent animated shows have announced casting choices are going to change. Uh, Big Mouth, for example, the Netflix TV series Big Mouth, has uh, a black actor, a black character voiced by Jenny Slate. Uh, she will be, she has stepped down for the role and they will recast the black actress. Same thing with Central Park. Kristen Bell plays a black, plays a black character, a black, half black, half white character. Um, this is the uh, animated musical done by the Boz Burgers guys on Apple TV Plus, Central Park. Um, uh, she will be replaced with a black actor. The Simpsons released a statement saying that they will stop hiring white actors for people of color. And Family Guy, Mike Henry, this is, I didn't know this, Mike Henry has stepped down as the voice of Cleveland. I had no idea he was white. So I remember finding that out by being at a Family Guy panel where they were also promoting the Cleveland show before it came out at Comic-Con. Yeah, and um, I I swear I am not trying to get. I tried. I tried really hard to see if anybody talked about this anywhere on the internet, and they didn't. But I swear I recall someone asking him about him being a white voice actor uh, playing a black character, and he basically told them to screw off, and he wasn't going to answer the question. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find at least an interview he did back before the Cleveland show was coming out where he said, it's not problematic. We're not making fun of black people. Um, This is uh, while it's great that this is happening. Mike Henry has definitely been trying to paint it as like a, I I really believe that uh, people of color should be voicing people, uh, people of color characters. And uh, that's definitely not how he feels. It's just, he's trying to buck the trend quick. Sure. Uh, he he. Uh, I saw I saw a thing where it was just like, uh, you can't re- recast the main character of, of of the Cleveland show. I was like, dude, the Cleveland show has been off the air for seven years, right? You aware of that? Yeah, uh, I never totally understood why Mike Henry was the voice of Cleveland. Um, I always also had thought it was a black person until I saw that. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's unfortunate that. Um, it's great that these changes are happening. It's unfortunate that it feels like a more of a response to like, we want to get ahead of people being mad at us than, yeah. than uh, a genuine, you know, we feel like this is the right thing, yeah. but that's yeah. how it goes. Um, especially after the Simpsons fought so long about their portrayal of Apu yeah. to ultimately cave on that. And now uh, if they'd done that, when they changed the Apu thing at the same time, that would have felt a little more sincere, I think. Sure. Um, it's nice to see the sea change. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, obviously you, you shouldn't have white people be playing black people. Period. Period. Uh, you, you, uh, a lot of us didn't know Cleveland was a white dude for 
he's doing for 20 years, right? Um, yeah. On Twitter, I, I don't follow him, but somebody liked his tweet. Fireworks are going off again. God bless America. Um, somebody I like followed his Twitter, and he sent out the the, the post saying I'm leaving. I'm leaving Family Guy or whatever. And a lot of the and this this is just me what I saw on Twitter. There was a lot of black people saying, "Bro, we don't care. You're yeah. not. You're not. You're not being. You're not a racist. Cle- Cleveland is not a racist character." Yeah. And mm-hmm. I asked my friend on Facebook, one of my very very outspoken goes approach as very like outspoken black friend. I was like, "Hey, bro, what do you make of white people playing black actors?" And he's like. It doesn't matter as they're not as long as they're not appropriating black culture. They're not saying things that black people say. Um, like I, I can't as me, I can't tell you who should play who. Um, but I did see a lot of people saying as long as it's just he, he's a black guy, just like it, it sh- it's not a big deal to them. But again, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm a white dude. I can't say that. Um, I Cleveland is not a racist character. He's a generally like he's not a like a stereotype character. I haven't watched Family Guy in a long time, but I remember him being like a reg, like, you know, just like a dude, just a guy. He's just a person. He's just a guy. Sure. Um, I do think that like, it gets, I agree. And uh, that's not me like, defending or anything. No, no, that's no, just, no. I saw that No, I think that's it. a valid point because yeah. I also was like, where where do I really fall on the line on this? Like, yeah. where is it not okay to like, to do what I care, you know, like the other ways around, like, does it matter as long as the voice works for the character? Um, and and about a samurai jack and i think he's right about like appropriation and all that um but what i would argue is that uh having like watched things like the cleveland show um mike henry didn't just voice cleveland he also voiced his son rollo Mm -hmm. uh which is another black character and i promise you that at one point at least in all of that being done yes i did want to touch on that thanks mag Mm -hmm. um uh for those of you listening mags that even community dnd episode got removed uh that at least at some point in all of that uh, they definitely did like things that are less okay when you realize it's a white guy voicing the characters. Yeah. Which I also didn't know he was the voice of Rollo until now, mm-hmm. until I read that. And then I knew he was the voice of Rollo too. And I th- th- thought that at least was a black actor um, because that is a much more closer to black stereotype character. Uh, mm-hmm. Not, not like the stereotype, but there, there, I would argue there is cultural appropriation in Rollo and in Mike Henry playing it. And I do think that's where it becomes problematic when you have a character who's that prominent um, like, I think this is much less troubling when it's a more minor character that you might have uh, actors of different races play them. But sure, uh, I, uh, you, you said you wanted to touch on the community thing? I did. Uh, yeah, a whole lot of uh, shows have had their blackface episodes pulled, which is totally justifiable. And uh, to be honest, I hope that they go the same way as Gone with the Wind, where for the most part they get restored, but with some contextual disclaimers. That's all sure. I really want because I think like it's it's important to pretend that, not to pretend that those things didn't happen, but just to acknowledge that like this wasn't okay, but this was this was what was accepted at the time. Yeah, the um, office or, 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 and it was the office and Thirty Rock. The office did not have episode pulled; they just had a moment edited out because it is one very tiny sight gag. So I they see. have just had that moment ed- edited out. Scrubs had three episodes pulled. Thirty okay. Rock had two um and community had one and community threw me when i saw it because i was like when was blackface in community and then it's the D episode and it's when chang is dressed as a dark elf yeah yes and that's the one where i argue that's not that's that's questionable territory that's where it gets a little shaky yeah uh, i'm because, with you on that one because yeah. in my opinion that that is no different than a white girl painting herself to dress as Gamora. It doesn't mean that it's blackface because Zoe Saldana is is part black. That's not what it is. 
it's a it's matching a type of character and i would argue that dark elf paint is not the same as blackface uh but i gotta understand it i got a question so brandon you recently played uncharted 4 and uncharted 4 lost legacy you know nadine ross that that i just found this out yeah that black character voiced by a white woman yeah i just found this out laura bailey is one of the most famous voice actresses in the world and she talked about I don't know if she did it well, but she talked about voicing a black character. And again, that's I I don't I don't know how to respond to that one because yeah. that's a great performance. That like it, I I don't it's 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 tough. But I think like uh, the the other part of it is that I think is definitely valid is um, there's a question of how much opportunity is there for voice actors of color. Yes, when mm-hmm. so many white actors get to play so Con- many characters. Lauren of Bailey color. is literally Black Widow in Mary Jane. She's literally every video game protagonist. It's like, I right. actually, all right, I actually follow a few um, Black voice actors on Twitter, mm-hmm. and when the news hit that the Simpsons will no longer be casting um, white people to play um, POC roles. They are so happy. Uh, there's this one um, actor, I forget the name, but I, I saw it really quickly. He was saying that a lot of the roles that he gets um, auditions for are for like monsters and like non-human characters. And sure. now that this is essentially going to open the floodgates for him to play other roles, which yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, yes, do, go. I'm happy for them. Because yeah. if, I, if I was marginalized, being a voice actor is like all the our, our typecast, like all the roles I would get from my agent is like, hey, this is for a creature, this is for a monster, this is for X, Y, and Z. It's like, let me branch out and try something else. Then, yeah, I would be pissed off. If you want to talk about, um, man, the voice acting, the video game voice acting industry is really bad about this because they use the same four people for everything. They use Troy Baker, they use Nolan North, they use Travis Willingham, they use Laura Bailey. Those are all the Avengers in the new game we're going to talk about. There's no new voice actors for any of those people. They use the same. It's every industry is bad about this. Mm-hmm. this need to, there needs to be more inclusion for everybody. Don't keep using the same five people for everything. And I mean, didn't like, Phil Lamar, that, hold on, Sparks, didn't Phil Lamar go on strike with a bunch of other voice, video game actors for that very reason? Mm-hmm. Like about four years ago, Phil Lamar talked, said he, was, she, he went on strike because it was I, a bunch of other voice actors. It was actors. a voice actor strike. Yeah. I, I believe yeah. you. I just don't remember it specifically. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think that it's a challenge because the voice acting market is unfortunately so narrowed yeah. down because they're they're basically barriered from like major motion picture projects for the most part because those all go to A-list celebrities who may or may not fit the roles. Yeah. Um, and uh, because of that, that kind of cliff that happens um, and, and a lot more happening even on television with celebrities doing a lot more voice acting in those realms, voice actors who that's their career, uh, that, that field gets so narrow that sucks, but I have to imagine it's even more narrow for people of color. And that, uh, and I think that while this might not bother audience members as much, uh, like you were attesting yeah. to, I'm sure that uh, it means a lot to the voice actors who are I, yeah, I, I, I can imagine how bad a bunch of black voice actors were when the biggest mm-hmm. game of the year, Uncharted 4, your main black character is a white lady. Like, I can mm-hmm. definitely see how that pisses everyone off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was actually really relieved to see the voice actor for Barrett in Final Fantasy VII Remake voiced by uh, African-American. Good. And he kills it. He is so that's good in that minimum. game. It's a minimum, right? It, it's a, God, he is so good in that game. His performance uh, is spectacular. Okay, so let's move off of that topic and go into some of the, some of the other things. Less triggering things. Unless COVID uh, triggers you. Um, so due to the ongoing pandemic of COVID-19, a couple more movies were... Uh, were pushed the spongebob movie sponge on the run 
the big release, is no longer going to be released in theaters and is in fact going to skip theaters. Stream exclusively on CBS All Access in 2021. That's real? That's real? Yeah. That's real? That's a bummer. I mean, I understand that, like, that the schedule is getting more and more dense as more and more films are having to push into release dates and everything. Um, I still don't think that SpongeBob should anyway i don't think i don't think spongebob and tenant have the same demographic i don't i want spongebob could literally move to any weekend i think i'd be fine right i agree like for real i agree like Uh, cbs all access was interesting this would make more sense to me if it were happening right now like we're going to cbs all access like in two weeks but this is next year i'm like no you could just drop it in theaters what are you doing next year weird speaking of tenant it has been pushed from its July 31st date, which was its first push, to now August 12th. And Inception was moved to July 31st. Boy, that trailer's got egg on its face now. <sighs> just just two weeks. They Coming they in didn't, July! They didn't even do a month. They did two weeks. As if yep. the country got better in the last week. They're going to they're gonna keep doing two weeks. Yeah, until until I die. <laughs> Part of me wants to look at those, get those posters. Can you imagine, like, how... Um, I want to get the new. I know what you're talking about. I want to get the new mutants ones. No, I was like the posters with all the different dates on them. That's what he's talking about. Yeah, I have a Hellboy 2018 poster. That movie came out in 2019, baby. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. (laughs) Um, Mulan has been pushed from July 24th to August 21st. Okay. Yep. Um, And Bill and Ted Face the Music was pushed from August 14th to August 28th. Okay. So. A whole week. Wow. Do you guys think these will stick? Because no. I don't. Uh, that is a big fat no for me, Sparks. Yeah. I feel I bad. I feel bad for the industry because they, they must be struggling to figure out how to make their comeback right now. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm sure. It's 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 rough. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was. Yeah. I don't want to go there. Oh, okay. Hey, anyway. You know kind of related fun fact because i'm studying cinema television arts at college i'm not taking this class but i was informed about uh for production two what happens is that they they accept two pitches from students and then they assemble a crew out of other ctba students to fill out the whole thing they have a new crew position for this semester fluffer the coronavirus coordinator who ensures that everyone is keeping safe distance and doing what they need to do to be safe on set nice Apparently, that's a position that several people are filling in studios right now. Cleaning, so they're man. adding yep. a bit something. I need a new job, guys. Sign me up. Um, <laughs> all right. So, oh, right there. so, uh, so some comic news. Some real quick comic book news. We got our first details on the start of the Warhammer 40k universe <laughs> from Marvel Comics. Oh uh, man, you guys. Okay, well, uh, so, is this hypervalency of happiness or hypervalency of being scared? I can't tell anymore. Happy. Okay. So that's Kieran, Kieran Gillen ha- is going to make his Marvel return uh, to spearhead the comics and write the first title, Warhammer 40K Marnius Calgar, where he is joined by Jaken, Jason Burroughs. Yep. Jason Burroughs did a great Punisher book. Um yeah, this is very exciting because Kieran Gillen is a massive, massive Warhammer fan. He has written 
Um, there's Warhammer 40K, which is a future stuff. And then there's Warhammer, which is the fantasy stuff. He has written fantasy Warhammer graphic novels before. Um, if you follow him on Twitter, he paints lots of miniatures. He's all about it. Um, he wrote on Twitter, like, this is the reason I'm coming back to Marvel is so I can write my favorite my favorite thing. Like, this is, this is the greatest thing. This is the best possible combination of creative uh, people. Jason Burroughs draws uh, really great violence. Uh, and if you know Punisher, he's a violent man. Uh, this takes place in the year in like 40,000 years in the future when the space Romans are trying to wipe out all of religion and it turns out uh, they were wrong the entire time and it turns out demons have corrupted the space Marines. Think of it like like uh, like Darth Vader, like how he becomes corrupted, but on a multi-billion person scale uh, of demons taking over uh, people. Uh, it's fantastic. It's like, it could be the next Star Wars if, if it ever made a movie. Like, it, the, it's there. Um, the thing that I'm interested in is this is following some of the most, um, in the timeline of Warhammer 40K, the most present timeline stuff with this team. Um, I don't know much about this team because I'm very steeped in the the past history because there's like literally 50 novels of Warhammer and dozens and dozens and dozens of books about the RPGs and all that stuff. So this is going to be very new to me. Um, I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, I'll let you guys know if this... I think the cover's kind of bad. It's not a great cover. Um, it looks very, very cartoony instead of really like gritty and like grr like i kind of wanted um but kieran gillen is an excellent choice uh this is a this is going to be much like star wars if it's successful it's going to be a huge wave of books there's going to be a bunch of different books following so many different chapters um it's it's exciting time for me it's in a very exciting time this is uh kieran gillen is is going to operate much like the jonathan hickman mm -hmm. of warhammer 40k yeah um so we'll see what happens there that's exciting does it, um, does it have a date when it's coming out october october okay cool um, all right, so uh, the other day, Ryan, you sent us all a picture asking us if this Harley Quinn book is going to be what, what we want from Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah, there was I, a now, I now have the answer no, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Harley Quinn black plus white plus red, um, is going to be a new digital first anthology series. Uh, we're being released every weekend, every Friday for 14 chapters. Um, it's going to be an anthology series, so it's going to have uh, the likes of Paul Dini, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Chad Harden, uh, Saladin Ahmad and Javier uh, Rodriguez, Tim mm. Seeley and Juan Ferreira, Ferreira, Erica Hernandez, Daniel Kibblesmith, um, plus more. And we'll have the series, uh, we'll uh, mark the DC writing debuts of Mirka and Dolfo, who, wrote, who drew Bombshells, oh, Danny. Okay. Danny, who draws, who drew the Lolo Woods, uh, Joe Quinones, Quinones, thank you, um, the the artist for Dial H for Hero, he did Howard, and, yeah, and Riley Rosmo, who's the artist on Martian Manhunter, and uh, the <clears throat> Batman, uh, he did the Dark Knight's Metal uh -huh. Batman last book, yeah, um, <clears throat> the uh, the color, so the whole point is it's going to be a black and white series, much like the vein of Batman Black and White. Um, but it will use the color red in unique ways to tell the story, um, to tell the story. Uh, the first chapter is out now. It is in fact, a little one shot with art and story by Stepan Cedric set in the world of Harleen, his black yep. label book. Yep. 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 Um, that's his last published saw, comic. Marley. I was about to say, cause I saw some, uh, I, I followed Stepan on Instagram and Twitter and he posted some of his stuff and I was like, Oh, Hey, that's the new Harley book. Cool. So I was like, yeah, I, I was doing more stuff. I read it. It's great. 
the way he uses the color red is awesome. Um, I th- honestly, look, the book seems interesting. It's got good content on it, but it's not the Harley book I wanted. I'm, I'll, I'm. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's an interesting approach because if it is like, a, like a, a different creative team for like every issue, so it is a true anthology. I'm just wondering how, how mature was the first, the first one? Fairly mature. Then, then maybe like I don't need Harley to be saying fuck every five seconds. No, I'm not no. saying that. I'm saying this is a digital first anthology that's going to end after 14 chapters, which means yeah. seven seven single issues, yeah. uh, so one trade. Yeah, I'm I mean talking that's how like Justice started. That's how a lot of digital things. You know, yeah. Um, the 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 Harley book that I would have wanted would be an ongoing series that DC oh. is just publishing physically. Yeah, um, I don't think they're willing to, to give it a chance, so that's why they're doing this. To see maybe this will work, yeah. but it's digital. I like so Harleen. Yeah, yeah, I like the Harleen chapter. I've always liked uh, Step on Sedge's black and white work, so it's good. Yeah, probably get the second one. And this is his last publishing work before he goes back to web comics too, or DC Comics. Yeah, um, though he has mentioned he he will probably come back once his health issues clear up. Mm. So who knows? Um, okay, I will say it's a it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I will say that. Um, okay. Uh, this is now less funny to me, but we'll see what happens. Jurassic World Dominion has cast a new character in the form of Campbell Scott. Campbell Scott will be, has been cast as Lewis Dodson, the CEO of Biosyn Genetics. The original, the original role of Dodson was portrayed by Cameron Thor, who is now a sex offender. So he is not coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, uh, so he's been replaced by Campbell Scott. Cool. I gotta say, okay. it's called Hold Dominion, it. and I already don't care because Dominion means like a power, like a power over a large, large group of things. So I'm like, wow. So dinosaurs are gonna be all over the planet. Exactly what I didn't want to have happen. Cool. Well, I'm also, I'm also less caring about it ever since they said this isn't the last uh, in a trilogy. This is uh, the start of the a new trip of a bigger. Whatever. Honestly, the Jurassic Park film I've always wanted them to make is to go back to Biosyn. Yeah. pick up that story thread and they never did so whatever it's not what 26 years too late it's just it's again like 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 when a lot of these franchises go past the point where like they should stop it's like you just lost the core of what made it special yeah and also, it's just people just think sorry real quick man people just think because it's Jurassic Park we just want lots and lots of dinosaurs spoilers that's not the only reason people watch Jurassic Park but there are at least three words I can say that are making me kind of want to see this movie Dr. Ian e. Malcolm no it's uh-huh. Goldblum Neil and Dern. Dern. Yeah. yeah. I'll pay for anything with Laura Dern. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing I'll go for. But to, to them saying that, hey, we're going to bring back this random character. He's going to be a big thing. It's them just really trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel to try and milk that Jurassic Park nostalgia for all. I don't world. know if it is, though. Like, it feels like this. You know, when they brought back Dr. Ben, when they brought back Dr. Wu, that wasn't that. That's actually no, a pretty interesting no, storyline. This could be this. It could be that. I, I don't. Let, let me finish, Sparks. The, the thing that really gets me is, like, Dr. Wu worked because he was actually a character of science. The Dodson thing was just a one-shot and the and the spray and the can, the uh, freaking shaving cream, uh, shaving cream can, just went to the water, didn't matter. Just done. 
you're you're kind of right, but Dodson represents a competitive company of InGen that wanted to mm -hmm. have the dinosaurs. That's mm -hmm. why that matters. I don't think that's a throwaway factoid. You know, it's not a one-shot throw-off thing. Dodson is a representation of the fact that there were other companies, maybe with different intents, who wanted the dinosaurs. Uh, and that idea coming back around, I have no problem with. I no, really I'm have no problem. Honestly, I really have no problem with Dodson in this movie. It's honestly probably one of the most interesting factoids that's come out about it. Um, if this were a movie not about dinosaurs all over the planet, uh, somehow formed out of a group of 20 um, and causing massive panic, yeah. I would be uh, more interested in that. Just oh, as hello, here. Downright Nerdy. Did you just notice? That was all that. We said hi to yep. him already. Yeah, they've they been here for the past hi, hello, hi. Hello, hello again. Dino DNA. I'm, no, I'm trying okay, here, so, guys. Uh, so Sparks, <laughs> the reason why I, I when I saw that, I'm just like, Ugh, okay, was because now the factoid of like the other company wanting to get dinosaurs, cool, but the fact that they the part where it says like, hey, remember Dodson from Jurassic Park? He's coming back. That's part of, like the problem really? is. When you have the guy who owns the company, he's the guy who shows up in the movie. It's not going to be some rando. It's going to be the guy who's part of the company. Dodson owns the company. That that's the bad guy. So who's the guy who would show up when representing the bad guys? The bad guy. I think that in the original Jurassic Park, he was just a dude showing up, and he didn't know he was that like the bad guy. I mean, Dodson's the whole reason why the park is screwed up anyway. Uh, yeah, I I don't I just I don't know. I think you're reaching a little. Uh, I need to rewatch. You know what I need? I need to rewatch Jurassic Park again. That's what I need to do. There are plenty of excuses to rewatch Jurassic Park. I think, I think uh, like the thing that would feel more like what you're talking about to me would be if Nedry's twin brother came back for yeah. this movie. <laughs> that would be, be like what? No. no, that's my point. That's my point. If they made some stupid thing like that, that's where I would go. Ooh, damn! This isn't even, especially because it's not even feeding like the hardcore purists because it's not even going to be the same actor. This is clearly like a character-based mm -hmm. decision. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, the, speaking of character-based decisions, I think. Sure. Uh, the Flash is rumored to be casting. Is sorry, is rumored to be in talks. Uh, this hasn't been a casting announcement yet. Uh, to have Michael Keaton return as Bruce Wayne from Batman. Real quick, Mike, for saying uh, you should also definitely read the book, and I agree. The book is I did. Uh, it's entirely own experience. You might want to revisit it. Yeah, no, I did. The last time I read it, I was a sophomore in high school. It was right. 2006. So I need to reread that shit again. Revisit it. Mm. Um, so not only... That, uh, double thing, the hardcover. Anyway, sorry, Brandon, go on. Not only will Michael Keaton be, re be supposedly returning as the role of Bruce Wayne, I want to say that again, Bruce Wayne, he will supposedly play a Nick Fury type role in future DCEU movies. You you guys know how much I love me some Michael Keaton Batman. Batman Returns is my favorite Batman movie. I want nothing more than Michael Keaton to come back. This is not how you do it. If you're, <laughs> I don't want them to make Flashpoint, but if you're gonna make Flashpoint, do Flashpoint. Mm -hmm. What does what? What purpose does it serve to bring a second Bruce Wayne into the universe when you already have? Yes. Robert Pattinson. Uh, comic books are silly, right? But the Flash goes back in time, he fixes things, so it's a different Batman. That's that's what makes that Flashpoint thing fun. It's the Batman doesn't kill, now this is the Batman who kills, and he's a casino owner. When you just have it be Michael Keaton Batman again, it's just like, why do Flashpoint? Do you know what this uh, sounds like to me? It's Jim Lee racing to make movie fans feel the same way TV fans feel right now 
that all of DC media is a mm. multiverse yeah. because we know that he made the Ezra Miller thing happen. Yeah. And this is still using Ezra Miller's flash and wanting to get everybody on board. Like, Hey, everything's all one thing now. So they're, they're like running to hit that point. The only, the only way I see this working is because the only way I truly want Batman or Michael Keaton to come back is if it's a Batman beyond scenario, right? Michael Keaton's clearly old. He's not going to be, he, he's not going to be just regular Batman. He's got to be that version of Batman, right? He's old. He's an old man. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I had, I had it. Oh, sorry. Have it just be an alternate, alternate history, but take place in the future. So it's still just Batman. Like, I don't know what, there's also rumors of Thomas showing up too. I don't know if that's true. These are all still rumors, right? But I did I, show yeah. that, I did show you guys the, that fandom DC entertainment thing that had the Batman logo. That is a real thing that got leaked. So mm-hmm. Michael Keaton is a big part of whatever's happening in the future. I just don't know if it's the way that I want it to happen. Real real quickly, that logo wasn't leaked. It was released properly. All the DC fandom stuff has all the movies, okay. all the TV shows, okay. everything. Uh, so I'm not surprised it's... I definitely think there's there's fire to this smoke about Michael Keaton. Maybe not the Nick Fury thing. That sounds kind of That hokey. sounds crazy. The only way I could buy that is if you're actually actively replacing what Ben Affleck's Batman was to the other characters with Michael Keaton's Batman and saying Michael Keaton's Batman is the canon now, which doesn't make any sense to me. But in, no, if, unless yeah. that's what you're... That's the only way I buy this Nick Fury thing. But then you Pattinson. It, I think what if they're going to do Flashpoint, make it make it the alternate history because Wonder Woman and Aquaman they don't age, right? You can make it the Batman Beyond universe. That is the Flashpoint universe. If you are bringing Michael Keaton, he has he's old. You can't just have him be regular Batman. It doesn't make sense. The whole point of him, like people want him to come back and be that old man Bruce Wayne. Like if Terry McGinnis shows up in this movie, that'd be dope. But like again, I just want a Batman Beyond movie. Like I don't know this Flashpoint movie is. What's going on? So much stuff. It's just this bottom line. Don't do Flashpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been saying that for how ever since the Flash movie was in development. Just don't do Flashpoint. Flashpoint is the lowest hanging fruit imaginable for a Flash story. But unfortunately, they're doing it because it's the most popular damn one. We don't even know. It's a civil war. I want to be clear. Like, I'm really not against a Flashpoint movie. I just don't want it to be the first Flash movie. For real. I don't have a problem with an eventual Flashpoint. It's just not the first Flash movie I want. Um, you want to do it second, whatever. I don't care. Um, to be honest, I care less and less as the years go by. Yeah. Uh, this <laughs> it, took the TV, it, it took the show, what, three seasons to finally do Flashpoint? And it was for like, and it was like, two an episodes. Episode. Yeah. Literally, there, season episode. three was a Flashpoint and they only did for two episodes. It was like, Barry comes back literally like halfway through the episode. I'm like, that was, wow, you teased that a whole lot, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, this Michael Keaton thing is confusing. Yeah, it is. But I did. I do feel like the heart of it. What what I said before is is the the closest to the truth, which is Jim Lee's racing to establish a multimedia multiverse. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Cyberpunk. We're going to talk about it a little bit more later. But Cyberpunk is going to be releasing an anime series on on Netflix called Cyberpunk Edge Runners, being dis- developed by Studio Trigger. Um, about a kid set in the world of Cyberpunk 2077, uh, having everything to lose, he chooses to stay alive by becoming an edge runner, a mercenary outlaw, also known as a cyberpunk. Ten yeah, episodes uh, debut in 2022. Yeah, that was it was an interesting announcement because the, it's going to come out two years after the game comes out, mm-hmm. but the game 
much like The Witcher 3, it's going to have a lot of legs because one, it's going to get a port to the new systems or it's going to get an upgrade to the new systems. And they've already said that they're going to do a bunch of DLC, story DLC like The Witcher. So by the time that anime comes out, uh, there's going to be a bunch of DLC probably coming along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm Cyberpunk right now is my most anticipated thing ever. Uh, and we'll talk about it later with that trailer. But um, Even more than Dune? Even more. Well, in turn, mm, no, that's tough. <laughs> see, I'm just like 100 hours in Cyberpunk and only like three hours in Dune. Uh, we'll see. They're neck and neck. <laughs> but yeah, this is great. Uh, you have more um, more uh, experience with, with uh, Trigger. Sure. I've only seen Kill a Kill, which is awesome. So I know it's going to look great. Um, Trigger is also the studio behind that anime I talked about with you guys really recently called Brand New Animal, where they really, really, really stepped in it on the ending. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it really depends who's overseeing this. Animation-wise, even their worst shows are fantastic. Yeah, so at least it's going to uh, look... It's going to look great. I just, uh, I just... It's also surprising because this is the first time Trigger's working with Netflix, and this isn't what I would expect. Like, if you were announcing a Netflix, an anime for Netflix... Uh, I would have expected it to be the Devilman Crybaby studio yeah. or the studio that's on Knights of Sidonia and the Godzilla films. Um, but they're pretty much getting, behind but it. But getting Trigger is is very impressive and it's going to look nice. Yeah. Uh, I hope the story's good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Pirates of the Caribbean was in the news again because Margot Robbie is set to star in the new Pirates of the Caribbean film, a uh, different Pirates of the Caribbean film than the one that they're looking at Karen Gillan to do. Oh, they um, are? Yeah, so there's two Pirates of the Caribbean films in production. Right. Wait, Karen uh, Gillan's in the... I thought the other one was the one that Jack Sparrow's in, but Karen Gillan would still be considered for the Margot Robbie one. No, no, Karen Gillan is the first one that we heard about, which was the reboot or sequel or whatever. This is something else, the Mar- Margot Robbie, with uh, written by Christina Hodson, who wrote Birds of Prey. Hmm. I, how about you get one movie out before you start working on two? Maybe for a franchise that I'm already over. For a franchise that's yeah. pretty good, maybe get that first one out first. <clears throat> no, the birds yeah. of prey makes me interested. No, it definitely does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have more faith in this than the other project. Whatever even that though, is. Uh, even though they like the writer from the first four pirates is the person who's writing. Like they're not bringing back Dead Man Tell No Tales. Yeah. Um. Still, uh, this is the one that sounds like it would have more faith because they're very explicitly saying like new characters, new new everything. Like don't even. Don't even worry about all that. And I'm like, that's really the way to handle pirates at this point. It's just like, uh, wash all, forget all that. Let's do a different thing. You know how this is going to be the uh, a reboot? The first one is Pirates of the Caribbean. This one, Pirates of the Caribbean. Jesus. Jesus is right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so as, as I mentioned, is not intended to be, a spin-off, to be a spin-off of the long-running franchise that had Pirate Jack Sparrow at its center, but rather a wholly original story with new characters under the Pirates mm. moniker. Okay, cool. Just like that that Transformers writing room with 30 movies coming out. Just give me one first. Let's just get one out first. That's good. Yep. Um, okay, trailers. Oh, boy. To be fair, on that note, Christina Hodson's also the person who wrote Bumblebee. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Bumblebee. Is it? Yes, she wrote Bumblebee, yeah. but... Uh, uh, oh, it's a Warner Brothers What's his name who uh, directed it? Brandon. Oh, Travis oh, Knight. Travis, Travis Knight. Knight. Travis yeah. I directed it, but yeah, she wrote Bumblebee. She good. wrote Birds of Prey, so I'm I'm all for Damn, her. She's good. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So I want to talk about Over the Moon first. This is a trailer yeah. I saw completely by accident. Um, this is the directorial. One more note on the pirates thing. Uh, Tom Hanks has done nothing but talk about how he wants to be a villain in his superhero films. <sighs> what if Tom Hanks was a bad guy in the pirates movie? That'd be pretty great. 
want that now. <laughs> what would he be? Would he be a British man? Would no. he be? Oh wait, no. He's, he's a grungy, dirty pirate. Oh my god, I'm trying to imagine him because he like he never. I was does just that. about. I was just about to say he could be Blackbeard. That's how many times already... he played a captain? He can do it. Oh my god, you're right. He's born. Yeah, I was gonna say he could play Blackbeard, but that was already Ian McShane, so that's out. And he's good. Can't take that away. He can no, be Jolly no, Roger. Who? Jeez. He can be literally Jolly Roger. Oh, yeah, he can. <laughs> yeah. He has actual bones sticking out of his head. I just want I just want Margot Robbie and Tom Hanks to face off. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Okay. Real quick, hear me out. Hear me out. Just say yes or no. Tom Hanks, Norman Osborn. Yes. yes. Sure. Cool. Um, okay. Over the Moon. I was very excited oh. to talk about this one. So this is a movie called Over the Moon. It's the directorial debut of Disney animator Glenn Keane and John Cars, written by Jennifer E. McDevitt and Audrey Wells. And has got, has got an entire Asian cast, uh, such as Sandra Oh, John Cho. Yes. Uh, I think this looks awesome. This? Uh, I was sold before the rocket went up in the air. I almost wish I was extra sold. Yeah. By the end of this trailer, I was like, "I, you didn't even need to show me this. I, I was already going to see it. I'm almost mad that they revealed. I, hopefully this is just like the first 30 minutes because I already loved everything before we got to the science fiction stuff. Yeah. Then we got to the actual science fiction stuff. I'm like, oh my God, please tell me this is actually a huge science fiction movie that they're just hiding from us. Or mysticism. Because if they're not, then they showed a lot of the movie and I hope they didn't. Really it's a musical hoping. too. And it's a musical. To me, it oh, felt like the original teaser for Coco, mm -hmm. where yeah. it was just showing his family stuff, and then he slips onto the other side, yeah. and it shows the city, and that was the end of it. And I'm like, dang. If it's like that, I'm, yeah. I'm if so he, sold. If you would have told me this was a Pixar movie before any credits, I would have been like, oh, wow, is this a new Pixar? Because, like, really, is this, like, the first Netflix animated that looks like Pixar quality? 100%. Like, this looks sure. like... A real no offense. They put to, real you know, money into this. This is like a real ass Pixar movie. It looks like this looks better than most of DreamWorks' most recent yeah, movies. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm very excited. Yeah, that I think this looks, I think this looks awesome. Cool. I was I was crying by the time the trailer ended. Look yeah, at that. I, look, I'm sold. God. I, I can't wait to watch that rabbit. A, a the rabbit's adorable. The story sounds amazing. I love how just like that her trying to build uh, a spaceship to go to the moon I, I, to see her mom, or it's just. This is so good. I cannot wait to wait the, to the see two, it. The, the, two, the pencil drawn animation of the flat, of the story. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. I, I was All so right. sold so fast. Yeah. yeah me too. I'm, like, I'm watching this movie. I don't mm -hmm. care. I'm watching this movie. And so we are going through the DC animated movies universe uh, currently. Uh, we're almost done, guys. One more week on this uh, after this. But the next supposed next continuity is already beginning to start with Superman Man of Tomorrow, the next DC animated movie to come out from Warner Brothers. Uh, what do we yes. think about this one? I really like the animation change. Yeah. Me it's too. Me too. Hey, hello. Hey. From Japan. Hello. Thank you for joining yes. us. Hello. Thank you. What is it like? Can you tell us what time? Is it like six in the morning or like eight? What time is it? I have no concept. What time, what time is it in Japan? Thank you for being up. Yeah. Um, or waking up early to watch us. What, were, what was the question, Brandon? I was so excited by someone from out Superman, of Superman, Man of Tomorrow. Uh, Sparks just said the animation change is brilliant. Yeah, it's uh, heavy lines. I'm a big, yeah. I'm a big fan of that type of art style. Uh, it's based off a Max Landis comic book. It um, is partially based off partially. of. Let's be clear. 
Uh, if you watch very, the trailer, very partially the trailer, the Lobo stuff and the suit stuff is exactly from look, the comic. Look, so. hey, we watched Justice League Throne of Atlantis. No, I know. So it can be 100% different from its source material. No, I know. But I'm saying from the trailer that we saw, it's no, not. No, I get it. It's I get not. It. Um, so one of the things it, I, I saw it, that. I, no, it's, it's, I haven't read it since then. Okay. But people so revisit it so, now. Uh, well, I was going to say, um, it, is, it only looks like it's taking elements from one issue of that book. Um, only one issue of that book, the Lobo issue, where he is in, in the, the, the proto outfit. The stuff with Martian Manhunter, the stuff with Parasite, none of that's in that book. We're talking about American Alien, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, the, so I think what they're doing is they're kind of taking a visual cue yeah. And then just throwing everything out and doing their own story. Yeah. Well, he has to meet Batman the same way because he gets the outfit. So that has to be the same. Possibly. Um, but we don't, I mean, we don't know. We only saw, saw a little bit. And I don't know yeah, if they I, would want to introduce. Um, no, Batman. no, it's not. It's not. They can easily make that outfit not be Batman's because we don't, it's not ears or anything. It's just a, it's just a flight. It's just a flight cap with goggles. Okay. Um, for Superman 75th anniversary, DC released this animation short that was like Superman through the years and everything. Yes, yeah, awesome. the animation here reminds me a lot of it. It has yeah. me super pumped for it. There's a there's a feeling uh just about representing Superman in this that I'm yeah. like, yeah, this is this is an animated movie I am here for, man. I uh, uh, I don't know who the voice cast is. Um I haven't looked. Darren uh, Chris. Darren Chris is Superman. That's right. Hell okay. yeah. Yeah. That's um, Zachary, Quinto, Zachary Quinto has Lex Luthor. God, no, yeah. I'm pumped. Oh, yeah, I, oh, I wanna, give yeah. Me. I'm give me, give me now, please. Any chance for Zachary Quinto to be a villain again? Yes, slicing your head off. I don't, hey, I freaking was there for all his shit on Heroes. I watched that show because of him. Spoilers, Ben, I'm pretty sure everybody on this podcast was here for those moments. Thank okay. Siler Siler was not missed by the by our kind of community. Siler, <laughs> and then the and then the fact when he got on Star Trek, it's like this dude has range, and I love him as Spock. Yeah, he's alright as Spock. Um, I, okay, I love it. Yeah, I'm really excited for Superman Man of Tomorrow, um, especially if it's going to launch the next universe. Like. That'd be cool if it was just all in that style well, of animation. I mean, I'll be honest. Like a, I, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I'll be honest. As we're winding down on this universe, I care less about a, con- a continuity universe. I care much more about just like good individual films. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do like direct sequels, like the Titans films or the Superman Reign of Superman that we're talking about today, um, then that's really awesome. But I, I don't care so much about them trying to make a... Because frankly, unless they're putting out much more in the animated film department, I don't feel like it's going to feel fleshed out no matter what they do. Mm-hmm. So I'm interesting. I'm going the exact opposite way of that. Well, but it's it's speaking to what you were talking about. How you wish that uh, the continuity of the universes, what the last time we talked about it, was more uh, filled out. You got more moments with the characters and everything. And I care more about just like those individual films just feeling like they've got the strong character beats and i don't care so much about them feeling like they're really intertwined connected as long as they're good because we just like it's fine if they are connected but i don't want that to be the focus we just got 15 movies of that like it'd be cool if they yeah just did their own things try to find because like the animated films before they did this were great too like superman batman public enemies those those were solid films that i still love watching uh i don't need the continuity if they're good you get what I'm yeah. saying? I, I'm not saying I do either. I'm just saying that if this is the if this is the start, I hope they continue with this animation style. That's all I meant to say. That I agree with. I that wouldn't I be with. surprised yeah. because 
uh, this is like doing a new origin for Superman. I wouldn't be surprised if they did the Marvel method and actually have do new origins for all the characters. Like whether it's the rebirth origin or like Wonder Woman's new origin with like the gods. Um, or maybe that's what Bloodlines is. I haven't seen that, but you know, instead of it being the clay thing, she is a demigod from Zeus. Um, that would be that would be all right. Um, okay. Uh, well, random. So since K Titus, we have a, a viewer from Japan. We want to know what time it was. I just went ahead and Google it. It's currently two forty in the afternoon in uh, Tokyo. Holy Dang, shit! There you go. So Dang, I don't know. How, <laughs> I don't know how many time zones the entire country of Japan is in, but in Tokyo right now, it is two o'clock in the. It is almost three o'clock in the afternoon. They're in the mother of the future, man. That's crazy. National Dateline, baby. Thank you. Uh, and Sparks, you brought this to our attention. Onyx Equinox. Thank you, oh thank you, God. thank you, thank you, thank you. This looks so freaking good. Hey, guys. I love uh, Mayan Avatar. This looks dope as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, I, uh, ooh, I, I need to watch this show so bad. I, I, I need uh, to watch this show. I'm very pleased with... Uh, what Crunchyroll's done, even if the anime kind of tanks the ending, like Tower of God so far has been an impressive animation piece all on its own, uh, wor worthy of its time. Um, I hope that this continues that trend and exceeds it because this looks really inventive and cool. Yeah, I agree. I love the yeah. animation. I love like the look of it. Honestly, like, uh, I love. It's like Mayan Shaman King. If anybody remembers Shaman King. Oh, I remember Shaman King. Not very well, but I remember it. Shaman King uh, apparently is getting an anime reboot. Um, yes, uh, but it, it kind of reminds me of that. I just I'm I'm in I'm into these designs. They look great. Yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah. gonna say I love the look of it, the design aesthetic of it. I love it. I love the setting of it because yeah. I feel like we don't see a lot. We don't see a lot of Mayan uh, Mayan stuff. I'm trying to representation. Like my representation of Mayan mythology. That's what I was looking for. Well, mythology, the yeah. them out in the 1400s. I don't know if you know that. What? The, What'd you the think? Spanish? The Spanish wiped them out? Oh. I think oh, that, nobody I think, expects it. I think the last major thing to involve them was Apocalypto. Um, bad guy. Pretty good movie. <laughs> Pretty crazy good movie. And you're right, right? I just found out, speaking of Mel Gibson, speaking of Mel Gibson, I just found out about the existence of the Jewfish. That was something. The, the what, Brandon? It's called yeah. the... It's called the the it's called it's colloquially called the the Jewfish. It's a giant gobbler fish that that is in mostly found in Alaska. Alaska. It's huge. It's 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 like the size of a boat. It was very impressive. Good to know. Jewfish. Okay. Anyway, big ass fish. Um, Cuphead had a quick little teaser, and I wanted to show. I wanted to ask because I don't I don't play Cuphead. What did you think about this guy? It was only like thirty seconds long. I'm for it. The animation style that we did see that was completely animated looks a lot like the cartoon, but it's not complete. Or okay, it looks a lot like the video game, but it's not wholly percent the video game. So you can still see the difference, which I'm totally fine with. Um, I'm glad they're making it. It's in the works. So cool. I'm for it's it. Supposed to be out by the end of the year. Yeah, they're working on it. That's all I can say is they're working on it, and it looks this, good. This is more or less the visuals I expected, and I'm pleased. I would. Yeah, I was. I would hope. Yeah. I couldn't imagine them doing like a 3D thing. Or... Oh my god! Like They're if, they, like took, if they took the Cuphead game and then made a 3D show, I'd be like, "Wow, you way to miss like the whole point." Yeah. Like the whole point of that game was to be 2D animated and flesh your cartoon style. The whole damn point of the game. That's why people bought the game was for that style. Mugman. These days, I'm less and less surprised. Mugman. Um, the boys released a clip and the first three minutes of season two. 
I didn't watch the first three minutes of season two, but I did watch that clip of that racist lady. I watched the, the clip. The clip was Stormfront, um, who's been gender swapped, I believe. She, he was a, she was a boy in the comics, I think. Uh, I haven't read it in a decade, so I don't remember. All um, but she, but she goes to meet. She goes to meet High, High, uh, Highlander, Homeland. and they're shooting Homelander. I love that sequence where they're just like, it's not even a, it's not even really Afghanistan. It's just a set. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so two things. Uh, that actress is phenomenal. She was on You're the Worst, and she's awesome, and I'm super stoked for her to be on this show. That clip is great. And also, I watched it with Megan, and Megan went and checked. Um, Stormfront Official is a registered Instagram account with no videos right now, but we're, we wouldn't be surprised if when the show starts running, mm. they start uploading. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see that. The first three episodes are going to drop on September 4th, 2020, uh, and then will be released weekly from there. Um, the first three minutes I, I thought were spectacular. Um, it's uh, we just talked about this guy, the from the Moff Gideon from the Mandalorian. I always get his name wrong. Oh, uh, John Carlo Esposito. Yeah, he's he's the top guy of the boys' yeah. company. Of the boys' company. Uh, the seven, uh, yeah. He controls the seven. Um, uh, I uh, I like that first. I like that first three minutes a whole lot. I'm so excited for that. You see, um, what's the what's the Batman guy? But all decked out in black doesn't um oh um uh i don't remember anyway, yeah, I don't, it's it's all it's all about him the first episode guys. black noir i don't know black noir black noir um yeah he's he's going through uh he's going through a terrorist cell it's funny uh mags is still waiting for dlc or physical for oh, cuphead 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 cuphead's yeah. a digital release only there's no physical copy of cuphead in existence as of now i see um okay Foundation released a trailer. This adaptation of a long-running book series going to Apple TV Plus. I'm so mad, bro. Are you, because now are you kidding me with this show? I'm gonna care about having Apple TV next year. I'm pissed. This is the, I, this makes me want to buy Apple TV twice just for this show. This show looks so. I cannot believe this is not just an HBO show. I, I hate that it's on a, a service that. We do we have it? We do have it right now. I'm so excited for the foundation. We have it. <laughs> Anymore. Listen, I will wait for it to come out and be done, and I will buy a month of it because this show looks extraordinary. I've not read this book, um, <laughs> Isaac As- As- Asimov. Asimov. Yeah, um, Asimov. I'm gonna, I am gonna read this book because this looks this looks insane. Like this looks truly stellar, interstellar. Um, boy, oh boy. This is Jared Harris is also in this one. Mm-hmm. Great cast. Lee cast. Pace. Yeah. Lee Pace. Oh, I love you, Lee Pace. Oh. Um, speaking of good cast, Muppets Now, the new Disney Plus Muppets non-scripted series i liked this trailer um the what i saw at disney plus was the full version of kermit and the legal uh the otter the otter uh the auditor uh who uh he was um stopping him from sharing too much about the show constantly it's actually a long very good gag uh, I kind of wish they had incorporated that teaser into this rather than like cutting it up um, as just a whole piece. It works very well. And then they could have just smashed a whole bunch of the new footage at the end of it. Uh, but other than that, I'm excited. Um, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I love the Muppets and I, I, I just want to watch something Muppet related. I'm, I'm adjusting to Kermit's voice. Yeah. I, I definitely heard Kermit's voice. I was like, that's not what getting I, there. Mm. I'm getting I, there. I, it's probably going to grow on me too. So, I'm just glad Muppets um, are back. Yay, Muppets. 
speaking of streaming services we don't want, Peacock is coming, guys. We can't stop it. Wish we could. But we can't. You can't stop the cock. <laughs> Literally, hold on. We talked about it today. You can't just say things like that. Peacock. Peacock. <laughs> Wake up, America. It's a peacock. Wait, that's a real Sorry. <laughs> anyway, peacock. Get you guys see what I did? I don't. Okay. Anyway. Um, anyway. Um, okay. So peacock is coming uh, with some. It has some new trailers. Anybody here watch Psych? No. I did a little bit. I, I skimmed through this trailer. It's it's a reunion show. Cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's a sequel to the first movie they did, I guess. Yeah. Um, there's the capture. Um, yes. Sure. This is the this is the the show that they bought, right? The the English show. The BBC show. The BBC yeah. show. Yeah. So yeah. Um, oh, I thought that like, was the. Oh, you're right. This is one. So I'm not gonna go out of my way to watch this, but like I love me a good serial drama. Like you know, like I told him like a broad church. Like I want to watch like one of those like once a year, right? <laughs> like a good a good a good uh, detective drama. Uh, and this and this looks pretty good. Um, to be honest, a lot of these trailers on on the Peacock service were pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's still again just another service that I'd have to buy. That's the thing is like uh, I I didn't think it, there was anything necessarily wrong with the capture. It's just <laughs> nothing captured me about it enough to make me feel like I would watch it over plenty of other shows that I'm much more appealed to. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. just so many shows. I'm like I'll probably just never get to it. I just for one thing, I don't want to buy Be- Peacock, but yeah. like I'll probably never get to it. It just doesn't have enough going on for me to care. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the trailers um, I saw today, I had the same feeling. Like the capture, I saw Ron Perlman. I love Ron Perlman. I'm not gonna get Peacock just to watch Ron Perlman in a small role. The show yeah. looks good. I was looking at it. I was looking at it. I looked at all these trailers. If I look at Disney Plus, even HBO Max, when they release their launch trailers, you know, I looked at those and I was even like, oh, I want this series, but. There was nothing here where I'm just like, oh, I want this here. I want this this service. I think that um, part of it is that about 75% of these shows are them buying them from other places they were supposed to be, and then just mm-hmm. like chopping them to trailers together for them very quickly because uh, the capture is from BBC, um, Intelligence is from Sky TV. Yeah, uh, so the other the other one is the David Schwimmer uh, joint. Uh, the uh, intelligence. Oh, and, oh, oh that one. That one I, I did not like at all. Back to playing Ross. I thought this looked just. I, I I said to him. I was watching. I was like, David. I know you can do better. I've seen you do better. Mm-hmm. What's happening here? Um, there's the Where's Waldo animated show. Great. I think that's awesome for kids. I think I all think right. the idea is cute and like. Uh, uh, I was like, well, where's the where's Waldo part? And then every episode is going to have a little find me. Um, for a kid show, like, this looks charming. Like, I got nothing against it. Uh, you pointed out that's kind of like combining Carmen Sandiego with Waldo. Yeah. Like, kind of works. Enough, I mentioned that. I yeah. actually, when I saw this, I was talking to fans. I was like, this looks like a different version of Carmen Sandiego in a way. But Like, you're learning about stuff. Like, uh, yeah. like it, he's, like, finding, like, things like, they belong in a museum. Also, am I on this beach? Like, it looks, it looks cute. It's a um, show, okay. Yeah. Then there's the other the other long gestating TV series of a classic book series, Brave New World with Alden Ehrenreich. This again, this is one of those shows where this trailer is like, God damn it, I I am gonna wait this for is, 
Yeah, it's a, that's the most frustrating thing is that it's like it's only one or two things that make me go, well, shit. Yeah. Because uh, everything else, I'm like, I could let it pass. I can let it pass. I'm gonna watch like, the Hold show. on, let me show you the foundation. Let yeah. me show you Brave New World, and I'm like, well, I wish you would. <laughs> yeah, Brave New. Out of all these trailers, Brave New World was the one I probably would put time into watch because that looks really good. Yeah, it looks uh, really yeah. good. Uh, Super in the future, class warfare. Alden Ehrenreich is always not wearing the same color as everyone else, so he sticks out. Like, very obvious symbolism, but like that, it looks great. Like, it looks like they put a lot of a lot of effort and money into it. Like, uh, it's on Peacock, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah. wait till it to be over and get a month of it. There. Um, the next trailer um, is Sherlock Holmes in the twenty second century. Oh, sorry, Cleopatra in space. There you I, go. Yes. Uh, we already talked about this when there was a teaser trailer before, and it looks awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really it. great. This is this is the one for me where I was just like, well, shoot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think that looks great. It's not enough to make me get the service. It and Brave New World isn't quite there either, but uh, it looks good. Yeah, yeah. And then Curious George, of the Curious also, George series, also great for kids. Looks really, uh, really cute. Yeah, well animated. Uh, very classic curious george awesome i don't know but there i could have sworn when i was watching this trailer they used the same shot twice maybe i'm sure they did i'm pretty sure they did because i'm like i saw that like 10 minutes ago am i even oh, listening got bad news about anime ben i got i got <laughs> bad news about every children's show they definitely do that a lot it's same in the flash too I was... uh okay um Real quickly, there's not a whole lot to talk about this one, but Halo Infinite did release a teaser uh, revealing a certain villain in the in the game. They released um, an audio form. This is with a yeah. visual of that audio form. <laughs> and there's really there's really nothing to talk about, but it, I did want to mention that it's Chris Swindle's voice. Yay! Uh, friend of the show is Chris Swindle. Chris Swindle? Huh? It's confirmed to be Chris Swindle. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. That, that man's in Halo. Yeah, that's really that's really cool. Uh, the other thing that's important about it is that it confirmed they're bringing back stuff from Halo Wars 2, which is the Banished, which mm -hmm. is an interesting, that it, almost the, uh, the, Kingdom the Hearts. definition of a weird flex, but cool for Halo. Yeah, sure. You gotta play the side um, game that half the people didn't play. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's cool. I just wanted to point out, just shout out, just pay Chris Wendell's in a Halo game. That's awesome. Heck yeah, baby, get that paycheck. We're all about that. Um, and then uh, Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, coming out on October 2nd, 2020. Hey, have you guys played a Crash Bandicoot game before? Nope. Yes. Then you're about to play. Well, if the answer was yes, then then you've played a Crash. Then you played this game. Wait, is... I have played the demo in Uncharted Four. So yeah, did you beat it? No. You didn't beat that section. You didn't no. see what happened at the end. No. Oh, Brandon, you got to beat it. There's more to that story. I mean, well, no, I know, but what happens at the no, oh, that end. Yes, I did. I, I thought you meant to what? Because I lost the Crash Bandicoot thing. It still went with the story. Okay, I think if you win, you get different audio. Because I definitely beat oh. it. You should definitely I try don't. to beat it. Maybe. Anyway, hey guys, this looks like more Crash Bandicoot. It looks great. Oh, they yeah. did confirm that this is a sequel to the latest Crash game. Cla cra yeah, Crash You're game, but it is a. Which was no, just no, so. So it is four. It is four. So it's bouncing off the original trilogy, but the yes. games in between are also canon. No, they don't. Uh, the games in between, like the other games, because at the end of the trailer, they're like, how many times did you beat this guy? They Coco specifically point out that they're not canon. Three. three. And then he's like, huh, for some reason, it feels like a lot more than that. 
So uh, I only read the, I read the, I just read the article. I just read the article where they said that it bounces off of whatever the last game was still. The insane the insanity the insane yeah, trilogy. The insane trilogy which is remasters of the original 3 games. Yeah, it's just using that engine, new yeah. new levels. Looks I'm cool. ha- I'm happy. I saw some new powers. I saw some cool shit. I love Crash Bandicoot. You guys know this. I'm down. Just I like it. I'm of like a mix of Ratchet and Clank because they're implementing so many new powers. Because again, I was talking to him. If they just made another Crash Bandicoot game where you're just platforming, that'd be boring as hell. But the fact that they're including so many new masks where you can like, uh, you can like jump on the ceiling or slow down time, they're adding stuff to make it a little more interesting instead of just being lazy. So that's and what I. Play, and you could play as Cortex. Yes, I, and, and another lady as well. Whoever, whoever. Oh, you were able to play as her in the in the last games too. Oh. Yeah. Um, in a in a crash in the in the insane trilogy for Crash Bandicoot two and Crash Bandicoot three, uh, especially three, there were sections where you could only play as Coco, but in two you're able to switch out to be Coco or Crash. That was something they added that if I if I remember correctly was never in the original PlayStation version. Yeah, because I I don't remember that from the original game. Uh, I like Brandon. Am a simple man, and there's a dinosaur, so I'm I'm gonna play it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the classic running from the dinosaur gag never gets old. And also the most the stress. Oh god, I, those are the most stress-inducing levels I've ever played when I played the original one. Oh my god, right from the Triceratops and three was like, ah, what do I do? You run. Yeah, yeah, you do. Died many, many times, and when I finally beat it, it was this great euphoric uh, elation. And then we realized that was like only the Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> Is this Dark Souls? What God no. those things? Was, Sorry, I, I was just reading. I was I was confirming something for the next bit of news. Um, Marvel's The Avengers had a story trailer and a gameplay trailer. It had a thirty-five had, minute press conference. It had a whole thing. <laughs> I totally. Well, forgot. yes, but like the you know for this for this purpose, the story trailer and the gameplay trailer. I get you. So you guys can talk about the story, and I'm going to talk about what the actual game is because I'm not excited about this game very much. Oh. Well, I mean, Captain America, I guess, died, and Kamala Khan needs to bring back the Avengers to stop AIM and MODOK, and sure. That's, that's the story, and the story looks great. But as someone who's played Destiny in every type of Destiny game, this game, it's a mix of Destiny and Marvel Ultimate Alliance, and it doesn't know which type of game it wants to be. Because it looks, presentation-wise, like a big Spider-Man game. But on an actual gameplay level, it performs like a Marvel Ultimate Alliance game. Uh, you specifically noted that the weights of the hits don't look heavy. I agree on every character. Um, I feel bad for characters like Black Widow because you have Iron Man who can fly and you have Thor who can uh, charge lightning and then you have Black Widow who punches. And I'm like, the balance there doesn't seem fun. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like who's going to be the, the, when you do multiplayer, who's going to be the person who wants to play Black Widow? And again, I love while your Black friends Widow, are smashing things the, the, the character. Hulk. And again, like th- that Thor gameplay, it showed Thor fighting a bunch of robot people. Um, and they're taking hits like it's nothing. And then you have like Black Widow fighting the same people, and like there's no weight to it. there's no weight to any of the fighting. It just seems very repetitive. They t- we need to, if you watch the whole present the uh, the whole conference, they go into what the map looks like, how you upgrade the RPG stuff, and it is literally Destiny. It is it is literally Destiny, and that is a that is a detriment to this game because this game's been in development for five years, and the UI and everything is from a last generation type of game. Um, and, I, and I think uh, more specifically what Ryan's saying, it's Destiny, not Destiny 2. Destiny it 1. Is, it is not the updated version of that, uh, which sure. exists now. Yeah. It is the old original model of it that they're still running with. 
I'm which getting, is different. The story, uh, I am very excited for the story. Um, I really like the idea of Kamala bringing them together. I like the idea of having MODOK be the regular man who turns into the supervillain. AIM being your main bad guy. All the story stuff I'm really, I'm really great and fun about. Um, it's the actual gameplay and what you're going to be doing for dozens of hours. I'm not convinced that it's going to be fun. The other thing that got mm -hmm. to me is that uh, it looks like you beat up some robots. All right, go to this other place. Beat up more robots and more robots and more robots and only robots. Only beat up these robots. That's all there is. There's only these robots. But there Sparks, if you're Thor, Sparks, if you're Thor, you can ride the Bifrost, apparently. Ooh, that, I mean, look, like, there are things in it that do look like they're I can, fun to I do. can do that in there's Marvel Ultimate of, Alliance 1 from 15 years ago. There's a lot of special ability stuff that feels like, look, honestly, frankly, the Hulk looks like he'll be a lot of fun to play. Mm -hmm. Genuinely. Like, I'm like, I bet uh, the, the way that his things look better than everyone else's, I bet playing the Hulk feels real good. I bet everybody will want to play the Hulk uh, because it'll feel really good. But only one of you can. Um, I, I would like... For this to be the kind of experience where if all four of us had it, we'd hop on, we'd all play the Avengers, and we'd have a really good time going through the missions. I just don't know if the gameplay is going to feel good enough to warrant that. I'll be honest, I'm not going to buy it. No, but that's not the point. What My point being, like, I, I would love if, like, even just years down the road, like we've done with other games, when it becomes, like, $15, it's like, you know what, this is fun for, like the missions to just and get online with your friends and it feels good to be an Avenger. That's all I really want it to be. I don't need the game to be more. I don't need it to be on the Spider-Man level. Yeah. Actually, I do just in the gameplay way where it's like, it feels great to just play Spider-Man. Yeah. I want that for the Avengers. I want it to just feel good to play it. Uh, the reason like, I, I really wish you guys would have watched that whole thing because like it, it gives you, it gives you everything the game's about everything you need to know about the game and you can watch the video and go cool this is exactly for me or it's not for me um there was a section where they were showing what the hud looks like and how mm. uh like brandon you've played destiny before how you have to move the mouse cursor on the screen that's terrible ui you should never use that ui for something and destiny came out six years ago there's no reason that this p that this console game should still be using mouse interfaces like it's right. it's an old system and this game again been in development for so long there's things you can't change the inhumans are a major aspect of this game remember when the inhumans were popular three years ago mm -hmm. uh i'm gonna i'll buy this game because i'm a shill i'll probably play the story and then in three years like in debt like in destiny it, it'll get good after they add all the free content then we'll play it when it's on sale i hope i'm wrong because uh, i'm a shill for disney but uh, and, uh i'm not impressed yeah i'm i'm with you but Cyberpunk 2077, you're impressed. Speaking of impressed, <laughs> um, yeah. Ben, uh, I, you don't need to get into it. Have you played any of The Witcher yet at all? Just yes or no? Okay, yet. that's fine. That, that's fine. Um, you've played Skyrim. You guys, uh, CD Projekt Red makes these giant open world games. These vast, like, it takes hundreds of hours to complete everything. And unlike a GTA or a Skyrim, all of these side quests are actually fun and important. They're not just kill five wolves, here's, a, here's something, right? Every story is important. What's different about Cyberpunk is instead of it being a huge, wide-open field, it is a city that is dense and built up. So you are going to be going into apartment buildings all the way up. You're going to be exploring an actual city. You guys watch the story trailer, but they, they also released an hour-long press conference going into the entire game. This looks like one of the most impressive role-playing games ever made. 
CD Projekt Red, just like Naughty Dog or, or Rockstar, they make one game every five years for a reason. And they always come out perfect and beautiful. Um, the customization options in this game are truly more than any other game. It is so LGBTQ friendly. You can be a female character. You can be a trans character. You can have a male voice, female voice. You can change the size of your boobs. You can change the size of your dick. It is so customizable and it is so weird. Um, you can even be the, a non-binary character too. Yes, you could, you could be whatever you want. Um, and it's all <laughs> cyberpunk's all about, uh, yeah, like, uh, uh, tech and like, uh, like augmentations, like deus ex, that kind of stuff. Um, but it just looks so well realized and so dense, full of content. Like if you guys watch that trailer, that's all real gameplay. That's all, that's the game. And it might be the best looking modern console game, like not next gen, but that might be the best looking game coming like ever made. Like, and in terms of what the game does, I'm so excited. I got that PC because it is not going to run well on the consoles. There's just, just no way. There's no way. Um, so it might it, run better on the next gen. And it, it, it is being confirmed. It is going to get a patch update, just like a lot of games are for the next generation systems. Um, because the game was delayed two months till November, video game consoles are coming around on the, around November. Um, I I am truly so excited for this game. Um, journalists were allowed four hours to play this game. That's a long time for a video game to play, right? Just because this game's hundreds of hours long. And every single journalist, you can start in different places. You have different backgrounds, the way you create your character. You can start as like a slumlord or a big businessman or a guy in the middle. And your story will all interact throughout every other story. It just, it's, it's just so impressive that games like this get to still come out. These single player, 200-hour uh, epics that that uh people think like shouldn't come out anymore and just like just play call of duty multiplayer like no man i like stories and i'm glad that these this company is allowed uh to make them and they thrive because uh, the witcher is one of the highest selling games of all time uh god i'm just so stoked you guys I'm so stoked cyberpunk i mean i thought about getting cyberpunk but after seeing this trailer and just hearing just watching it i'm like no i need to get cyberpunk i need this game it is it's just like Again, when you just watch, like, when you watch, like, 20 minutes of it, just how dense, like, when you guys are playing Spider-Man, you see, like, people walking on the street. Like, it's a little empty for New York City, right? When you're walking on the street, there are people everywhere. And you can interact with so many people. And you can interact with all the cars. And it's, like, I, it's, I'm just so, I'm so excited, guys. And it's, it's, it's been five years in the making. Um, and it's coming out soon. So mm-hmm. excited. It is. Uh, this episode's going to run very long. As we are now reaching into our topic, uh, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, The Death of Superman, and Reign of the Superman. The next uh, three films in the DCAMU. The penultimate chapter through our journey. Uh, So, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay. What do we think about this one? Ben, why don't you go first? I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. Uh, I really like Christian Slater as Deadshot. I thought he was really, really cool. I thought I really liked it. And also... I liked how they incorporated Dr. Fate into this. They also made the, the current Dr. Fate a total sleaze bag. Yeah. And I also really liked how Amanda, how they're, I really liked this movie. I had a really fun time with it. I thought I was going to be like, oh, Suicide Squad again. And then it's like, no, this is actually, this is actually really good. I really like it. Although I'm surprised that Bla- uh, Black Manta survived. <laughs> like he survived getting eaten by a We'll talk about it. Oh, okay. Sparks? Uh, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I thought it was uh, really pretty well done on a whole. I thought the story was interesting. I thought the character dynamics worked pretty well. And uh, for the most part, the voice cast worked. Right? Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is probably 
uh, except for the current Tom Taylor Suicide Squad book, this is probably the best thing involving the Suicide Squad that I've seen. Uh, definitely better than that movie, obviously. Um, I had I had a lot of fun with this. Like the 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 PG thirteen tone that these movies have taken, like this goes harder that because it is a Suicide Squad, and I think the violence is it's not um, overdone or gory just to be gory. Like I think I think the violence works. I think all the character dynamics are really fun. Um, this is this is so much the type of Suicide Squad that I wanted to see compared to that movie. Like, what's more fun than a bunch of villains in an RV fighting a bunch of villains in a school bus? Like, that is so stupid and wacky. Um, I had a I had a great I had a pretty good time. I was surprised uh, how much this block of movies I also enjoyed. I really like this one. It's my favorite of the three of this of this patch of three. Really? Um, yeah. Um, I had a really good time with this one. Uh, I really like Christian Slater as as Destro Death Deadshot. Don't take away my DC card. I promise, I'm good. No, you're fine. Um, I slept all the time. It's good. And yeah, this is the type of Suicide Squad film I want to see. A Suicide Squad with a high body count. Mm-hmm. And and high body count, but low scale still. Yeah, because yeah. like like uh, obviously like James Gunn is directing the next Suicide Squad movie. Like this is the type of tone the type of like level that i want like not big world ending stuff like villains like on the run or villains on a road trip like really really wacky fun stuff like that's what i imagine that type of movie to be yeah like again like an opening scene where the squad gets decimated and stuff like that so i i I didn't have a lot of notes in the beginning but one of my notes is when i so scandal savage is in this movie um this the daughter of, of vandal savage and she is dating a girl from Apocalypse. And I was trying to think, is this our first mention of Apocalypse? Like starting to like seep back into the into the universe? Have we met, have we had Apocalypse before or is this the first time? I think it's I think it's the first time. I think it's the first time. Yeah. Cause I, I thought that was pretty I thought that was pretty interesting. And all three of these films have ties to Apocalypse that are pretty blatant. Yeah. But um sure are. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I, I, I thought this movie was pretty good. I will say I like this movie a lot because this is partially based on one of the book clubs that I picked years ago, this, the Secret Six Gail Simone book that I don't think everyone read because that's all about the get-out-of-hell-free card uh, and, and people trying to take that from the Suicide Squad. Uh, so the fact that Gail Simone is involved in a you know, movie in some way makes me happy because I love that book and I love Vandal Savage. Um, and um, what's, what's her girlfriend's name? What was it like? Knockout? I think it's Knockout. I don't remember. The, I don't remember the name. I I falsely thought it was Big Barda. No, uh, yeah, it was not. She, her. she was a ex Fury, and now she's just she's. Yeah, she's I'm pretty sure it's knockout. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I thought Copperhead, a character I've never cared about. I thought they were really cool. Uh, oh, the way he, has, he just loves movie. to scare children is just a really funny, just a funny. People. A he people. just loves to scare people. Yeah, he just loves to scare people. Um, I thought that was great. Um, uh, Boomerang is a sleaze bag. He's great. Uh. I'm going to disagree with you guys. I think Christian Slade is pretty terrible. I'm also in the same boat. Interesting. Uh, I think Christian Slater is cast in this because Christian Slater, just as Christian Slater, has an interesting sounding voice. But uh, I don't think he's, because I I can't think of any other time he's done voice acting, I don't think he knows how to actually bring any uh, emotional range to anything. When he's just doing things on a level note, it's fine. But when he has to actually put some emphasis behind it, I don't, it falls flat to me. It feels to me like... um, the type of acting where yelling is your emotion. Um, I don't feel the emotion. I just hear the emotion. Like I just hear you yelling, but I don't believe it. 
Uh, and that's where I think a lot of emotions fell for me. Again, when he's just regular talking, it's sleazy Christian Slater. That's that's the thing he's done for literally 30 years. Um, so he's good at that. But when the action gets intense and he has to like give orders or he has to yell at people, I uh, I think he faltered. I don't think he I don't think he, he's a good actor. I don't think he's a good voice actor. Yeah, I, I, I'm not willing to die on this hill, so I won't. I won't. Um, but I do think that Christian Slater would make a good live action uh, Deadshot. I mean, better than, better than. Uh, I am also unwilling to die on the hill fighting you about this. Uh, I will say I don't think so. We had a long discussion about Christian Slater and how he hasn't played anything in recent years that was good. That wasn't just him being Christian Slater. Essentially, um, there's a reason he can't break that B-list barrier. Huh. Yeah. Um, is this is the first time we get a blatant reference to Flashpoint? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh my God, I had dude. I have it as a note. Hold on, let me find my. I note love exactly. that reveal. I said, "Oh, Flashpoint matters now." Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I love Thomas C. Howe as mm. Aobarthon. I did not know he was in this. The fact that he, dude, I love this so much. I love that he is he is in the moments of his death, going so fast, going in a back or forward in time to fix this. And I'm like, that is such an awesome villain plot. Um, I didn't know he was involved in this at all. So like hearing that voice, the way he talks, Barry, like he is so menacing. I love him so much. Um, The second I saw reverse flash, I'm like, hold up. Yeah. How are you here? It's so good. What's so interesting is he's not trying to stop his death. He's just trying to get to heaven. That's right. Sorry. Trying to get to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. I'm dead no matter what. I can't stop the bullet going through my brain. Yeah, I like didn't, when I didn't he shows the, the bullet hole that Batman gave him, that a Thomas Wayne Batman gave him, I'm like, oh. I didn't I didn't think anything about Reverse Flash being there when he showed up because I just assumed he was the new version of Reverse Flash. Yeah. After well, Flash. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a, like it's him a dying universe. in the alternate universe didn't mean that because uh, he, everyone knows that Zoom exists because Deadshot knows who he is. So he, yeah. but he turns out to not be the Reverse Flash of this world, but from the Lost Dimension. Yeah, I see what you have. Which is be. wild. I can see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's confusing. Yeah. Um, uh, so Black Matt Manta didn't die. Ryan tried to point out like maybe this was before because it's a, a past mission, and I'm like, nah, man, like. I don't even know why they had him. He's only there for a shot. Because yeah. if you remember, comic book Black Manta, supervillain, throne of Atlantis Manta was part of like the Royal Guard of Atlantis. And here's the thing. They literally teased Orm being used for the Suicide Squad. So it could have remember just that been Orm. Post credit scene that, that we didn't use. They doubled down on extra not using it. It's so crazy. Anyway, I don't understand why they did that. That was a weird choice, but whatever. I didn't know who Punch and Jewelry were. I thought those were uh, awesome, uh, cool, cool powers. And really, yeah, their power stuff. Um, really the way that the people's heads explode is awesome, awful, and awesome. They're like they're literally like morphing because their skulls cracking. Like the first, the first like bit of violence is just like two dudes down on the train and they get like literally riddled with bullets. And I'm like, oh, we're going like hyper violent now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Tobias Whale is in this, yeah, and yeah. I appreciate it as a fan of Black Lightning. I'm like, bam, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Really like. He's it. got a stripper train. Yeah, he's got. Uh, he, he's, a, he's an ugly dude. Yeah. Towards the, towards the end of the film, uh, Killer Frost has betrayed the team and kills a bunch of people with with ice. I yeah. think all of her ice deaths are awesome. Mm-hmm. Is when she's when she's got the ice through their body and it like oh, yeah. bursts out of their mouth. I think that's awesome. There's so I'm, much. Uh, even just in the opening, there's so much betrayal and there's so much head bombs. I'm like, dang. Yeah, it starts heavy. 
I'm uh, actually really bummed that Copperhead died. He went out. I again. That, I love I, it. I, I like that character a lot, and I love the way that they're just willing to kill their people just like that. Like, yeah. oh, we need to kill Killer Frost. Well, guess what, Copperhead? You're the closest to her. He's uh-huh. that's how it's gonna be, baby. Uh, that's fantastic. And she's just and shouting, she's- Waller, I'll see you in hell. And I like, you know, again, uh, uh, Amanda Waller used to be a, a plus-size lady, and now she's skinny. Uh, there is a, a joke where, like, she, like, since she's lost weight, she's been a lot meaner or something. And I thought that's a nice way to reference uh, the transition of characters. Sure. And I'm like, because yeah. Amanda Waller has always, no matter what, what size, she's just a monster. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that she's dying, and she's yeah. just she's using the government and their assets to get her get-out-of-hell-free card. Like, that is so bad. I love it. I will bring up now an animation problem i've had for a while but it's never been so pointed and egregious for me to bring it up till this point um there is a blood splatter filter that they use in these animations a lot and it's different from them actually animating blood it's that they're using some kind of filter that is two-dimensional on top of things so what happens is and the key one where it really stood out to me yes this is because i've been wondering am I misreading this or is this bad? Like the blood splatter problems are bad, right? When it's just like a splatter somewhere. And no, it's, it's, it's actually accurate. And I think Harley Quinn also has the same problem. The Harley Quinn show has this Mm. blood splatter problem. And what it is, is that when the blood splatter hits a character, if they move with the splatter on them, the splatter stays flat. Oh yeah. yeah. So there's a part where Deadshot it very early on uh, when the, what's his name the jester hat Punch? one yeah when he gets killed blood splatters on deadshot he turns his head but the but the the blood splatter remains flat on his face oh it doesn't like it doesn't that. move in a three-dimensional space with his head because it's not actually animated onto him mm-hmm. oh it's just like another filter on top and yeah. this is the thing i uh, i've noticed a lot whenever they do blood splatter it's these filters and it looks really cheap and bad it's probably because mm-hmm. it's cheap <laughs> it, it definitely is yeah. cheap and uh, I, it just this is the first time where it got so aggressive that it was occurring that it bothered me because I, i've done a lot of video editing i know what blood splatter filters look like yeah. and it's very obvious when you're using them i um, i you the, the league of assassins make another appearance in name uh in apparently name. and with some multiple, metal Gear solid dude in uh, multiple hey it's that's dead that's deathstroke Oh, is that who that's supposed to be? Yeah, yeah that's Deathstroke. Right. Looking like Solid Snake. Yeah. Cool. Why are so many villains? Why are so many villains connected to the League of Assassins in this franchise? Because it's a name people recognize. I don't know. It's weird. So yeah. wait, Deadshot's like I did work with the League of Assassins and met was Deathstroke. He already, was he already missing his eye when he appeared in that? No, he had two eyes. No, he had two eyes when he first shows up. I really like the Doctor Fate stripper guy. That dude yeah. is so. That guy is so sleazy, and it's never. Uh, that's not a, I'm pretty sure that's not a Dr. Fate character. Cause I tried to look it up and I don't remember, I didn't see anything about a stripper Dr. Fate. Uh, but the idea that like, yo man, I got chosen. And then I was like, I was bad at it. <laughs> I, now I'm a stripper. <laughs> and the fact that he lost the get out of hell free card, which made him lose his Dr. Fate powers was just like, yeah, you, you deserve it, dude. I felt every time a character shows up, it didn't feel too out of place. And each character had a good moment to just kind of like, this is me this is my part in the story and they felt fully fleshed out and I didn't need any more of them. Yeah. yeah even I, when, like when Vandal, Vandal Savage shows up like a, like three quarters away through the movie and he's the main mm-hmm. villain. I would disagree on only one count and it's a surprising one and it's Harley Quinn. But I also will say that I don't think that mattered. I think that it was sure. better that Harley Quinn wasn't played up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like they do, they, they do the absolute least with her as a character. I will say mm-hmm. it, she Tara Strong voices her originally, correct? No, not no, originally, but she, but she, 
She okay. was the replacement in Arkham. Okay, sorry, Arkham. Okay, Arkham. So I will say it is interesting to hear... Well, I guess she's kind of mature in those Arkham games. Uh, but I'm so used to seeing, like, the animated Harley Quinn, so seeing her kind of grown up and, like, be a little bit more mature, even though it's not the same voice actress. I assumed it was, so never mind on that point. No worries. Um, who's the original voice actress? I forgot her name. I um, don't remember. But no, Tara Strong uh, replaced the original voice actress in the Arkham games, so she was Arkham Knight and Arkham City, I believe. What's um, it? Batman animated adventures? It was just Batman the animated series. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have too many notes on this one because I actually really like this, but I, I did want to say that Thawne's death when he finally dies is awesome. Yeah. When he kind of like vibrates back to the moment and, and we see the rest of the bullet yeah. and I was like, that's so cool. Yeah. It just vibrates out of time. Bronze Tiger, awesome. Bronze Tiger. I love Bronze Tiger. He was the Diablo of this Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. I love Really when Thawne is just like, I have enough, I have enough speed force energy left in me to cut you a thousand times. And he just goes back and forth and just cutting him. Such a good fight. And it's just how dope Bronze Tiger is, man. A lot yeah. of the fights in this are really good. Yeah. A lot of the action is really, really, really well thought out, well done. Good use of abilities. Um I wish I remembered what I meant by this note. But I wrote what Banshee down- is in it. I wrote down Fate and Banshee, and I don't know what I meant. Oh, my God. Banshee is... Guys, ba- I have a type, and it's Banshee. Oh, my God. <laughs> dude, I, or Banshee? I, dude, I don't think I've read a lot of her, mm. but uh, if that's what she looks like in the comics, I'm going to find this girl out because cool school face, uh, cool punk rock mo- mohawk, right? Mohawk? Just yep, mohawk. Coolest lady. She's got uh, sonic screen powers. She's very uh, sombra. Yeah, sombra. Yeah, I, uh, I like that character a lot. She seems super punk rock. I am more interested in that character. Oh man, I uh, like the dynamics of the characters getting, like, interacting with each other in all different team setups. This is what she normally looks like. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I definitely like the, the punk rock one a lot. Um, Waller's Waller's real messed up. Yes. Uh, it's yeah, a little is. it's a little interesting to have all these characters who I'm like, y- you believe in hell? All right. I mean, sure. Go ahead. But it, I mean, I. <laughs> It's a type of thing where I it's it's like a trope where like the closer you get to death, the more accepting of there might be something after, so you just be ready for it. Sure. That's a trope that's been around for literally all the time. So no, like, I, I, I I don't that's not that's not a problem to me at no, all. No, I was honestly it was something that was kind of bugging me that nobody was like everybody was just rolling with Yeah, hell. You know, this yeah. is the thing that keeps you from burning in hell forever. You get to just go to heaven automatically. Yeah. Hooray. And uh I mean, it wasn't you until, rather have it, it wasn't that? until Killer Frost said no, I don't believe in it. I just know a bunch of people who will pay for this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right. I mean, at least they address that somebody doesn't think this is legit. Yeah, you can tell <laughs> for a hot hot cake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, there's just a lot of characters there that are, where I'm like, I don't feel like you've been convinced of that level of stuff existing. Yeah. 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 This, is, this uh, one is written by Alan Burnett. Yep. I thought uh, it was really good. The section where Vandal Savage lets them kill knockout sorry riddle her with bullets and then scandal saying we can save her and he puts another bullet in her point blank yeah uh sad. damn that's savage that savage. was yeah. what savage that uh, was so good i like vandal savage is so cool and i really like when they upplay his skeeviness because he's like i've sired hundreds of thousands of children you're nothing to me i'm like that is so awful to think like she's like oh, wow man. really i'm one of just thousands and thousands throughout the decade about the, the years oh my god no you're cool you're cool you're cool scandal 
I love you. Another another part of what like didn't help Christian Slater for me in this uh, thing is I find Deadshot the least interesting character to follow. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, far more interested in everybody else and what they're doing, and he just feels like the straight man. He doesn't have any there. motivation, like because like they could have done the daughter. His motivation thing. is to get free. Yeah, uh, like I, I'm pretty sure in the art, the assault on Arkham one, like his daughter is played up like in the movie is. Um, so that gives him motivation to want to get out to see his daughter. But this, it's just like oh, I just want to get out of prison. I'm like, well, that's not as that's, I don't well, care. He's supposed to see his, see his daughter because there's an entire sequence where he goes try to find her. No, I know, like that's there. It just doesn't feel like a present part of his personality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like brought up enough. No, like, well, I mean, like, it's not, it's, it's not a part of his identity. He's just, he's just a dude who easily can do the mission. And that's all he cares about, except for the moments when he has to care about his mm-hmm. daughter, because that's what the script is saying. It doesn't feel like something where it's, it's a natural part of who he is, yeah. nor do I feel like a deep connection to the character beyond me knowing more about Deadshot as a person who's checked out comics and movies. Yeah. 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 Thank you, I too. think. Uh, the last thing for me, I'll say before I go use the bathroom, I really like the like the recruitment scene where like it's in the prison and it's just like they're all walking down the hallway and then they go to yeah, the cell. Yeah. And they, they have a the, silly interaction. Then they're walking with. And them. they do the they do the like recap intros of yeah. Killer Frost, Bronze Tiger, and uh, Copperhead, and I yeah. thought all those were pretty good. I yeah mm-hmm. the, the the idea that Copperhead is like a um is like a body modification type of guy, like that was an interesting instead of just being like a dude who like. He's oh I'm a copper I'm a copperhead oh, like no I turned myself into a snake I have robot parts in my mouth like that's 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 a that's a, a let's, uh, let's shoot venom yeah like it's like zzz, like it's cool was he your favorite yeah. Brandon nope nope was he even although close? I although I did like him more than I thought I would mm-hmm. that's nice I, I, found, I found them as a as a character to be fairly compelling and sometimes funny I think the humor in this movie works yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of the humor in this movie works, especially around all the Doctor Fate junk. Um, the part where they get into the uh, like road trip chase after stopping at the diner when they take mm-hmm. Killer Frost, that whole bit. Um, something about the music and the animation, which makes sense because it's the same animation uh, studio for the for the most part, um, felt suddenly like a very mature Scooby Doo chase sure. uh, on the road from like the more recent original films. And I'm like, wait, uh, this feels weird. Um, mm-hmm. That, that was just a little jarring, but it's not like a, a knock against it. And I really like the use of the card for bronze tiger in the end. Yeah. Me too. And then mm-hmm. Waller gets it. And it's like, <laughs> you're going to burn. Shall we, shall we move into death of Superman? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. All right. Death, death of Superman. Um, I'll just say my first note says, Finally, a Superman movie. Mine too. Mine too. Finally. My God. I was so a happy super- when we got to this block. So A happy. Superman movie that almost feels like it has nothing to do with the Superman I've seen in the other movies. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. Um, but my second note, I love Bibbo. I've always loved Bibbo. I was happy to see Bibbo in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, this movie is written by Peter J. Tomasi, and I think that's cool. This is yeah, this is my this is my favorite of the three. Mine too. Okay. Cool. Um, I thought that the the whole opening is really great. Um, I really like the interactions between Barry and Cyborg and Soups. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Just uh, the and the tease of the Greater Apocalypse programs right from the right from the get go with the armor that Cyborg's talking about. Um, I thought that was an interesting way to take it, tying Darkseid so close. It just sucks that you had a bunch of movies that really sold me on a Superman-Wonder Woman relationship for these movies, and then you just 
you just threw it all away. You that just popped that all out of here. That really actually, that I think that was one of my biggest gripes of this movie is that, I mean, I get like Sparks, you said, uh, you said it before and I completely agree with you. You don't take Clark and Lois away. You don't take Peter and Mary Jane away. But for these past movies and for the comics I've read, because I think I have my entire room of Superman and Wonder Woman, that relationship worked and I wanted to see it blossom. I wanted to see an actual them say, hey, maybe we shouldn't be together. But then just to pop right into Death of Superman and they're no longer together and they're like, oh yeah, we've had it. I was like, no, what? I have three no. notes. I have, I have three notes that are just like, wait, are Superman and Wonder Woman not dating anymore? Yeah. Brian and I literally like were like, is he cheating? Clark didn't cheat. Clark that Wonder Woman, that Wonder Woman scene for me shows up way way too late because I'm just like yeah. in my mind I'm thinking, oh my god, is he cheating on them? Is he having like an affair on both of them? Is, is this Clark going to be like a new Fifty Two asshole? And then like an hour in, we finally get the scene. Oh, we broke up. I'm like, but here's the thing. Here's the thing because I talked about it with Ryan. I'm like, yo, uh, this movie's got some mixed messaging because. He definitely flirts with Lois as Clark, but flirts with Diana as Superman. Oh, yeah, they He's not just, like, talking with... He's flirting with Diana. And I'm like, this is messy and weird, and I don't like it. Um, real, quickly, re- real quickly, Sparks, did you read this comic before you watched the movie? Like, you have no, been? No, not that, look, I've read The Death of Superman, but that was years ago, and I yeah. did not have the time this week. I started it. He, he, very impressive. Sorry. Very no, I, I think I've, this is the super, one Superman book I've read. Actually, read read most in my entire life. I this is one of my favorite books. I love this book. As opposed to just read. No, I. Why is it? Why is it you read read? Because he like likes it. Jesus, right, sorry. Just like Superman likes likes Lois and only likes Wonder Woman. True. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I <laughs> I didn't I didn't honestly I wanted to reread these comics. Um, and I just there's no time. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, don't, you don't need funeral for a friend, and from this and Rain of Superman, funeral for a friend, you don't that doesn't need to exist. But like Rain and Return of Superman, that's a th- chunky boy. So. That's a chunky boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, there was no time. Um, I I remember things, but it's it, yeah, it is what it is. Um, um, going back to going back to this movie, um, Cyborg and Flash show up in the beginning, and I really like the joke where Flash is just like clean up crew. Yeah, clean up crew. I wonder if the Titans are hiring. Is there yeah, an age yeah. limit? I yeah. thought that was hilarious too. I I really liked it. I really liked all the Justice League members' inclusion. I liked this feeling like Doomsday was something they all tried to deal with, much like in the comic, mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. the previous mm-hmm. animated film, which lacked that kind of tension. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. To to be honest with you, going into it because I was prepared for Clark and Diana to be a couple, I I was really interested in the dynamic of her losing him, yeah. and that being yeah. the relationship, and I really this movie's my favorite of the three i actually really enjoy it i just when again i think this movie's very good when i try to bridge it into that continuity of the things that came before it pisses me off yeah Um, Mm -hmm. because uh i thought the superman diana stuff was some of the strongest stuff in the previous films especially as connective tissue and to just in this movie here's the thing in this movie, to throw it all away and also make this movie have to convince me of Clark and Lois at the same time yeah. and also have to have me not only be convinced of that, but watch Lois lose Clark right when she learns who he is and expresses loving him yeah. is a lot. And the movie somehow pulls that off, but it's not as clean as I wish it was. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I really like the Justice League's inclusion. Also, um, bouncing off what you just said, um, when it comes to the Justice League, I really like the banter together. But this kind of goes to my whole thing about like looking at this as this self-contained franchise between Justice League Flashpoint Paradox and Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. You throw in a Flash, you throw in a Green Lantern movie, I would go a long way to developing some of these characters outside of what we just see them as. Uh, like Barry's like, I'm getting married to Iris. Like, oh, I kind of want to see that relationship develop. We don't see Iris since Flashpoint Paradox. Sure. Yeah, and Green Lantern, same thing. Have, like, we basically haven't really seen Iris. Yeah, that's how it feels. Yeah. One. So I would. I... I would like to see. I would. I would have. I mean, I can't. They're not going to add more. But I would have liked to have seen more um, solo films. Maybe a Superman movie before this. Yeah. I mean, I know we talked about how the inclusion of the Justice League in this movie is good because I mean, even just looking through the book, because the Justice League or members of said of the Justice League from the 90s do fight Darkseid and it, or not Darkseid Doomsday and get their asses whipped. So seeing that like cuz you have Bloodwine, I want to say Maxima, the Guardians there, all of them in the comic book get their asses kicked, but in this one you have Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Batman, everyone just get wrecked in the Nine Ways to Sunday. Batman's like, Batman's a desperation when you should like fall damn you is yeah. awesome. Yeah, it is. I and love so, that moment. So the way that they were able to take what is obviously from the book from characters that I haven't seen since said book, but mold it into a way that fits with said connective tissue. I thought it was really well done. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought, I thought as soon as the boom tube opens and dark side and dark side doomsday flies out, I was just like, Oh, we're getting to something. Yeah. And I actually thought it works as a, as a new origin for doomsday that he was, he was pushed to earth by dark side. I I like that origin a lot more. I liked it a lot more than the one we eventually got because when the book first came out, he was just a monster locked in the darkest depths of Cadmus who broke out. Having Darkseid send Doomsday specifically to kill Superman, I thought was great. It is, it is a, it is a cool idea. I do, I do like Doomsday's original origin. I think that's a pretty baller way of being born. It's just you're, a, you keep getting killed until you're tough enough not yeah. to die. That's awesome. You can still incorporate that with Darkseid. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Like that's my preferred origin is yeah. that he's still that thing and Darkseid did it. Yeah. And then oh. he made Doomsday and he went, you can oh. have both. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's Doomsday's kind of, Kryptonian in origin. He was I think it's kind of that uh, Lois Lane names him Doomsday and Darkseid also later is like, ah, oh, my Doomsday. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Lois Lane, she knows what she's talking about. But that's for a later film. Um, Hank Henshaw, Hank Henshaw's death when he's just like Superman will save us, right? Superman will save us. There. We're not there. Hold on, <laughs> uh, we'll get there. Um, the other thing is that, like, again, kind of tied into that problem of the Clark and Lois relationship. This doesn't feel like in writing and, and stuff. This doesn't feel like the Superman I've watched in the previous films. He mm-hmm. talks differently. He talks more like classic Superman. Let's be honest. And previously they yeah, didn't he write. Does. To Superman. Tomas, Tomas wrote this one, right? Yeah, Tomas yes. wrote this. Yeah, he it's because I know. guy knows how to write Superman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like how Superman should sound. Yeah. Um, I know. And that shouldn't be it it shouldn't be a knock, but it's like the consistency with again, like yeah. when we're trying to look at this as a connective universe. Ooh. Um yeah. Yeah. Rebecca well, Remain takes over the role of Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh the last time we saw Lois Lane, she was voiced by Drusilla from uh Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Fun fact. Was that when when, when was that? I want to like say just like Throne of Atlantis, I think it was Throne of Atlantis. Okay. That was the last time we saw Shazam, too. Yeah, yes, where's, our boy, where's our boy at? God, I wish Shazam was doing? still in this. Not only that, one thing that kind of does bug me a tiny little bit is that Hawkman shows up, 
and Not he doesn't one. say a word. Actually, hey he, man, he got four grunts. Hey, actually, he says four grunts. Huh, uh, 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 Martian Manhunter's new design, no joke. I am in love with it. His tall, lanky, actual alien look, I love it. And he makes a joke about, is it a play? Talking, we talked about with the Flash. I'm like, that's a, for the rehearsal dinner. For the yeah. rehearsal dinner. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that is such a dope design for a, for a Martian. Um, I'm mm-hmm. glad he's not just hey, just, I'm I'm a green human. Like okay. he looks like an alien. That whole humor in the in the Justice League meeting is so good. Mm-hmm. Just the please tell me you're in the PTA. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> you feel their actual team dynamic in this one. Yes, I, I agree. Um, yeah. And I think the 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 worry I had with this one. Much like uh, kind of my problem with the first the first Doomsday movie, it's just a big punch fest. Like that's at the end of the day, it's just two real strong people punching each other a lot. And how do you make that really interesting? One, you have the Justice League fight them one on one and get their asses kicked, and you you show just how powerful Doomsday actually is. Uh, the Wonder Woman fight with Doomsday is awesome. She oh, kicks yeah, it. She, she, she goes so hard, and she's just not she, strong like, breaks enough. a car into three pieces. Yeah, on and him. she like <laughs> slam. Dude, it's like it, the, the animation in these movies keep getting better, and the action keeps getting better. And I was really worried that the final Superman fight would just be lots of punches but it's it is more than that they actually make it i I, they make it i fear for superman i fear for clark i fear for lois when she throws a rock at him because like she loves Mm -hmm. clark so much like i i they're they're able to uh improve on everything that i was scared about from the previous thing or from the comic um because he's just a big hulking monster like how do you make that interesting this is how you do it i think they do it really well uh, there's a whole sequence where they where doomsday and superman go up into the night sky Mm. and that animation is so crisp there's a shot straight up it looks like from broly where where it's like the punching like behind behind superman i'm like dude this is so good also one of the things i like because i mean one of the things I thought I was, I was like, oh, Superman can be doing this, just throw him to the sun. He's about to punch him in the space, but then Doomsday catches him and throws him back down. Yeah, I'm like, I, yes, I, that's how you, that's how do, how much of a threat is. One thing, uh, as, as much as I really like this movie, and I actually really enjoy this movie, this is, I think this is my favorite I've seen so far out of all the um, Dacombo films. This is my personal favorite. I don't know if it's because I'm nostalgic because this is one of my favorite books of all time. But I really enjoy this one. But one thing that did kind of bother me a tiny, tiny little bit was the I was hoped because one of the things I actually do like about in the comic is that Superman dies because he's beaten to death, not because he's stabbed. BVS. <laughs> I didn't mean to look at you, Brandon. But this one, when you saw Doomsday's claws go out of his out of his fist, I'm like, please tell me they don't kill him by stabbing him because I was hoping for this scene right here. Yeah. The final punch. I mean, we do get the punch with, where Doomsday's neck just twists around. We get something of that, but I wanted the the dual punch of them finishing each other's off, not Doomsday stabbing Superman. They do. They do do one of those cool punch to the faces, but that's not the finishing blow. Exactly. Um, that's what I was hoping for. I, I mean, I, it's in the title. This is where Superman yeah. dies. I, and I'm like, that. I got that, but I, I wanted just I a little wonder- bit closer to the comic. I wonder if, honestly, if BVS wouldn't have come out, I would feel this way. Because, like, he gets killed kind of the same way. He gets stabbed, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And I hate that. Getting I really killed, hate that. getting stabbed, getting punched, you're still dying. Like, it it's, it doesn't super bother me, to be honest. The, 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 the weapon that is used to kill Superman is pretty low on my problems with BVS. But yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't necessarily mind it in this film. Yeah. Um, I will say that one of my favorite moments is... Um, Clark getting knocked to the bridge and trying to save the woman in the car. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, I tried to hold Doomsday off while he's doing it. And I'm yeah. like, this is exactly what I said Man of Steel needed yeah. in the fight with Zod. It's exactly this. It's Clark being pushed to the brink mm-hmm. in the fight, not just because uh, he's outmatched, but because he's also trying to save people. Yeah. And saving, yeah. not only saving the kid, but also making sure he still has his Game Boy. Right. Which yeah. was uh, the other moment. That was yeah. a different moment. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Going back to that that moment with Lois, where like Clark is is down for the count, and Lois throws a rock, and she rep- and she says back to him, "I love you," uh, which is what gets him to come up. I'm like, man, that's that's a good moment. That's yeah, a really, really good. If I saw if that if I saw that on the big screen, that would make me cry, man. Like that that's yeah. that's it really fell on me. If we got that in actual Batman's, and if we got that in a DC live action film with Amy Adams telling that to Henry Cowell, I probably would have cried. Yeah, well, I hope but, someone can get that because BBS exists. Yeah, uh, everything so would Lex, Lex Luthor comes back. This is his third appearance. I love this Rain Wilson. Not, Lex Luthor. This time, not voiced by Steve Bloom. It is Rain Wilson. I love Rain Wilson. I love him. It is great. It's fantastic. I thought he was a phenomenal in this movie. I will. I will say it did take me a bit to to adjust to it because I, every single thing I've seen Rain Wilson in. Is nothing like Lex Luthor, so it just it took a little bit, but eventually the the sliminess of, of that of that Lex Luthor was starting to seep through, and I actually think uh, in the second movie I like him a lot more. Like he's fully yeah, I like him him better. In, I like him. I like him better in Man of Superman too. I think one of my favorite line reads he did that I love so much is because he put just the right amount of like. Uh, if you know, you know, fuck you yeah. uh, behind it is when he's at the funeral for Superman and he says you would think uh, like that we we didn't we, contrary to popular belief, we actually got along sometimes. I will miss uh, our visits where he would come and impart wisdom Oh yeah. And it's On like, my oh man oh you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we talked about we talked a bit about the, the fight the fight between Doomsday and, and Superman um, there's a great reference to Superman the movie when when Lois says, I've got you, and Clark oh, says, Who's got you? Yeah. I did I did catch that. I thought that was really cute. They also uh have the Oh no, that's in the next movie, not this movie. Never mind. But there's another uh, reference somewhere for, to an older Superman property. I know I saw it and I caught it, but I can't remember what it is at this point in time. Do they well, do the I car mean, thing? Because they do I, that a lot. Yeah, no, they, yeah, at the end of Reign of Superman, they do the fly out to the planet stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed how much they put into the Justice League trying to do the this fight with him. Mm-hmm, Hal mm-hmm. Jordan being so confident that they he's like, oh yeah, we can do this, no problem. I just wreck, wreck, wreck. Just straight, it just brings me back to Justice League War. He's like, yeah, I can take out Darkseid. Immediately gets the shit kicked out of him. I'm like, wow, you just don't. He just never learned, do you, Hal? Oh my well, god. What's interesting about Hal's about Hal about Hal doing that is he's so pissed off about having to Hawkman. He's just like. I, I'm I'm a space cop. We take care of monsters for breakfast, and he's just yeah. like ready to fight. Um, I I want to point out real quickly before I, I bounce back to Sparks, watching the team work together to fight Doomsday. Also, like when Cyborg is beaten and he still finds a way to save Batman, I think mm-hmm. that's a good moment too. Yeah, I agree. Um, when Doomsday first pops out and he just grabs and crushes those Atlantean heads and the blood spills yeah. underwater, I'm like, oh dang, this is <laughs> this is for real. <laughs> this is yeah, Aquaman is in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it cool. Okay. Back <laughs> um, to the movie Aquaman. He, you might again. You might as well just skip Throne of Atlantis. It did nothing to develop him. Yeah, He's right. just as like relevant here as Martian Manhunter. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I also love Martian Manhunter. Uh, his design. 
Um, I like really like in the Justice League meeting uh, Barry and Clark talking about relationships and mm-hmm. that being a motivating factor for Clark to like do trust and, and Barry being like, dude, that's like that's like <laughs> what marriage is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, you told Iris is like, I told her ages ago, dude. Like she knew. Yeah. She I really introduced to, we're introduced to all four of the new Supermen in this movie. Uh, and I think pretty pretty unique ways. Uh, the Eradicator is introduced as the hologram, like his nanny. Uh, mm-hmm. John Henry Irons is referenced back from the throne of Atlantis when he's like, I was a construction worker. Don't worry John about Henry that. Is my favorite because he is a construction worker who volunteers as a doctor. What a life he lives. Um, and we see Hank Henshaw, obviously. He dies in spaceship. I think he's that's pretty from, cool. Yeah, he's flying from space. Uh, you see Superboy in the New 52 red suit for a hot second, but luckily in the actual movie, he's in like a more classic uh 1990s metropolis kid baby metropolis kid yeah love him um i really like the martha and clark moment where she says we didn't raise you to be alone oh yeah yeah that was a really sweet moment um weirded me out a little bit that martha and and uh jonathan just kind of live in metropolis i guess i think i think they were just visiting that was clark's apartment yes i thought that too i thought that too but there's actually pictures of them in the, you're you're saying they're at Clark's apartment. Yeah, yeah. But well, I think yeah. Aren't they just visiting Clark? Yeah, yeah. They're visiting, Clark. They're visiting Clark. All right. That's why he tells Lois. He's like Lois. My parents are in town. That's why he cancels their de- that one date, and then he brings in brings them in for that. Uh, I'll, bring take I'll, take the parents. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's fine. I also random side note. I also uh, they didn't they didn't get a seat. Uh, huh? Yeah, Cat Grant. Yeah, I like Cat Grant. I think they're the weirdest designs of Jonathan and Martha I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, they didn't get a seat at his funeral. I thought that was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. in the original book, they always witness it. Uh, well, yeah, in the, in the funeral for a friend, I think they only witness it at the barricade. I'm just saying, it's just heartbreaking. It is. Yeah. Because like, nobody nobody knows can go up there and be like, hey, you guys, but the cops is like, hey, break it, up. I do think it's a little strange that the statue that they put up, it's him in the red trunks in his classic Superman outfit. Um, but the new, but, the this, but this Superman has never worn red trunks. So yeah, I think that's odd. It's and the, it doesn't, and doesn't at the end of the next movie. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess that's for, for us, I guess. Like, I don't know. That's not for that's them. Weird. Yeah. Uh, it's cool to have a black cat grant. That was fun. I love her design. Mm-hmm. Like I love that Bob. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. 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 Um, like this is a re- this is a relatively straightforward movie because again your villain is just a guy you punch a lot but I think they're able to uh, heighten all the all the emotional stuff around it that, to make it interesting. Yeah, I think this movie works very well. I was I was very I I honestly don't know which one's my favorite because I like all these I like all three of these a lot. I think they're all good. Um, I'm, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised how much of these of these 15 movies uh, that I that I like. I'm very happy yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah I really, I move on to. I, I really just I, I wish there had been a better way for them to handle the the switch from Diana to Lois as his love interest. Like it just feels. Yeah. That... I, I, there's a part of me that almost wishes that they had gone against the trend and just committed to the Diana and Clark as the thing in this in these films. You That's can even for. You can even have for that a lot. Lois, and... yeah, you can even have Lois show up and like she can be there and just realize like, hey. Uh, in in this reality, they don't get together, and maybe right. he does flirt and realize, oh no, I do love Diana. Like that could have been cool. Like you're doing this alternate universe thing, why not just try something? Right. Oh, well. um, shall we move into Reign of the Supermen? 
Rain, sure. purple, rain. All right, so rain of the Superman. Um, my first note is that falling on the boobs joke is getting really old. That's a that's a Joss Whedon special, and I'm like, why do they keep why did why, why do people keep making that joke? I mean, like it's very prominent, but he is definitely not like the only person. That no, does, I know. Does that a lot. I'm just saying the last two superhero movies he made, no, they're, for sure. they're in there, so that's a yeah, yeah, pretty big record. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think this movie is. I think this movie is good. It's it's a little bloated for me. It's a little it's a little got too many balls up in the air and doesn't really know how to juggle them all. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I, it's, it's doing a lot of legwork between the Superman and Superman returning and the Justice League and Darkseid. There's a lot. It almost like I recommend I commend them for making this two parts. It maybe should have been three parts. Honestly, I'm kind of thinking the same. I, 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 I do think I mean it's been a while since I last read this. I mean, this is like everything from like when the Superman first show up to Superman coming back. And there's actually some really good stuff. Like when, um, when cyborg Superman saves in this one, it's president Clinton when he says president Clinton or when steel and Superboy have their this one too. Oh yeah. <laughs> president Dale. Yeah. It, she was totally Hillary Clinton. You can tell. Holy crap. You can tell. But just there's actually some really good stuff in this one. But one of the big changes I actually did like is that how instead of Cyborg, I mean, full spoilers, Hank Henshaw is obviously Cyborg Superman. And whereas in the book where he's the one who not only just completely nukes Central City and brings Mongol into the fold, it's Darkseid. Mm -hmm. And as since we're talking about how this is one big cohesive universe, Darkseid being the puppeteer and Hank Henshaw being the puppet, I really like that. And also, it gave it not only gives Henshaw motivation for revenge because he thought Superman betrayed him, even though it was Darkseid who sent Doomsday that eventually, or that led to him killing his wife and his crew. But Darkseid's been ha has his on Earth ever since Justice League War, and this to me, this whole thing makes sense instead of just throwing Mongol in there because oh, that's what we did in the book. It makes sense, and I like it. It's also kind of nice they didn't they took out the Central City thing because that's yeah. what led to Parallax, and they're clearly not going to do Parallax in this universe. No, yeah, um, um, I I feel like they dropped a thread with Henshaw. By the way, I want to apologize earlier for cutting you off, Brandon, because I realized that you were talking about Henshaw's death and death of Superman, and I was mm -hmm. misplacing it in Reign of Superman. Um, oh, that's fine. Uh, but um, uh, I think that they dropped a thread uh, that was interesting about Superman having to either reconcile or acknowledge his inability to be everywhere, and yet that's not an excuse for like Henshaw behaving the way he is and that kind of thing. I think that 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 the the pieces were there, but they never really did anything with it, um, because they they pushed so hard that Henshaw relied on Superman to save them. He believed mm -hmm. in him so strongly, and it should be like a backfiring of that. But like, it's not something that Clark ever has to come to terms with, mm -hmm. uh, not really in a meaningful way. And I kind of wish that they'd done something with that. Mm -hmm. This film is not written by Peter J. Tomasi. I thought that was really strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do too. I was hoping Tomasi would have come back to write the second part, but this nope. this film has been re-edited into one movie. So did, why, why did, don't they just have one person write both? Did they release these close to each other? Yeah, they're one after the other. No, no, I mean in terms of release dates. Did this come out like a year after? Yeah, it was the next year. Yeah, I think it's okay. six months. I think it's six I, months. Like Death okay, Superman but, is late 2018, and this is early 2019. Okay, I wonder if the how the production schedule was. Like they were in production on both these, like around the same time. But mm -hmm. he's, but he could still be writing. No, I, like, I agree. Yeah. But like, it is weird mm -hmm. that the guy who wrote the first part doesn't write the second part. There's got to be a reason for that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, like if the Russo brothers didn't direct Endgame. Exactly. Maybe because yeah. he had to work on Detective 
comics too much. Maybe, yeah. Wait, who was was it? Tomasi who wrote? No, yeah, yeah, it was Tomasi who was writing Super uh, Rebirth Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's a really good use of Godfrey to introduce the Superman. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I yeah. thought that was a really solid way to do it. Um, I really like Diana and Lois's scene, their interaction with each other, and yeah, the right. reference to the Wonder Woman transformation. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the ice cream, the ice cream callback to ice cream callback. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, what an unveiling for the Metropolis kid. That was so corporate. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. I love it. I love that little jerk so much. I love his outfit. I love his haircut. Uh, Cameron Monaghan from Jedi Fallen Order and many other things is the voice of him. Um, Joker and Gotham. Joker and Gotham. I, I haven't seen that one. Um, but I, I find him ridiculously charming, if not completely annoying, as he's written to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of notes here that just say, damn it, Eric. Oh, Eric and Becky. <laughs> Eric and Becky. When he's, when he's like, I'll volunteer to be a cyborg. I'm like, damn it, Eric. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end when he when he dies, I'm like, damn it, Eric. I'm yeah. surprised that they killed all the, that all those people like died. Yeah, so, uh, Sparks, Sparks mentioned, so all their bodies are falling. Like, are they going to catch them? So uh, I don't think they're doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, dang, they're not even making an effort. They're just letting them hit that asphalt, I guess. They don't know. They don't know that they can't Fix do them. anything yeah. to save them. Yeah, was, I actually felt no. really I felt heartbroken for Becky because she sees I'm thinking maybe they'll be maybe the, once the armor goes away, he's like, oh no, he dead. They all oh, dead. I don't like that. Uh, I meant to t- make a note of it. The the in the de- the end of Death of Superman, the uh restaurant owner who loves Superman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's standing at the, and he's standing at the, uh, and he's, why couldn't it have been me? <laughs> why God? Why would you have a, a roughneck like me live and him be gone? And yeah, I'm sad. like, dang! And the way that they pay that off in Reign of Superman is pretty good. Yeah. Um, there's good action and good fighting in this one too. Uh, this has the most anime action because there's parts where Cyborg Superman does the anime. His face is like, ha ha ha! And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. his face is really big. It's like a fisheye. Yeah, a yeah. fisheye lens. Yeah, yeah, and like, and uh, the fighting is so it's so good. And um, the Eradicator with his cool glasses. Like, I this makes me want to read that original series because I I have not read Death of Superman. Uh, I just know through Osmosis and the Reign of Superman. I don't know any of that stuff. Uh, but I'm a big fan of all of these characters and all their designs. It's um, funny because, uh, sorry to cut, to cut you off, Ryan, because no, reading the return in the Return of Superman, reading the stuff about the Eradicator, the Eradicator is my least favorite one. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about the Eradicator in the comics is that, um, in like his fir- in Superman Action Comics, when he's first announced as when the Eradicator first comes on the scene, he kills some people, and one of the guys that he's saying is like Superman doesn't waste people, and he's like. He's like the Superman devoid of all humanity, essentially. He is a, just a straight robot. And when they turn him into a hologram instead of like a, a previous Superman villain, because that's what he is in the comic books, I actually kind of dig it. And even though they don't show that, like the smoking bodies that the Eradicator leaves behind, I do like the design and the Earth 2 style S on his chest. I thought that was uh, that was neat. I The idea that um, the... All the like all the energy he's absorbing, or whatever, is going to Superman, and it's not um, like it's not powering him; it's powering Superman. He's a he's a living battery. That, that, actually, that, that is such a cool concept. That's actually that's actually um, a more broadened thing in the book, because in the book, um, 
Cyborg Hank Henshaw, because when Superman attacks him, he's depowered. He's in a black suit. He has his mullet, which they kept. I'm really glad they did. Also, I, I've shadow. grown to truly love that look. Like for I love it. Superman for the win. Yeah. But well, there's this part where the Eradicator in the original comic jumps in front, and then Superman gets blasted with a wave. He takes the full brunt force of a uh, kryptonite poisoning. Mm. And his power does transfer into Clark as Superman, and he—that's how he gets his powers back. Interesting. I mean, okay. little, by, little by little, he gets his—he's getting his his powers back by uh, solar radiation. But it's because of the Eradicator, he gets his power completely restored in the book. Who says it. the line? Who says the line? Mind if we kick your ass? I don't—I wrote that down. I don't remember who said that. It's either oh, Steel or it is Steel. I think it's Steel. I think it's it's steel. steel. Yeah. By the way, Steel is, I love Steel so much. Uh, I really like when Lois shows up at his place and he's uh-huh. just saying, like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Lois Lane is yeah. And she's like, you you know I know you're Steel, right? Yeah. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. She's so, so bad at keeping secrets. And she also, anytime like a superhero calls, she has him either like Steel on the phone. I like, paused, Lois. I paused the movie and I'm like, hold on. So Lois had John Henry Irons in her phone and then found out he was steel, went in and changed it to all capital letters steel. Damn. She trolling that boy hard. I did like, I did like Lex Luthor a lot in this movie, especially when in in that moment with the cell phone thing, when he's just like, for once, I hope so. Like when he wants this, he hopes that Superman comes back. I like that. I I thought Lex was really strong in this. His brutality when uh, Connor is acting out and mm-hmm. like, cause you see the newspapers of like, of the man of steel, um, the eradicator and cyborg Superman doing their do being heroic. And you see Superboy unboxing action figures, taking selfies with girls in the streets and Luthor with the kryptonite kill switch, essentially the kryptonite needle. Mm-hmm. And it's revealed that he's half Clark Kent or half Superman, half Lex Luthor is yikes. You I still don't want to mess with Lex Luthor. And the I way that he kills uh, uh, Donovan is just brutal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love the way that Lex Luthor is like, he is this close to to injecting Connor and killing him with this formula. And he's like, Lex, this is the best subject we've had. And Lex is like, you know what? He is pretty good. I don't want to start over again. Yeah, you're right. She throws the needle away. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, God, you're just so shrewd. You're a good yeah. businessman. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, when, uh, we didn't even touch on it, but in Death of Superman, when he gets in his little, it's me, Lex Luthor. Oh my God. I'm coming to kill you. I will save you. Oh. <laughs> I am always Metropolis' savior. And then, like, gets wrecked. Yeah, yeah. I actually like <laughs> that. Just, when Superman saves him and he looks, and then Superman goes, no! Up, he's like, oh, no! Yeah, get, oh, get And also, call back to Alexander Luthor, where um, when Lex goes into the building with his super long red hair and yeah. his beard. Oh, I God. Love that. I know. There has to, where is that of him yeah, in uh, here? 80s, 90s, like Suthor, uh, big redhead. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, massive beard. Yeah. Um, there's some really good entertaining. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, him, that guy. Oh, look at, oh, look at that beautiful. There's man. some. There's some that. really good entertaining banter around the Justice League when they're working on the mission with the Metropolis kid. Uh, I really like all that stuff. Someone's mm-hmm. got to go say hi. All that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, and the cyborg. And he's like cyborg. Go, you do it. What, you just think all cyborgs know each other? Well, yes, but that's because I'm sensitive. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Uh, there's some good uh, Martian Manhunter action. He gets more play in this one. He gets, like, he turns into, like, Goro with four arms. Like, that seems to be his go-to. And I'm like, that's cool. Like um, oh, yeah, the Justice League get transported to space because a boom tube falls on them. 
which is a great way to pull them out of this story. 100%. Oh, yeah. I thought they were just going to end up on Apocalypse, but they but they got a whole war to fight soon. So I was like, yeah. okay, they're on Alien Planet. That makes sense. That was a really good like way to keep them involved in the story, but not have it like they could easily take care of what Henshaw's also, doing. Also, great body horror, because ter- the people make a people boom tube, and all yeah. of their arms like turn into like, yeah, really. Yeah, that was, yeah. yeah, and then the, the boom falls. Yeah, it's a... so let's talk about Darkseid. Apparently, he has ships. Voiced I mean, by Tony Todd. Yeah, uh, who's not doing his best performance? I gotta say. Yeah, it's. I didn't it's, like Darkseid's voice very so much in this one. Especially, um, Brandon, you, you're caught up on Harley Quinn, so you know uh, Darkseid uh, and how Jeremy Irons, Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside. But anyway, you know how like gravelly and deep and like other Dark Sides before. Really just how he's written. He yeah. just sounds more like Dark Side on Harley Quinn. Yeah. And then we're here. He's Thanos. And I'm like, this he's, doesn't sound like Dark Side the way he's talking. I Dark Side's great, but he's Thanos. <laughs> and again, specifically, this doesn't feel like the Dark Side from Justice League War. Yeah. This feels different. He's and planning, I don't like it as much. Planning, manipulating, using people, like, oh, I'm gonna do it mm. myself. Like it he he feels more like Thanos than the truly evil Darkseid. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, again, like it's been a while since I read any of the any comics, but I don't remember Darkseid having a space force. His whole thing is like he just brings apocalypse to us, right? Not that that's a yeah. big deal, but just, and, it just just this was a a, a Thanosization of Darkseid on a big level. Like he was the mastermind from the very beginning, and here's how all the different ways how. And I'm like, that's cool. Uh, I guess you wanted to do that that way. That's okay. I want to say everything, but. The way that they were able to like mold and change and adapt for the comics to the film to make it how it was all Darkseid's plan, I like. But when Darkseid shows up, I'm like, you kind of wasted him. And also, I don't, I don't know. Michael Ironside as Darkseid from the edit from Justice League Unlimited was intimidating. Um, even I want to say Batman Superman were the I want to say it's the movie where um, Supergirl finally shows up. I like that Darkseid, but this time Darkseid was like, meh. What's I don't remember. What's the yeah, it was, a, it was the Superman a, Batman movie with Supergirl and Darkseid. It's the second one, Apocalypse. The Apocalypse? Yeah, that one. This this uh, Darkseid just really didn't do it for me. He just he has, then, I don't I don't I don't disagree. Yeah. Yeah. But but, then but, he, luckily, but he is uh one of the things I do find interesting is that it's it's at this point when I realize I think they realized that they were gonna end it with Darkseid War about a movie ago. Yeah. Considering yeah. literally, like, they already made their Dark Side movie. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. And yeah. I I am excited to see how they do Dark... Because, again, this is our second Doomsday movie, right? And this Doomsday movie is better than the first one, I think. So maybe they'll find a way to actually make it... You need all of Earth's Justice League to fight uh, Dark Side this time. You know? yeah. Man, I don't know. I don't know. But I've seen some of those screenshots, and I'm very confused. So, <laughs> yeah. But one thing I do want to add is that even though we do see Darkseid and Darkseid and uh, Hank Henshaw, Cyborg Superman does like nix his control and he's able to like knock Darkseid before he gets to Earth. And then we get to what it really is. It's about Hank Henshaw fighting Superman. That's what it was in the book. That's what it was here. And I really like that. Even though Darkseid's like, I'm going to take over, suck it. And Hank Henshaw's like, nope. When Superman, when Superman is in, when Superman is in the, uh, the watchtower, and he gets hit by the solar radiation. Uh, I was confused. Was he not in the sun in the Arctic? No, because he was in the fortress. But he leaves the fortress, and then he's not powered. He just goes. He's just like no, because it was that sunset. wasn't enough. 
I don't know. You're making a lot of leaps. <laughs> leaps over a single building, a tall, tall building, over a single. Leaps tall buildings, a single bound. Um, I just overall, I thought like the dark side buildup was good. Just he himself as a presence wasn't well executed. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I agree with you that like it's great that it came down to that Henshaw versus Clark thing. But the problem again for me was that um, they they robbed they robbed Clark's end of the emotional weight of that. Henshaw has it, but Clark doesn't. It's it's just Clark fighting a guy who's going to kill Lois. It doesn't feel like him accepting any amount of, like... Guilt? Well, I and I don't even know that... It's not that I want him to say, like, I am responsible or it's my fault because I wasn't there, but, like, acknowledging on some level, like... He that he can't be everywhere and yeah. how he laments that and how he wishes he could have done more for Henshaw or any of that. None of that is part mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I wish it was. Yeah, other Superman, like in Smallville, I remember a scene specifically where Lois gets the power, where, where Lois gets Clark's powers, and she's like, how can you do this? And like she's like, oh my god, there's so much stuff happening, and then Clark's like, Lois, listen, she's like, oh god. And she's like, oh, okay, law enforcement's there, fire department's there, so you don't have to be everywhere at once. Or this, or this one I was actually really hoping for Clark to just be like, I'm sorry I couldn't save you, but we never get that. Well, yeah. that's the that's the thing that the that the I always I always advocate that Jonathan Kent should always die from a heart attack because it's the one thing that Superman can't stop. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And and I wish that they'd incorporated that because it felt like they'd set it up with the Henshaw stuff in, yeah. in Death of Superman, but they didn't pay it off here. Yeah. And, and it yeah. would have added just a more uh more than just can they beat Henshaw with with their physical actions but more of a you know there's an emotional back and forth occurring i talking about again like i don't know i don't know if if how you fix this is to make a third movie but like i just hear it in my head you have death reign and then return of superman and all and like i don't feel like clark's return had enough for had enough for me i don't know i don't know if you guys feel the same way like I, i obviously he has to come back but i feel like i didn't I guess I didn't. I didn't get enough of everything I wanted. Like, even though this movie's the longest one, I think it is. It is stuff, Brandon. You're right. I think the more I think about it, like I wanted to experience more of all those Supermen before right. Clark came back, and then, then Clark came back. Focus on him. There could have been more stuff taken from Return uh, from like the Reign of Superman, because yeah. I know even though this one has like the whole thing, the DC did split it up to make it like four or five books. So this is so the Reign stuff before. Um, Cyborg Superman ha- brings in Warworld and nuke Central City. That's now all separate. But there's some good stuff in here, like Steel trying to find uh, what, how, why their guns from Inner Game, his designed guns from the book, are getting to the hands of criminals. Superboy trying to come to cl- uh, terms of him being cloned and him not goofing off, and the Eradicator just doing all the things. Eradicating. Yeah, eradicating, essentially. There could have been more. I mean, I'm happy with what I got in Reign of Superman, but I do agree there could have been more, and then the final film could have been the true return of Superman instead of yeah. just being like this giant thing. So before we move off of this, we did get some comments and responses from our call to actions on Instagram. Um, do you want to go first, Parks, or do you mind if I read yeah, this Yeah, I just want to finish up my notes real quick. Uh, there's a butt dial from Steel oh, while he's in yeah. a fight in the Fortress, that's and I just good. think yeah. that's really funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> Lois, why are you calling me? You called me. Oh, sorry, butt dial. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good line. Yeah. Um, I really love the angle of uh, Bebo, uh, Bebo, uh, the restaurant owner speaking for the everyman fandom of Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I love the stubble along with the black suit and the mullet. Mm-hmm. It looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
solid culmination build the way that everything like as much as i feel like this movie's over stuff the way that everything narrows down its focus for the third act is pretty good and the way that they utilize lois in the third act is really good oh i haven't mentioned oh, yeah. it at all but um in this and the last movie she's always wearing some type of shade of purple and i love i always love that uh she's got purple eyes but she's always wearing like a purple necklace a purple blouse purple shoes something purple uh i like that a lot mm-hmm. yeah I, like uh, the design. I also like the voice actress mm-hmm. yeah I really like the costume redesign that we get at the end, even though we don't get the trunks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that j- just like they make it a, a brighter, more vibrant blue, yeah. and they take away the collar and all that stuff, it gets a lot closer to the classic Sans trunks. Um, it's the uh, Rebirth it. outfit. Yeah, yeah. I thought I it, it, it looked a lot better. better. Yeah. yeah, it looked a lot I better. I mean, as much as I grew to tolerate Superman's new 52 collar, once it was gone, it's like that's so much better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, the po- the post credit scene is cute. Which what is that again? That's Lex uh, showing up at the watchtower. Oh yeah, oh I'm yeah. <laughs> and uh, the post credit scene in the death of Superman had death of Superman had three introducing the different Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so the uh, so we had some comments. Uh, just just one comment from for each from Varengian Vigilante. Sorry if I butchered I that. Know, like, I uh, he said about Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, one of the top five DC movies. I um, agree. Death of Superman, okay. And Reign of Superman, missed the mark. He was a little harsher than we were. Yeah. I definitely, um, personally feel Death of Superman is stronger for me than Suicide Squad. I, oh, yeah. Man, I, I think Suicide Squad is my favorite just because... It, it it caters just to more to like the stuff I want just in a movie. Like it just it's more it's 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 more wacky, more fun, more. Uh, and I I've seen the death of Superman multiple times before. I haven't really seen a Suicide Squad like that before. Um, yeah. so I think Suicide Squad is my favorite too. Not that the other ones are bad, but like surprisingly, again, another good batch of DC movies. Wow, awesome. I I will um, also say I think uh, Death of Superman one hundred percent has in my opinion, the best animation sequences, uh, like isolated animation sequences of any of them so far. Yeah, some of those fights are truly awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so next week, we're going to be talking about the last three, Batman Hush, Wonder Woman Bloodlines, and Justice League, the the the, the, the Apocalypse War. Oh, Batman Hush is part of this? Mm-hmm. Okay. What about Constantine? Constantine, uh, I couldn't get a confirmation whether or not it, it is a CW Seed miniseries that was released five minutes at the time. I'm aware um, it is part of this. I couldn't get, I couldn't find a confirmation on it. I, I mean, I, I did because they, they already like said that it was initially thought that they would make it part of the Arrowverse, but it doesn't fit with that continuity, so it's this continuity. Uh oh. Well, which one are we not watching? Well, I don't know. You guys want to watch them? But I don't. I, I didn't put them on there. Uh, it doesn't seem to impact the continuity at all. We just got we want to just do three more movies. I mean, I can we can talk about it off air. Yeah, we can talk about it off air. Yeah, we can talk about it off air. Yeah. Um. Okay. So book club time. Hey, welcome to the Fake Nerd Comic Book Store. Can I help you find anything today? Yeah. Hi. Um. Do you have any books? Can you be more specific? Um. Anything readable? Yeah. It is time for the book club. Brandon, take it away. Thank you. Uh, it was my turn for the book club. It was Superman Smashes the Clan uh, from Jean Luen Yang with art by uh, Guri Hiru. Guri Hiru. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I thought this was incredible. Yeah. I didn't know. Um, 
I didn't know what this book was going to be before I read it. I just knowing the name, I assumed it's a, he smashes the clan. Okay. I didn't realize how um, real the book it was. Mm-hmm. This is, this is not a traditional DC book. This is a real ass like political book. Um, yeah. And I, I was so impressed by the beginning because it starts the, the, again, talk about, we talked about earlier, the microaggressions of racism. You know, I noticed it on like, in like page 10, it's the first time you notice like, oh, there's like a little girl being racist and not knowing it. I'm like, okay, I see the direction this book's going. Then it's straight up, just goes straight up into actual KKK and what they believe in and how they operate. And also Superman's there. Um, and I just found this uh, uh, really uh, I just, uh, good for DC for putting this out. Like truly, it's, I, I celebrate that they had the balls to put this out. Uh, this artist needs to be on more things because this art's incredible. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, the artist is actually a team, and they that they did Avatar: The Last Airbender before. I was um, gonna say it feels like that. Yeah, no, they have, they have, they did it up until Imbalance. So they did like a whole bunch of Avatar um, stories. Right on. But Superman smashes. I am so glad I went out and bought this book. I bought this book today because I actually have been wanting to read it, but I'm like, no, I think I'm gonna like this. I it was, and after I read it. I am so happy I did because this book is just straight phenomenal. I was even telling Fanny that she should probably give this book a read. I mean, all the political stuff in there is, is great, but also what I love about it is that it's a period piece. It takes place in the 1940s, and yeah. also it's Superman. Um, the main focus isn't about isn't about Superman learning, uh, coming to terms with his alien side, with his immigrant side, mm-hmm. but him finding out that he can fly, him finding out that he has powers, him seeing his parents Jorel and Lara as aliens and then when he finally gets into the Fortress of Solitude essentially seeing them as what they really look like is phenomenal. But it also he's coming to how he's coming to terms with the fact that he is an alien while Mm -hmm. seeing Jorel and Lara as aliens, as like pure aliens. Thought that was interesting. And this book is just weaves all of its threads together so well. You have the um the clan of the fire of the fire cross um, harassing the leaves you have super, uh, them saying that yeah superman is like the best man he's the master race but they don't realize that superman himself is an alien a literal alien and the fact that uh, they they call um the um roberta and uh tommy derogatory names and oh god it just this book is just so good i cannot i'm so glad i got this i know i'm i'm i'm, I'm freaking rambling and everything but i cannot this book is just so damn good i just love that it it Again, it doesn't shy away from from being real, using real racist terms. Um, apparently, this is based off like an old radio Superman radio show. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. reading the stuff in the back is incredible. <clears throat> yeah. And the stuff that that Gene Yang has gone through, like his whole life story about like him writing the story and how much it means to him, is like awesome. And again, like this is something that like this is something like March. Like this is like something like an image book would put out, but it's it's actually DC Superman really tackling real issues, and it's it's. Again, it's, it's just really bold, and apparently this book did really well, and it's really clearly acclaimed for good reason, because it, so, it's not just a great story, it's a good Superman story. You know so where the, I found uh, this? No, go ahead, Ben. No, do you want to know the interesting thing where I found this in the store, where I bought it at Barnes & Noble today? Hmm. I didn't find it in the graphic novel section. This was in the young adult section. It is part of the young adult line. It, it is yeah, part of the young adult line. This does not, even though this is for young adults, this does not read like a young adult book. This is for everyone can pick this up and it's so real and it's like this is what has happened this is this is real stuff today 
So one of my favorite sequences uh, is pretty late in the book, but it's it's when the Union Center is being bombed by the by the uh, the clan of the Fiery Cross, mm-hmm. um, and the one guy is in there. He's like, "Oh, I want to die. I want to be a martyr." And he gets saved by Superman just as the bomb explodes. He's like, "Am I dead? I must be. Ha ha! I stayed true to the very end, oh Lord. I'm ready for my reward." And then the priest who run one of the one of the, the rabbis, rabbi. who, the rabbi who who runs it, says, uh, "Excuse me, your foot's on fire." He's like, "Ah, there are Jews in heaven." Yeah. I, I cracked oh. up. God, I love this part right here. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, that's not my favorite part of the book. My favorite part of the book is actually in the beginning. And well, what's interesting, well, Ben is flipping to that page. What's interesting is that um, it's also a story about Superman coming to terms with his with his alienness and his powers. Mm-hmm. He's learning more about him. I love seeing him run on the power lines. I think that's a I, cool concept. I think the, the concept of you you aren't using your full abilities because you want to blend in more is such an awesome take. Uh, that I, that I, that I, Roberta's doing the whole book. She yeah. wants to blend in. Yeah, exactly. Well, and like, and like that, it's an incorporation of acknowledging what Superman was like back then because he didn't have these powers. Yeah. He didn't have all of these things, yeah. and tying that into a narrative choice to actually create a comparison of Superman is more than just a representation of of uh, what. Um, he describes the the Grand Scorpion describes him as, which is as uh, the perfection of yeah. white uh, superiority. Mm-hmm. And, and I found it. Oh, sorry. You finished, Sparks. You you finished your point. Sorry. No, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but this is it. This is my favorite part. Explain explain it to the listeners because well, this will the go favorite, on iTunes. Sorry, sorry, I forget. So my favorite part is when um, after Superman, Chuck, and um, Roberta save Tommy from the river, and um, he's having like a hallucination of his parents. Uh, Roberta goes out to talk to Superman, and he gives to give him his cape back because Tommy broke his arm, and they use the cape as a sling. So mm-hmm. as she's giving the cape back, he's like, "You know what? No, my mom made this, made me a bunch of these, so you have it." And she takes Superman's cape, and she's actually happy. I want to say it's one of the first times in the book she actually smiles with pure joy. It's not like a fake smile where she's actually happy to be where she is. And then her mom goes because in the first few pages of the book she loses her favorite jacket. She she has a she has a upset stomach, a girly stomach, as she calls girly it. Stomach. Yeah, she throws up a lot, and she threw up on her favorite jacket. Her mom takes the cape and makes a brand new jacket out of it. And I thought that yeah. was just sweet. So one of the things that I also that I also really appreciate is things like Tommy Lee uh, mm-hmm. trying to fit in in the Union Center when he says you can't they can't burn this wonton. Yeah, yeah. To uh, try to fit in with the with the rest of these guys, with the rest of these kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's yeah, it's self-deprecating your own race to try to fit in for a bunch of white people, and that's that's re- that's really shitty that people feel like they they have to do that to fit in. It's really yeah, it's really bad. Um, for me, what it was when I was reading this book that made me go, oh, so this is gonna like really do it. Uh, was when the other doctors who are working with her dad come to visit and he's talking yes. about the pie and he says, oh, yeah. it's not, it's, uh, I'll have to tell you, it's apple, not dog. And I'm yeah. like, whoa, oh, yeah. okay, yeah. we're doing it. Yeah. And then yep. it just goes up from there. Uh, I, I love- oh, man. That was some, that was some shit. When I, I was like, oh, this is going there. Even the old, even the old, the old cop, the old cop who's just like, well, you know, you got all the privileges now and you get like all the best jobs and things and you get all the, like, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. What's happening? Uh, it's, it's very, uh, that moment in Watchmen where he's like, uh, so those reparations treating you pretty good, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the Superman running on the power lines is awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think that's an so awesome he, he little concept traffic. for him yeah. 
to get around. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's so much good in here. Um, it's hard to cover all the bases. I think one of my favorite things is, uh, the use of the character of, um, Chuck, Chuck, who, uh, is wearing the Superman shirt and actually like moves to strike against Rebecca and ends up hitting his bat on Superman. And like the idea of being that person who looks up and idolizes Superman being faced with, uh, having just struck your hero be out yeah. of a, a motion of hate towards someone else uh, is pretty, uh, pretty powerful. And then later, one of my favorite things with him is when he's walking down the street with Tommy and he says, I mean, is there really anything wrong with just wanting to be around your own kind? And he's like, Jesus, T- Chuck, what are yeah. you saying? And, and, and he's like, look, I just, I, I want to know, know that he's saying, I don't know. I just want to know my family isn't evil. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's uh, maybe the saddest part of this book because it's, again, it's this kid, <laughs> this kid who, doesn't want to be racist, but he feels like he has to, to like impress his family or to stay with his family. And he's like, he realizes it's wrong, but he, 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 he can't, he can't fully realize it. Like you never want to realize that like your, your, your heroes are, are monsters. Right. Um, and that's like, really, he's like, I just want to know my family's not bad is such a, is such a sad thing for someone to say. Cause like, it's a young kid who's really impressionable, you know, like trying to just go through life. It's also kind of telling, it's also kind of, uh, telling when when Superman comes down as, and he's flying and everyone's saying get him Grand Scorpion and everyone's like the amount of times he saved you guys yeah. like the kids are, the kids are the ones the next generation are the ones mm-hmm. being like no we accept him look at I mean what are we doing why why did we just turn on him now right yeah. um and, and I think that's a really powerful statement is Clark realizing that he has to do this not just for himself to be who he really is but also so that uh people like the Grand Scorpion and the Clan of the Fiery Cross can't say, well, that's our guy. He's not their guy. He's our guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he's really there for everybody. And that's that's mm-hmm. really, really a powerful message and to tie it in so well with this family. Um, as is true to the original radio serial, this is about a, a Chinese-American family, which is really, really cool. Um, I think very often it's easy partially because of the way we were taught in history classes to associate the Ku Klux Klan with specifically hating black people and not as much with the fact that they, they're all about white supremacy over everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like that this is from a Chinese American perspective about the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, Cause that's who it is uh, <laughs> uh, that, that it's from that perspective. Uh, but it's still getting across all the same messages and it's involving black people, which I thought was a really other one of my other favorite moments is when the, oh, uh, the Dr. Lee, well, when Dr. Lee comes out and he's like, no, get out of here. Cause you're going to make it worse. Yeah. Looks at the black people as he, you know, even the other, yeah. The other, other. And then, uh, and then and, it's the, the detective guy. Yeah. He's exactly. like, oh, so, sorry. Yeah. so at the, so at the end of the two, two sparks point at the end of the, uh, of the graphic novel, there's a long essay about kind of the history of the, of the Ku Klux Klan and uh, Gene's own history. Um, yes. And he and he specifically mentions how Birth of a Nation is the reason why they do the cross burnings. I didn't know yeah. that. Uh, that's yes, that's very true. Um, there's also another thing that I think this does really well. Uh, what I think is a nice point, even though it adds in the fact of like the real point of the Clan of the Fiery Cross is uh, hoping to stop uh, Superman, and but the uh, focus on funding that um the Ku Klux Klan at one point in our history was basically a money running scam it wasn't really actually about 
the belief in the ideology. It was just a, a scam to get money based off other people's hate. And that is part of the Ku Klux Klan that, history. That was that was an interesting part of the book. It's like the the super emperor scorpion guy was like, wait, do you actually believe all this shit? We're just right, here for, yeah. we're just here for money, you weirdo. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, man, this is all this one, one it's religion, all one color, all God, that stuff. Yeah. Um, some of the said it was a scam. Yeah. Uh, some of the imagery is so strikingly powerful, but it's so very effective and evocative. Um, I really like the burning of the flaming cross oh, on the Daily Planet. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, I that's think, something. How'd they get up there? I don't care. Like that imagery is so powerful. <laughs> yeah. um, Clark, uh, when Clark discovers. Oh, uh, oh, and sorry, real quick. In that moment, when Roberta, Roberta is the one to realize, like, I think he can fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he, he, he tries to jump up the building and he starts running up the, the side of the building. Yeah, that she starts working through that and that that's a big motivator for him to change. I really like how much center stage characters that aren't Superman are allowed to be in this book. Yeah, the leads uh, are, are almost center stage. They, they really is, are, cool. and along with Chuck and along with Jimmy. Yeah. Um, and you you feel a lot for Chuck and you feel a lot. I, I think that's that is one of the hardest stories to write is to write for, for someone who's on the other end of things. Yeah. And I really like that they have the moment where Tommy explains like, no, there's no way if he's the one who threw the the bomb at our home, uh, then he missed on purpose. Yeah. Like he would have mm -hmm. hit it if he'd wanted to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's, that's really effective stuff. Cause that's really hard to write someone who's entrenched in that ideology and trying to break free. Um, yeah. I, I appreciated that a lot. Uh, one of my favorite little bits is uh, that when Superman goes to find the, the broken radio, he finds the crystals, the, where he sees his parents and everything it's in Lake solitude. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a good oh. little, that's such a it's, little it, it's under the water yeah the the whole incorporation of classic superman uh imagery and the way he functioned the way that people perceived him in the 40s to be like slowly evolving into the way we'd interpret interpret superman today is really really good the, the um when mm. when superman comes in it's like it's the superman and superman's like there's no the that's a little it's a little uh it's a little much it's a little much yeah, yeah. call me superman right um, I, I really, I, you know, it's a weird place for humor and like, I, I these are the kind of things like I, I, I do wish that there was a, a graphic novel like this I could have read as a kid because, you know, this is some imagery that, that maybe we do need to be exposed to at a younger age and go, wow, this is really wrong. And mm -hmm. this is, this is what hate mm -hmm. looks like. And I really like the grand scorpion trying to say, we're not about hate. We're about mm -hmm. love. We're about, we're about the love of ourselves. Yeah. And it's like, we're not about hate. And it's like, oh man, you really, you're really but, all about uh, hate. But when he, what, the, the weird bit of humor that, that really struck me was when uh, they've got um, Perry and Lois and the inspector and he pulls out the sword and he says, this has been handed down my family through generations. And Lois is like, yeah, and it costs two seventy nine, and they just start <laughs> cracking up at yeah. him. Um, I, I really like that they put the grand scorpion on the back foot, him and his uh, freaking anime hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I just want to say again, like bold, bold of DC to you, you walk into a comic book store and on the stand is Superman beats up, smashes, the clan. smashes. He, well, I mean, like it's a Superman book where he beats up the the, the Ku Klux Klan. Like the, I cannot believe that a book like that exists that they're actively pushing out. I'm like, that's so awesome. And it's wonderful, but it's also like, dang, this thing, this thing literally exists as a radio serial in the forties yeah. and people loved it. And it's part of what, like there because he references like the essay that brandon's referring to at the end about superman and me his bibliography has a lot of things he's pulled from studying uh reading up on how the ku klux klan worked throughout history and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff and there's an argument to be made that this was part of the downfall 
of their notoriety at the time because you suddenly made the Ku Klux Klan uh, childhood bumbling fools. Oh yeah, you made them fools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in a in a children's production, yeah. and uh, and that really damaged their reputation. And I think that's really awesome. And I and I'd have to hope that this is not only educational but does the same thing where it's like you know you guys are clearly the the fools, the wrong bumbling ones, idiots. It, it yeah. makes you seem like the incompetence you are. Yeah. Um. I really love the part where uh in in my version because I picked up the them as they were coming out so it's three parts um mm -hmm. and at the top of part three is when uh, it does the flashback to superman uh to clark and lana going to the circus oh yeah and the strong man uh, and the inspiration for that's his so costume cool. and i think that's really really yeah. a nice 40s version of him being inspired yeah. one, uh, thing, one of the things that I, I also want to praise this because uh as much as i love how the, the leads are center stage we also take a look into what superman had to go through while he was growing up and I really like how, I mean, you're in rural Kansas. You're, it's a church-going town where him and Pete are getting harassed by the bullies and Superman flies and, sh and uses his heat vision for the first time. Obviously, the mom is calling him a demon spawn of... You got the devil in you. Yeah, you got the devil in you. There's And the, the cop who's like, there's no there's no brimstone. Where Clark... You I don't see Clark, brimstone. Yeah, where you see Clark trying to, for once, be not use his gifts because people are calling him a devil born they're calling him horrible things and to finally to see when like when lana does show up at church and she's like you get away from him it's to, to see their friendship blossom i really dug that because in the way he's also going through what um roberta is going through where she doesn't know how to fit in yeah R right um i i I thought they did a really good job of not making this feel heavy handed, but making it like appeal to kids, but it's also mm -hmm. just a good read in general. Yeah. Um, I, I think they nailed that balance really well. I really love the ending when she got the pen from Lois Lane. She's like, no, these are your initials inscribed on it. And she's like, no, no, no. You, I did my research. I know who you really are. You're Lan Shin Lee. Yeah. Uh, which is really, really a nice touch to be like, you know, just like Clark, you need to embrace every part of who you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and her, and her, and the first thing she says in the last page is, "My name is Lan Shin Lee, not my name is Roberta Lee." Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's her. That's her flying moment for for mm -hmm. what Clark did earlier in the film or in the book. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't, I can't praise it enough. I think it's really well done. I think the the. Uh, Art style is really, really good. I it's think it's super charming. I think it accentuates a lot of emotion. Um, I think it strikes a perfect balance of like uh, being able to feel like a, a welcoming and, and warm uh, children's tale while at the same time showing such, you know, truly uncomfortable imagery uh, yeah. is associated with the clan. Yeah. But they, they strike that balance really well. And there's a, there's a lot of heart put into it. And, um, I'm really glad that they they were willing to push forward this book. I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, okay, Sparks, it is your book club next week. Do you know what it is? Nope, not a clue. All right, we'll find out if we're sticking with Political Month next week. <laughs> um, next week we will be talking about the next three movies. Well, we'll talk about it up air, but definitely the next three movies: The Batman Hush, Wonder Woman, Bloodlines, and Justice League Dark: Apocalypse War. And that'll be it. Done with the DC. Uh, we got 200 coming up i guess oh yeah there's that cool um all right we you guys are watching this one on youtube don't forget to like and subscribe and check out our other videos uh we have fake nerds watch on on, on here right now where we go through and do some after shows about the various episodes of tv shows um one episode at a time generally but we'd have some specials with the entire series the boys is coming check out our retrospective on the boys yeah 
Um, Basement Arcade, we are doing Mortal Kombat 9 right now. A couple of our episodes of that left. Um, check that one out. And Fake Nerd Book Club, our newest series where we are going through Wasted Space. We've done the first two volumes out of three, and the next volume is coming up next. So check those all out. All at the link in the description if you're listening to this or on this channel if you're watching this. We are a Funko affiliate as well. Use promo code SHOP10 for 10% off a purchase by clicking the link in the description below. We have a Patreon. We have a Public if you guys would like to support us uh, financially. We also have masks being created by Crafted by Z. Um, they are FNP branded masks. They got a logo on them and they look really cool. Um, check, I got one right here. If you're watching this on the audio stream, right there. Look at that. FNP mask. That's cool. Okay. Um, all those links are in the description below, or you can find them on our website, www.fakedrightpodcast.com. Thank you to everyone who listens. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you to Jeremy Vellucci for our music. If you're listening to this over on the audio, uh, you can find him at Jeremy Vellucci Keyboards. He does a podcast called Suburban Proctologist, which I believe is on is on YouTube as well. Thank you. you check out his... Sticking around, Mag. Sorry, he said goodbye. He's been oh, around for good night, guys. Thank you so much, Mag. It's been a long episode. You're a trooper. Um, Suburban Proctologist. You can find his podcast, Suburban Proctologist, on iTunes, Facebook.com, slash Suburban Proctologist Official, and Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Thank you to Mike Matola. Mike, you're great. Thank you for our, our now three logos of Fakner Podcast, Methelanius, and Fakner Book Club. Uh, you can Ooh. find him at Mike Matola on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Fakner Podcast, FakenerGuys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on only Instagram for now. We'll see how long that lasts. I forgot my Twitter password, so maybe a lot longer than I anticipated. Uh, uh, ben? You can find me at BenMagnet27 on Instagram and Twitter, and also writing for OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. Sparks? Uh, you can find me uh, struggling to keep up with the ever-changing realities of our country uh, at SparksWitty on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z-Witty. Ryan? Hey, it's your boy, Ryan. You can find me at DJ Tony Snark anywhere on the internet. Uh, we, got a, we got a new microphone. So I think I might be I might be uh, sharking it up tomorrow. I think I might be playing a shark BG if you know what I mean. Spoilers: I might be playing Manhunter. If you want to watch me be a man shark, eater. man eater. I'd rather be Manhunter. If you want to see me play Man Eater, look me up. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Until next week, guys. Stay fake, nerds. Bye.